we know when you have um, sex, or however you want to call it, intercourse, sometimes mm-hmm. entanglements, spiritual, <laughs> uh, some spirits, you know, no matter what, it's all it's always going to have some kind of energy attached to it. So we're just yep. talking about the good and the bad, and you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And, and, and the things that make the face look ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like I was saying before, and, and, and like, okay, I'm not the guru and everything. Everybody can chime in, you know what I mean? And um, I don't know everything, but I just know my experiences and I know what's been revealed to me. And I just know from hands on, you know, it's almost like taking a guy who learned how to be a mechanic from watching the old mechanic in the neighborhood and a guy who came out of school with a c- certificate, but he doesn't have the super hands on. So the guy with the certificate will say, well, what do you know? You don't have a certificate like me. But that guy who's been hands-on for so long, he's the one who could tell you some things. And maybe he can't explain it correctly, but he's internalized it. You know, so I, I don't try to come off like I know everything, but there are things that, that I know that I know that I know from hands-on and just eh, lots of practice, right? Especially in different scenarios that are not usually the norm. And me being very perceptive, me being what I would call an empath to a point. I have those, fe- I, I, I'm not, I'm like Superman on crack, okay? I don't have the full magic powers, but you know, there's things that come to me, especially in that realm. And when I speak about sexuality, you know, it, it I'll put it this way, like we said about these energies. Let's just jump right, get to the point, because we all know pretty much, we're all on a certain level. Or those who I'm seeing who are here. So I don't even have to go through first grade. Let's just jump right into the trigonometry. Bottom line is that we know, and we know now, maybe we didn't know it when we were earlier, but we know that when we have sexual intercourse or any type of sexual contact, there's a type of energy that's roused up. And the spirit, in the spiritual world that we don't see, that our fallen spirits and energies that have not ascended, they're still here with us. And a lot of them are trapped here because they can't let go of the physical sensation and those, the lust and, and the part that is decadent. Because we all know about those things. We all know about when we were teenagers and we fell in love with somebody and it wasn't about the sex, but we had this special feeling just to hold hands, to get that kiss on the front steps, you know, that, 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 that's to me going toward what it should be. But now since the world has been hijacked and we've been imprinted with images that we all have been curious about, it's taken that thing and we've gone down a different road with it. And it's done like that because it will satisfy these disembodied spirits. I'm not making sex bad. It's a good thing. It's a gift. But it's been twisted into something else. It's like a little kid on their way to school and some pedophile says, I'll take you to school. I'll give you some candy. Just hop in my car. And they never end up at school. So a lot of us never end up where we should be because we've been lured away from it by a lot of things that we've been imprinted. Back in the day when they had music going on that, you know, you can go to a party and you can be a little kid and you can hear Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. You know, when I heard that song, I thought maybe two guys were going to fight. It was a boxing match. And the adults knew exactly what it meant. When you heard, let me be your rocking chair, rock me everywhere, rock was F-U-C-K. 
But we didn't know that. We thinking, oh, that's a nice song. It's a lady singing about rocking in the rocking chair. And the man's behind there pushing the rocking chair. But he wasn't pushing the rocking chair. He was parting and pushing something else. So those days were more innocent. But now children can get on social media and go on Red, Red Tube and YouPorn and all these. Uh, yeah, I know all them sites. What I'm saying is that now it's something different. And that's to open the door to other things that weren't there in abundance. They were there before, but like, you know what CERN and opening up the portal and opening up hell, or what, just to say it briefly, there are more things that are on this earth now that are enjoying what we enjoy and whispering our ear to enjoy certain things or gravitate towards certain things so they can enjoy it too. And they want to get your energy. And this is why lots of times, if you're in something that you're both not in it in a pure sense, I'm not even going to talk about the white man's you know, piece of paper to say you're married, whatever. That, that, that's an that's a insignificant formality. It's about the commitment of two people together. That's the paper, not the paper you get downtown, because you can get the paper downtown and be in a hotel room with two different people, you understand, that you're not even married to. I've seen that happen. So, like I tell people, when, if you're by yourself masturbating, do you think that you're the only one there? The, the, look, at the point of orgasm, you ain't the one only enjoying your orgasm. There are people around, not people, there are things around you sucking from you. Yes, that way too. They want you amped up. They want you feeling good. They want you feeling good with other people too. They want you feeling good with a whole bunch of people. They want you out of control. And I'll say it this way. This is why, okay, good. I'm, I'm going to let Bernadette Baker come on in. Okay. You can chime in because I'm going to continue or whenever you're ready. I'll continue on until you want to unmute yourself and chime in. So, yeah. So now sex is not even driven by the normal succession of steps that we go through. We see people in the street. They look at you. You look at them. You all know what's up. Hey, what's your number? So can I see you later on? Later on, you don't know what you got, but you in the bed with this specimen that turns you on, male or female, if you're female to male, male to female, I speak for both, but you're also transferring things, mixing and blending. Imagine big water bugs and lizards and things crawling all over you, and you, they have things crawling over them, and you, you lay down with them, and now it's crawling over the both of you, and those things multiply, and they're crawling all over you. So now that you've tasted another person's energy of pleasure, now you have ascended more into decadence because it was just that. And so the spiritual decay will happen. I have to say that. And, and when you are owned by them, they can whisper in your ear that, or they can whisper in two people's ears that don't even know each other. But one's around the corner coming down to the same intersection that you are. They done set it up. You all both got this weakness. And we as human beings, lots of time, try to dress it up as love try to dress it up as a relationship, but we know it's just about hardcore F-U-C-K-N. And, and it's a good thing on that level because that's the gift, but the gift was turned around into something else. And so now we erode our character and then we become addicts and we think about this thing more and more. And the bad part about it is now those entities begin to pull back, back the pleasure that you get. So now you got to do more to get the same thing. Sounds like crack, right? But that's what it is. Spiritual crack. So now you fiending now. 
You see something on the, on the, on the porno, and it's like, oh my God, there's something introduced to your mind. Maybe if I do that, I'll, I'll get the sensation because you're chasing the sensation. And your mind is like, like getting worn down. You know, so go ahead, Bernadette. I don't want to go too far. And I want everybody to talk. It's not just me. But go no ahead. Worry. Hi, Lance Gerv. Um How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you? Oh, doing great. Doing great talking craziness. You know, my, my zany mind sharing some things. <laughs> oh, this is not crazy at all. This is actually very on point and right on time. Thank you. Um, hello, fam. Um, yes, I completely concur with what you're saying in terms of the spiritual ties and the types of energies and having to activate that discernment to ensure that you are protecting yourself and um, and and your energy uh, force uh, because now the way that times are it's it's in excess it's out of balance and there are many people regardless of intimate platonic what I've been noticing is that there are many people that are starving for life mm, for yes. life and for for um, innocence, for goodness, they're starving for it. So when yes. they come across someone who has that essence, they latch onto them like a parasite and drain mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why you have to be so careful. And it's it's and you know it's much like um, you know any type of predator. They're they're not necessarily going to come and and say I I want your energy. They're going to be using a lot of charm, a lot of manipulation, yeah. um, and and uh, you know a lot of mirroring, so that when you think you're falling in love with that person, you're actually falling in love with the reflection of yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, and you're very correct on on the exchange of uh, energies that. You know, once you lay down with this person, you tend to absorb their their frequencies, and yes. unfortunately, those frequencies are low vibrational, and it 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 can wreak havoc. Like after having to separate yourself from that negative energy, and that's mm -hmm. if you're lucky to do so, because some people end up staying and spinning their wheels, hoping that things will get better. But if you if you're lucky to separate yourself from that energy, then it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to try and get back to where you were. And there is no guarantee that you will be made whole because of it. Yes. Great point. Great point. And, and when you do have the see, I'm freestyling now. I know this stuff, but I can't prove it. I'll say it that way to those who listen to it later and say, you can't prove this stuff. But but it's something internally that I know. We're born to know certain things, and these are things in those roads and those worlds I've traveled. I know it. I'm not the I'm not the expert on it, but I know what I've been through and I know what I experience. But I'll say this for those who want to understand more, and like you just said it was a great point, because when you part with that person, all of a sudden it is so hard because imagine that your imagine physically your flesh melded and blended and your limbs became one 
and now you got to rip yourself physically from how do you do that imagine your Siamese twins when you become that spiritually and it's just as painful to pull apart because you're thinking about this person if the person was abusive to you you have some kind of connection to them where it will be kind of easier knowing they abused you but that connection happened and no matter what with breakups that we've had it's always been painful unless it was outright like say even if they cheated on you and you found out it's still painful because you're connected to them and these days in media TV and all of that they minimize any knowledge of that connection they make it totally hedonistic and totally good to the point where men are always on the lookout and again when I speak here I'm not blaming all women but women are the ones that really catch the attention especially to men with the eye we have more women walking around in a, in a, in a seductive way the way they dress you understand but the, the precursor to that is that spirit of lust, perpetual lust. We're, I, the way I say it is that we're all pornoed up. We're all porned up. Whether you watch porn or not, you look at an Instagram, and I'm not blaming anybody here again. I'm just saying en masse, when the tide rises, all bolt, when the t tide goes up, all boats rise. So we're all jacked up in the head and affected by it more so. Those of us who might be a little more experienced, I won't say older, because older doesn't mean that you're wiser. A lot of these older men with their little, with their little Viagra pills trying to catch up on what they didn't do when they were young, they just as dumb. They don't understand. And even when you understand, it still hits you. I tell everybody, it don't hit me every day, but every now and then I say, bing! Oh my God, if I had that in front of me right now, I'd jump them bones and it goes away. And I was sitting, oh my God, I thought I was away from this thing. See. Relapsing can happen and people don't understand that it's very much real because these energies know the cracks in your armor. They stay on you and you become more appetizing to these energies the higher you go and ascend and control that part of you, which is good in the proper context, but it controls you still if you let it because there's always going to be offers. I used to tell friends of mine way back in the day, I say, you know how I can manifest a drop-dead, gorgeous, sexy-ass woman? I didn't have any problem. That was my thing back then. But I controlled it to a point. But if I wanted to manifest that, I say, this is how you do it. You, you openly proclaim that I am not dealing with anybody for a year or two until I get this thing. And you got to really feel this. Don't just say words. Because these energies know when you're joking or not. But you got to psych yourself up and say, you know what? I'm not dealing with nobody no more right now. I don't, I'm not against women, but I need to focus on this thing and I want to live my life a little more righteous. And you, you walk in that for a little while. You turn the corner and see what comes at you or within the next two days. That's how it works. Something to bring you back in. And again, I'm not painting women as being that, but I'm a man who likes a woman. So it's going to come to me like that. And whatever it is sexually that you like, you could be a bisexual woman and want to get away from that and proclaim that and here come one rolling up on you. You might be a woman who's into couples or whatever combination. I mean, this goes for the gay world too. So now, let's talk about them. I'm not that, but I know about it because I know a lot of people who are, and I've studied it too, being around it. Imagine with the sex drive of a man. Now you know, and I've said this on a lot of shows recently, you as a woman, you know how men can be. You can be walking in a supermarket and there's some man 
looking at you a certain way. You can be at the red light. There's some man looking at you a certain way and you know exactly what's on his mind. If you allow these men to, to climb on you and jump on you and mount you and lick on you, they'll do it on the spot. They're aggressive that way. Even when they try to act cool, they're on the prowl. You can be with your man. And there's some man sitting down and you walking by an outdoor restaurant and he's trying to cut his eye at you on the slide in a way letting you know through us. I see it's all through the eyes. That's why you can cut a lot of this stuff out by avoiding eye contact. Because see, it's not just a matter of seeing what's there. There are people who can project their spirit on you through their eyes. And especially in the gay world, they've mastered that. See, that's like, and I've told this story a million times. I'm going to say it again for this recording. I was in Atlanta at Lenox whatever mall, that big one, right? And there was a family, three kids and a wife and a husband, or who they were together, those were their kids, I think they were married. And there was another dude near me who was obviously gay because he was throwing them gay eyes. I wish this was live so I can show you what they look like. They, you know when Eddie Murphy makes his face up and glares up his eyes? That's how these gay dudes do it, but they make sure nobody else is looking other than the intended target. And so they, this guy was looking at me that way and I look back at him and I like, you know when a person puts their hand under their neck like they're gonna chop their neck, I'm like, yo, uh-uh, no, no. I just looked at him that way. So he focused his attention on the family guy, right? So the family guy was laughing with his wife and playing with his kids and they were, they were eating. So he looked up and I observed this and, and the gay dude caught his eye and he threw that look back like, I'm with it. I'm with my family here, but I like what I see and I'm with it. I look back and forth, I say, oh, snap. And again, most women just don't have it. To, you, you gotta like be aware of it. You don't have to be gay as a man to know it. But I've been hit on so many times, I know it when I see it. But you gotta watch the, when you see, if you're sitting somewhere and you see a gay man sitting there by himself or whatever, watch their eyes when they see something walk by as far as a man is concerned. And it's like this glare. So. This dude, the family dude, rubbed his stomach like he was in pain, pointed to his watch like, basically, oh baby, I'm gonna be in the bathroom for a while. Because the gay dude got up and walked into the bathroom and gave him that look one more time, like, you know I'm going to the bathroom, I'm not going to do number one or number two, I'm trying to do you. So he went in, the regular, the, the family guy got up two minutes later and walked in, because the wife was like, oh, like something to say, like, okay, don't take your time, baby, whatever. He went in there and I'm like, oh, nah, I can't believe this. Now I know this works, right? I gave it three minutes. I was nosy. I went in the bathroom because it was like a mall bathroom with the stalls and the bottom part, like, you know, you can see somebody's ankles and their feet or whatever. Like here out in the crowd, the crowd mall, it's a room you lock in. That's why they got signs on there. Don't have sex in here. So they got the same problem. These dudes were in the one stall. You can see because I watch people's feet and what they wear. The dude that was a gay dude, right? He's sitting on the toilet and the other dude was sitting or standing facing in the family guy. So you know what was going on? I was like, I don't believe, I walked out of there and I don't do that all the time. It was like, I couldn't believe how it played out. So with men who have this aggressive sex drive that a lot of them is based on lust and not satisfying themselves anyway, could, could you imagine how they are? turned on each other that they don't have no restraint like if it was a woman she's like oh this guy's checking me out this guy you know these guys run after women so hard she might be on a period she might have diarrhea she might have cramps she might not want to be bothered she just want to run out to the store and come back 
everywhere you go to these men, just looking, just looking. Now there are many women who have mastered that for their benefit. And I don't mean mastered like it's a good thing, but they're like, I've heard a lot of women who have been molested who really don't trust a lot of men just not even just when they were molested we know from my talking to sisters that the majority over 50 percent have been touched violated in some way it doesn't mean complete intercourse or forced oral or whatever it could have been a fondling of or it could have been violation by what an uncle said or what a what a parent or some cousin or neighbor somebody in your proximity because that's when it hurts the most. When you have somebody in your inner circle as a child and you think, oh, I'm in my inner circle. You know, and parents have got to watch their kids because maybe you might have a young girl who's in her room. She thinks nobody's out in the living room. The parents think she's going to be in there for the, and she runs out in her little panty or whatever. And then that next person who might be an uncle or whatever, I mean, the un uncle's always the culprit, right? Um, Sees her like that and then puts something in his head now, whoa, I'm going to get, because that's in him already. So a lot of these young girls have been violated when they get older. There's a disconnect because their first experience with anything that way was, was something disgusting, was something fear, they, they feared it, it's like, and they know it. And so also, there's a disconnect. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Lance. The, I also wanted to uh, also add that there are a lot of um, young men and um, and boys who've experienced it too. Yes. Um, uh, on the other side, um, but it's not talked about as much, and there isn't enough support for for young for men and boys um, to discuss um, how they've been violated sexually as well. And yes. this could either be um, through uh, family members. Um, oftentimes, it can be through friends of the of the parents, um, mm. primarily friends of the mother. Um, it also could be through teachers. There's been a lot of reports on female teachers being predatory um, and sexually violating um, young boys. Um, mm. You know, in the classroom, and so, and then when they try to seek help, then they're ridiculed. So, yeah. so there's that element of it too. Yes, yes. You know, I have a few gentlemen who reached out to me, and they want to do something on that, but they, that they, they they don't want to come on. You know, there's a bit of the shame, and you know, they they just want it pitched out there to see what the responses would be, or maybe where they can get help, because there's a lot of shame in that in their mind because when they look at society a man is supposed to be a man that's still there even though there's the whole gay thing where it's okay to be gay or whatever a lot of these men were raised up at a time when men were men you know what i mean i'll just say it that way and there was always been gay men but i'm just saying you know how it's pushing the black community so they walk with that on them that they feel that sometimes there's something wrong with them and then i've talked there's one gentleman i want to Really, maybe he might come on, maybe he won't, but it, it, it doesn't matter. I'll talk about it. I mean, I've never had that experience with no man, but most people who listen to my shows know that my uh, older cousin, a female, in her 30s, and I was f five years old, just turned five, and I was doing all the oral and everything. She's playing games. I didn't know. I'm, you know, she's, you know. So um, it made me hypersexual. It, it gave me certain desires with women that, you know, are normal but a bit extreme. And, and it carried me for the rest of my life. 
you know, and, and, and it's like my life has been a blur because of it, not all of it, but a lot of it. And there was a disconnect because it was sport and play as I got into my adolescence. It did put it this way. This way I explain it. We're all old enough to know the 45 RPM records back in the day. And imagine having two identical records on two identical turntables and they're playing because, you know, you got the grooves and everything. So you, sometimes the record skips, you put it back. Imagine one playing and you trying to lift up the arm of that needle and place it back exactly so you don't hear no echo. You hear the same thing. It's almost impossible. So when your trajectory of development, if you're messed with a little bit, doesn't mean it's your fault, doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you, but somebody took advantage of you in a way that changed your trajectory and your development where things will be a little different how you look at sexual things. It's like taking your favorite meal and it's supposed to bake for one hour, but you take it out after 15 minutes. It's not going to taste right. You're not going to like it. You see, so... That's the thing, even with the men. So since they're so aggressive, a lot of them could just meet the ones who are flaming, even when they look hetero and act hetero, but in their heart, they're flaming. And they see another, the eye contact, and they, they, that, that's it. Look, they used to have, I've spoken about this before, bathhouses in New York City. And I never knew what that was. I just thought like, well, you might like be a little funky at lunchtime and go down there and freshen up before you come back to <laughs> You come back to work. And I found out that that was not for that. They had jacuzzis. They had the showers. Some of them had gyms. And they pay their fee to go in. They had memberships and stuff. And they would go in there. And it was just for men to have sex with other men. They didn't know. Maybe they meet up with somebody on the down low or whatever have you. But they go in there. I said, that's what that is going on in there? Oh, my God. And that was a regular thing. All neighborhoods in New York City discreetly had in usually classy neighborhoods, you know, the so-and-so men's bathhouse. And the way it was uh, 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 presented wasn't any flashy neon lights, very classy. From what I can remember, seeing these different places, because once I got hit and somebody told me what that was, I'm, I'm, I'm noticed all on the east side of Manhattan coming up, some in midtown Manhattan. You didn't have in Harlem when Harlem was black, right? But it was always these neighborhoods that way. And, and you'd see these people coming out and they came out so discreet, you know, suit and tie and just dressed decent, whatever. And they would have their pick. They go in there, mess around with one, two, five, whatever. Um, the Village Voice, which is still around, is a newspaper that basically was the real deal newspaper. It came out once. So it comes out once a week and it deals with all alternative everything from way back. I stumbled upon a copy of the Village Voice in the mid-70s what caught my eye. I'm reading this paper and I saw a curse word. I'm like, what kind of paper is this? So I'm looking at all the subjects about things in the world, but a lot of things in New York City. And you go to the back pages back then and you see all the sex ads for different things, phone numbers to call and phone sex and stuff like that. But in more than the 80s, they did that that way. But is anything decadent, massage parlors, anything sexual, and so that's a place where you can explore and see all kind of things. But going back to it again, these people get these things in their head and they want to act it out. So could you imagine in a day when porn is right there for you, that anything that you desire in a decadent level that can develop not just into a fetish, but something you're possessed in doing. And see, from my point of view, my opinion, which I think is pretty authentic because 
It's always been something sexual with me. It's always been people listen to the show, know my background and everything, right? That's why I say I can kind of say and speak on these things. But I remember back in the mid-80s, I was in this sex shop on 42nd Street where they sell movies. And so when me and the fellas would go out to the city, we'd always go in and look at the covers. Oh, look at this, look at that, whatever, whatever. And I told a friend of mine, I said, listen, you see, five years ago, they just had movies and they had a section in the back for the gay stuff that you had to walk through this door, which you, if you didn't know you walked, uh, you see it like, nah, that's not for me. You get hit with a visual. But then after a while, you started having sections for different desires. You had a few movies in this section for, you know, a foot fetish. You had a, a section here for big breasted woman. You had a section here for interracial. Simple things that we all know about, but it was just a few. And I said, I told my friend, I said, listen, you come back to this place in 10 years, you're gonna have all different things because the way it works is that when you have a desire that's been imprinted in you, not, and I'm not talking about the marriage bed or the commitment bed, because those desires that come are more pure. It's like whatever you do, like they say it, I'm not trying to get biblical, whatever man or woman does the bed, it's okay as long as you're consenting, I'll roll with that. But these things that inspire us or get imprinted into us from what we see, then when we do it, it's like putting gas on the fire. We want more, we want more, we want more, or more intense. And you meet people who are into certain specific things because they were introduced into it. And now you get the computer going along and you got things like Clubhouse on your phone now. Before it used to be the computer, message boards, but now you can meet people in live time. There are websites out there like that, okay? Where regular people put their stuff up. It's not even about porn where it's all glossed over and the girl looks picture perfect and hair brushed and they're doing and everything is so, no. Now, it's, it's infected the world so much that you have so many porn sites and they're not porn sites but they're regular people who they're looking for people, they wanna show their stuff off or do whatever and it's bad. Just like Craigslist, and I said this on a show years ago, I did a show just about Craigslist and even then people didn't know about it, right? Because I know so many people who are still in those worlds who hit me, like I got my, I got my own informants, like Lance, do you know that uh, on this particular site this is what's going on, you got the talk show, talk about it. Well, Craigslist was honest and, and something simple and harmless to most people where you can just go on, I'm looking to buy a car, I'm looking to buy a computer, I'm looking for a roommate, everything that, you know, I'm looking for a job, right, whatever. Lance, you went into the matrix. Oh, you just, okay. you just came back out of the matrix. Oh, okay, okay, how long was it? What, what did you hear last? Oh gosh, I am i can't remember. I, I just remembered you were going into the matrix. I think it, it wasn't even half of a second, but then you're like coming back up. Oh, oh, oh but okay, there, okay. But there's a piece that, has been missed. Okay, okay. Yeah, let's like maybe I'll go back a few seconds. I, I didn't even know I was going to be running my mouth like this. It, it, I'm, look, I want everybody to jump in, but if it's interesting, I'll keep going. This is me just thinking up loud. So I never like to dominate, especially something like this. But I know, like, univer Universal Coach, he says, yo, you go ahead and roll with it. Again, I'm <laughs> yeah, not trying to good. dominate. 
you good. Okay, because I know you like these stories, yeah. right? So I'm just going to do it. But but just ju- just jump in when you want to say something. Just because okay. after a while I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shut up and make you all talk. I'm going to say something when you finish with that. Okay, just jump on in just when you when you're ready. Um, oh God, wait, wait, I fell off the track now. What what was I talking about? Um, God, dog. All this information in my big head, and I'm, I'm forgetting. You were talking about how right? you was going in um, and out, um, how when you were starting off, how they start off with the magazine, and they start off with little stuff, and now it went Yeah, through. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was talking about Craigslist. Um, the innocent type of website all over the country and all over the world. You can look for listings for apartments, different things, cars, electronic equipment, whatever. Um, if you had a job or you had something to throw out that somebody wanted that was worth something to them, you go to him, but I had everybody on that particular show, after I explained it to them, I said, listen, I said, you have certain people, you have a, a, a listing on Craigslist for man looking for woman, you know, like they would say M for, you know, the letter, I mean the number, W, then you'd have W for M, then you'd have MM for M, two men looking for another man, or you'd have, you know, C for BM, blackmail. Let's focus on that, right? Because you had all kind of transsexuals for this, you know, this for that. Two women looking for another woman. It's, it was out there and it was big time. I told him, I said, y'all don't have to tell me where you live, but I'm going I'm to tell you that in every small town, every place, and we're just picking on this one. Every little city, little hick town across America, from the major cities all the way down to those areas, had some white folks looking for a black dude to screw the wife. I know that because I've been pr- approached on that so many times. Some a white couple that they might even be racist, but behind closed doors, it's sick. It's I'm telling you, it's sick. So I'm glad that you brought that lived. up, Lance, because yes, mm-hmm. they were called the Mendingo Party. Yes. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because yes, I, I've heard a lot of, of yeah. And I've explored the sexual underworld all over. I didn't always do stuff, but a lot of times I I I wanted to see. I was nosy. And you know, most of you know I used to throw adult parties for consenting adults for years. So the things that pop up when you're in that not line of work, but line of hobby, uh, something you do. So you you get used to talking, seeing and talking to these people that they work hard to appear so upright in the outside world. People think that there's some dude out there with a five o'clock shadow and a trench coat on and flashing people looking creepy. Nah, you got corporate people. <clears throat> it's, it's worse in the corporate world. There was a club that I went to called Suds, right? And it was like a block below the South Tower of the World Trade Center. In the daytime, it was a like a bar and grill, it had a dance floor, but nobody was really dancing in the daytime. But it was a basement, uh, the subfloor and the regular floor. But at nighttime, on Friday night and Saturday night, the cold word was Phoenix. If you walked to the front and said Phoenix, you knew what was gonna go on in that place that night. If you didn't know the cold word, you couldn't get in. And it was a, it was a off-premise sex club, but they rented it out for that night or those two nights, and it was on premise, but you had to go downstairs and do certain things down there. You had other places, Led Trapeze, Plato's Retreat, 
um, um, oh God, you had S&M clubs. I've been to those two. I wanted to see what was going on in there. He had Club 0121st Street, right across the street from Dance Interior in Manhattan, right? And that was a S&M club that had sex going on in there. I saw some weird shit in there that night. I saw some very weird stuff. I didn't stay long. I left. <laughs> it was like, you ever see those uh, uh, screensavers where you have the mouse and wherever the mouse is, it's like 50 different things floating toward it and you move it, you get away for a little while and it follows you. That's where it was with me. They look at me the way I was built and they just wanted to know why I was there. Oh, I'll tell you a few things that I saw in, saw in there just to, for entertainment purposes. I you gotta make it entertaining. But um, because I was rare as a black man up in there, there were other black guys in there, but you know, I was doing bodybuilding back then. I'll tell you when it was. This was, March, I can't tell you the day, it was March of 1983, and I was going to turn 20 the next month, <laughs> so I've been around this kind of stuff for a long time, and Club O, I usually wanted to have a friend or two come with me to these things, and they go, no man, I don't know, I don't want to be seen there, I said, I don't care, I'm going up in there, I want to know what goes on, so basically, it was an S&M club where you had the dominatrix, and you had the submiss submissives, or you had the masters, you know, and you had those who, the submissive women and different things, and they'd make the woman do things. And she had to be, she had to listen to him. You know, I've seen, I saw white women walking around all fours, you know, master had the collar, and um, if he told her to suck a dude off and swallow, I, sorry, I gotta get graphic, she had to do it, and I saw this with my bare, my bare eyes. And then later, later on, which is maybe like 15 minutes later, I said, come here, man. I said, yeah, what's up? You want, you want to suck you off? And most men, they're not going to refuse that. And there she is again. And, and in a sloppy way. And she wasn't allowed to wipe her face with it. It didn't go down her throat. Sorry, I'm turning you all off. I'm just telling you the extremes of what these people, mostly white people, did. And let's get down on a spiritual level. Because they have no souls. So they're going to, they wallow in this stuff. Even when they come to religion, that's all it could be for them. They have to try hard to act spiritual. Maybe some, few, get it. But for the most part, not just because of what I saw, but because of what I dealt with all my life seeing these kind of people. And they spot me and they know me because I had things on me too being around. It wasn't like I was some goody two-shoes. I was doing my thing with sisters and doing my thing. So they knew it's a certain radar you have. It's like when a person is so spiritually advanced and spiritually attuned and you're in a crowd, you know that one who can see and discern when you can, you know? And nobody's perfect, but you're cleansed to a point where you know what you're dealing with. Just like when you see somebody who has a decadent spirit and it's obvious, me, I, it's like I got radar. Like even out here in Accra, where, where even homosexuality is like illegal, but you can't stop somebody from doing what they do behind closed doors. There are two dudes, I, I, I just went down two blocks, and there were two dudes throwing the radar, throwing them eyes at me. And I'm like, oh no, it, 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 it's, it's, it's an epidemic. They're talking about the pandemic, all of these spirits that, we're not even talking sex, we're talking anger, murder, murderous things. People losing their mind and being tested with their sanity. Whatever your, the crack in your armor is, there's something trying to pry it open hard. That's why even last week, six days I didn't come out of this apartment. 
I, I couldn't take it. I was too sensitive. I didn't want to get out. I felt like something, I didn't feel like something was going to jump on me or anybody was going to beat me up. But you can't punch a spirit out. You know what I mean? And I didn't feel weak. I just didn't want to be bothered. And I'm here where, you know, it's not like New York City or Miami or Orlando, Florida. But even those things have reached out here to a certain point. You understand? But even in the club now, I sat out in the corner and there was this little narrow jacuzzi that had bars on it on both sides and it was like a wall on both sides. It was kind of high up, but it was a jacuzzi and there was a swing in there. <laughs> it was weird. So there was a dude sitting down in the water and there was a Grace Jones lookalike on the swing over his head and she cracked her legs open, suspended herself over his face, held the bars on both sides and urinated all in his face. And you ought to see, ah, 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 ah. I had, look, I had to do everything I could just to not crack up because this dude, he was getting wet. I don't know whether she drank like two gallons of water that day and held it, but she gave that boy, gave that boy a shower. There was another woman that looked like Hillary Clinton before I knew Hillary Clinton, right? But in, in retrospect, she looked just like a younger Hillary Clinton. And they took a chair, a regular wooden chair, you know, that you'd sit around, maybe around a dining table, and they knocked the back off of it. It was already like that. So you had the two rails coming up that the back of the chair would be on. That was off. And so she was blindfolded. I'm watching this happen. This dude, he's blindfolding his wife, tied her up, her hands behind her back, it, with, with the rope loose so it wasn't like the, the wrists were touching together and it wasn't uncomfortable. The hands were back, blindfolded, short skirt, lifted up, and she had to put her torso on the seat of the chair, right? So now she's basically bent over. And so he made her arch her back and everything. And he called, the fellas all, it's a big club too. Listen up, everybody. Anybody want to F-U-C-K, my wife? Raw? Come on up. Line up and do it. And dudes were acting like, oh damn, for real? But they found themselves over there. And they found themselves lined up. And they got behind this woman. I could not believe the guy came. Come on, man, come on. Because you know, back then I used to look up. That took care of I'm myself. Sorry, so Mike, I, uh, I'm yeah, sorry, my jaw just dropped on what you just said. That, that happened? Yes. yes. Oh my gosh, I can okay. Take, I can sit here with y'all for like the next week and pull stuff out of my head of what I saw. Because seeing this stuff was... I mean, spirits were on me from five years old. You know, I had things put on me from when I was molested by my older cousin. So, I mean, I talk about it, you know. I mean, I, I, I'm open about it. So, she's there, and different, mostly white, black, and there was an Asian dude in there. And they were getting ready. They lined up. So, they took their pants off and put it to the side. Some of them were playing with themselves. I'm seeing this. This is like a movie. That's why movies like that, I was like, ah. And then remember, I used to throw parties. I'm used to seeing this stuff around me for hours, but not this bizarre. So this, um, boy, whoever don't know me hearing this, they're like, God, dog, what kind of guy is this? So the, guy, the first guy gets in him, and he's taking his time. And the, guy, the, the husband is making jokes. Come on now, let's hurry up and get it. You're getting it free. Come on, hurry. You know, you got 12 guys behind you coming on. Come on. Now, the husband, it struck me weird. What man in his right mind would want his wife to be in that situation, or even in a club like that, to be looked at, and, and you getting off on that? So he is saying all these degrading things to her. 
She's nothing but a slut anyway. F the, 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 the S H. I could just curse because I'm not trying. Just fuck this shit out. I don't care. So on, so on, so on. She's a cum dump anyway. And this is why I know, like a man like that, he'll go deal with another man easy because he has a resentment for women. I've seen these kind of scenarios. Not this. That was the most extreme of his kind that I saw. But I, I noticed a lot of these guys who like other men with their wives. It's like, it's like the wife is a shoehorn to get the foot in the shoe. So the wife is like, you'll see some of these guys going down on the wife after stuff like that. Because they really want the man. That's what turns them on. But they can't admit it to themselves. And this is not every case. But the next one went, the next one came, literally, <laughs> the next one came, there was a puddle of sticky sperm, sticky mess all around where her knees were, everything, everything. He came up behind her, stuck his hand in a vagina and smeared it all over his face. I'm not touching nobody else's stuff. You know what I mean? You're having sex and your own stuff get on you. That's mine. You know what I mean? That's like, to, not to be lewd, but you have a one-ply accident in the bathroom. You don't freak out. That's your stuff. You just wash your hands. Now, this guy didn't care. And they all, and by the time they were done, more people were getting on in the line. And some of the first guys got back in the line. I'm looking at these guys now. How are you going to push your stuff up in a woman that got the ejaculate of, of 15 men ahead of you? You see what I mean? That, that just doesn't make sense. I have a friend of mine who was dealing with a promiscuous woman, and she was all over the place. And we had recently found out, kind of. But he still wanted to have hope that she was a goody two-shoe. And one day she came over to his house after she had been with this other guy that we knew about. And when he went down on her, he got a mouthful of something that wasn't female juices. And then he realized it. That's terrible. And that wasn't even a, in a swinger situation. So we're still talking about the spiritual stuff that's going on. Could you imagine the spiritual decadence, the, sp the entities and the energies that were in that place because I felt it. It was dark. I'm not saying anything dark is bad, like, oh, devil's food cake black is dark. And no, no, I'm just saying we know what it is, a heavy, dark presence. I'm not saying white stuff is better. I'm just saying those are the words we use, and it was, it was depressing. And I said to myself, look at these corporate-looking people. I, like, I used to like to see what they look like walking in. And they're so professional looking. Not all of them, but, you know, that personality. How are you? And, so, and then later on, you see them at the most decadent. So what were they doing at home? If they can come in public and do this. Now, you remember the thing where they used to have, um, what was it, those pilgrims or the Puritans back in American history? And they used to have their neck and their wrists in this wooden thing that almost like a guillotine. You put it, you lock it. They had one of those in there. And they had a guy who was in there and he had a dominatrix with him. And these guys like this stuff. They like to be humiliated. Oh, I got one for you after this. So she was walking around dressed in a sexual and white lady. You know, she had the guard about the heels, the short skirt. But it wasn't, she wasn't there to get laid. She was there as a dominatrix. And she was torturing this guy because she would put her breast near her near, near his mouth and you would see somebody reaching and he couldn't reach it <laughs> and he was all, he was hooked up in this thing and then she was like spanking him and stuff now here's the other one that really freaked me out 
I don't know if you remember the Adams family, where Gomez would lay back on this long thing. It was like a seesaw kind of thing, but it was wide, and you tied your hands up above your head and below, and it was leaning back. Your head was down, and, and, and something like that, not tied up, but if you can get more blood to your brain, you, they have things like that that are healthy for you, but this was a torture thing, right? So there was another dominatrix that was, you know, he was blindfolded, but she took the blindfold off and she would squat over his face and he was trying his best to lick her and say, well, if you're a good boy, you know, I'll let you do this. But you've been a bad boy. You've been a bad boy, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You think you deserve to have my juice in your mouth? I should shit on you. And he was, oh, yes, please, please. Oh, I'm not doing it because you want that. And she was smacking his testicles and his boy. He was naked. He was a Jew. He was a Jew with a little beanie on his head. He didn't have time enough to take the beanie off. I'm like, yo, the other Jews that are out there, if you take pictures, they ain't, they're going to disown you. So she whipped out a candle. Whipped out it. Now, I know when wax drops on you, it doesn't really burn. But I'm not trying to find out. Not on my balls. She went and lit the candle. And you know how the wax comes? And it landed on his balls and his penis. And he had to feel some kind of heat. Because he shrieked out like it was burning. Every time it did. So, and maybe it was a special cat. Look, as deep as you want to go, you can go deep. There's all kind of stuff going on all over the world, but more so, I mean, I know in Dubai also, but America, America in the UK, but America, America, and the other people, like I said, with Craigslist, like I said, there was a guy who lived in Virginia on the outskirts of some major part. It wasn't Richmond, but it was like a straight up hick town. And he's like, Lance, and this was during the show. I had everybody go on and punch in their area and where to go to the sex part and to go look for these things. Couples looking for black male. They could not believe and they had no pictures there, but they could not believe the amount of ads that were there requesting that. That's a big thing. I remember in uh, Orlando, a friend of mine told me, and I, had, I heard this happen also in, in Manhattan. Here's another thing. You have white couples driving around aimlessly. I know a lot of guys who had stories like this. Yo, man, check this out, Lance. You know, I know you with that wild shit, right? But yo, something happened to me, nobody believes me. I said, what happened? Man, I'm chilling, you know, waiting for my boy to come down the block. You know, we're gonna go hang out and see if we can get some honeys, you know what I mean? This white lady, man, and this white man was driving the car, and she called me over. I thought they'd look at the cop drugs, but I don't do that. But, you know, she had this outfit on, and when I got closer, her titties were out, and she was, so she wanted to know if, um, you know, she can suck my dick. And I'm looking around like, this can't be real. What are you, the popo or something? What no, 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 I'm going to suck your cock. And, yo, you know what? I took a chance, man, because I heard shit like this happen. I guess today was my lucky day. Her husband pulled up. He got out the car and said, go ahead in the back seat. You and her do your thing. And he was watching now. When I looked real hard, the motherfucker was jerking off. I said, what kind of shit is this? Yo, Lance was right. See? So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Lance, I, I want to was... touch on as well. Because um, mm -hmm. um, when you were talking about a lot of stuff that was happening, going on, I made me think about when you were talking about the spiritual aspect of it, 
and how mm-hmm. basically how it comes in, how it, how it plays. And, and it's true, a lot of people don't know the power of sexual energy. Our government, a.k.a., you know, the corporate mm-hmm. uh, America, uh, knows that they do rituals all the time, but people don't understand mm-hmm. just how powerful sex is. That whole energy is. It is a very powerful source. It is very, you know, put into the wrong hand and it can shift the move and make other stuff happen. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I always look at it on that end, like you were saying on that end. About that, right? Um, it was just, it was just. You're kind of buffering, sweetheart. Your sound. I don't know if you have to move. And I had one or two when you were in the room, Miss Ella. How's sound now? It's speeding up. It's slowing down a little bit. Is it sound better? Yeah, yeah, it sounds better. It says poor connection. Say it again. How about now? How about now? Yeah. It, 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 I guess this is the system doing it because sometimes yeah. on other shows I've heard it where like you were buffering for a while so that's a positioning but then you were, sp- you were speeding up and slowing down so I know Clubhouse because it's got to be a hell of a server that they have all these conversations on so yeah. I know the glitches like that you know yeah I got into the to the the end of it talking about what people do but going back to the spiritual yeah um, there are people who know how to master it mm-hmm. meaning that I can give anybody a surfboard and put them out in the water and they probably will just fall every time because they don't know how to balance certain things. And when you learn how to balance and connect with what is natural, Mm -hmm. like a wave, and you balance that wave, you can catapult yourself to high speeds in a very powerful manner when you know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And and it's not just merely the power of uh, seduction. That you'll see a woman who, you know, she, she looks a little sexy and she flirts. That's the beginnings of it. That, that, that's a low level of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But you can project sexual energy out and have people around you eating out your hands. Yeah. And it's oh, not yes. about sex per se, but it's that energy. Because mm-hmm. we have life force. How many times have you noticed that physically you think, oh, man, I'm tired today. I'm, I'm hungry, I'm tired. But it might not be just that. As we get older, we realize that it's not just a physical thing. It could be mental fatigue, but it can also be a reduced life force. And life force fuels the sexual energy. Life force is like the trunk of the tree, right? And we got a branch or a big branch of it off that's purely sexual energy. Then you have another branch that's emotional, more cerebral, another branch, all these little, little sub-branches on a big branch. So it, it's a life force thing. And so when people understand that they can see someone who has a weak drive and a weaker life force, that they can, they can engulf this weaker person and entity into their energy on a sexual level without even laying a hand on them, turning people out without putting a hand on them, there are people who practice this. Yeah. They understand this. 
See, so they can get what they want, not because they opened up a few more buttons on the blouse to show more cleavage. You know, it's the eyes. You know, if there's anything physical, it's that initial eye contact. Mm -hmm. I can see one of those uh, well-developed, I mean, in their spirit, well-developed like a predator, those Jezebels. I can look them in their eye and see them in passing. They're not all over the place, but the sexual ones. And it's always a sex thing with a Jezebel anyway. But, you know, those who may not even be practicing something concrete that's been written in a book or passed down, but they got it naturally. Just like you got fighters that are natural fighters, but they're not honed yet as if they were trained in a gym by a professional to take that talent. Mike Tyson was always a fighter. But they put him in a gym and developed his talents. So you have people out here who pursue this, who don't know, and they become that. And then you have some who have a natural affinity for that. And, they, and once they learn little things, oh man, they're dangerous. Because just with a glance, they can win a man over and control him. And he don't know what the hell's going on. It's just like, you know, randomly where they hear the story of when they blow the powder in your face and you don't know where you are. You end up 45 miles away in another city holding your shoes in a hand walking on your tippy toes. <laughs> you don't know what happened. Well, that's the way this is. But it's never men fall for these types because it's not just, oh, I think I'm going to get laid. It's a controlling energy that's so powerful. It rouses up a desire and you're like a silly putty. You do whatever this woman wants you to do. And because I have a powerful life force and developed that, see, I wasn't a weak man throughout all of my you know, escapades in life. I can control it. So when women tried to control me that way, a lot of times it didn't end up too well because even without saying much words, they didn't like me. They knew they couldn't get me. And when you take that away from a Jezebel, she's not going to like you. To the point with me now, as one who was recruited by something back in the day to be that seducing spirit to bring people into doing crazy stuff at my parties. And when I realized that is when I decided to get out, I said, I can't do this no more. This is doing something to me. I got to get out. You see? And you know about my old girlfriend who was, you know, she was pushing it. She was sent to me to, to pull me into that more. You know, so that's when all hell broke loose in my life. A lot of bad things were happening. Not bad where or we got locked up or no, because I don't live like that. But just like I started to get more challenges. You're losing jobs. You can't find this. Money's low. Your mama dies. And then, you know, just all this stuff. And I was like, wow. See, when these entities have you, they're going to make it sweet for you. But when you're in there and trying to get out, especially when you were elected to be one who was influential to break these women down, like that, not as a predator, but just laying back cool. Oh, you heard about the party? Well, you you want to come to it? Oh, yeah, tell me about it. That's a, we talk, whatever. Oh, my God, I got to come there. I said, listen, if you do, nobody's going to bother you. They're going to respect you, whatever. And they do, you know, I just want to come and watch. And they're in the middle of the floor doing the most stuff. You see what I mean? So I attract that kind of thing. And that's why I stay away from all eye contact. But I am very sexual. So I can't let it get out too much. But I talk crazy sometimes on the shows and it messes up, messes a lot of things up. So I got to even curb some of that. You know what I mean? But yeah, it, it's, it's 
people just don't know what they're laying up with. I, I, I got to tell you about this one. This tell, about that, tell about that other one, too, that you was um, about. Uh, it was the oh, three oh. people. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to get graphic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like that one, but it yeah. showed you. Yeah, I'm going to talk about them kind of, them spook. This, this, let's talk about the spooky stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is when I was having my parties, and it got to the point where people wanted to come around us. When I say us, me and my girlfriend, she was bisexual. She was 95% lesbian. I was just her front. She was into me, but she didn't dig men too tough. But she was absolutely into me that way, especially since I could help her move about the earth. When they say, oh, that's a nice couple. They're into each other. And I was into her in all other ways and sexual. But I knew what it was for her because she grew up in a strict household and she couldn't be seen a certain way. But she was always picking up women. I met her when I was 22, young, dumb and full of uh, grapefruit juice. And just, you know, just I was like, OK, I'll go along for this ride because she told me straight up. And when I know it's a spiritual thing, before I get into that story, I want to say this one. There was an old girlfriend before that, that, how old was I? I was like, hmm, 17, and it faded off. It lasted like a year and a half, but it faded off. And I was still doing other things at that age, mind you. But that was the one that everybody knew. And we broke up, and we broke up, and then three years later, I meet that one there that I was with for eight years doing the sex parties. And in our talks, a few, few months after we got together, I mentioned the name of my old girlfriend. Because it's not something you, it's important that you go down the list. And she says, wait a second. Not so many people have that name. Where does she live? I said, she lives over there by Guy Brewer, off of Linden. I'm not going to say the exact thing. She's like, oh my God, you know, I dealt with her. I said, wait a second, dealt with her how? You know, me and her messed around a little bit. I was like, oh my God. She said, we need to go over there and see what's up with her now. And I'm like, I'm like, oh man, this is crazy. We did go over there and her, her jaw dropped open. And you know what she said? She said, and this is years. Three years, three and a half years after I broke up with her. Somehow, some way, she said, I knew you two were going to end up together. And we looked at each other like, how would you do? She says, y'all got them energies on you. And I know you two. Now, we're talking about the vast New York City. How would you? She says, I always thought that it, somehow you. I was like, well, it's true. It was crazy. She says, yeah, I know what kind of freaks y'all are. If y'all are together, I know what y'all doing. I was like, oh, damn. But going back to that story with the same young lady that I was with, we were doing these parties, and there were always women looking to come around on the days that we didn't have our get-togethers. Tuesday, and when they thought I was in the neighborhood just passing by. Yeah, you passing by, but you know what you wanted. So I'm telling you, I was in this thing. She wasn't into men or whatever. It was just women, and I was swimming in it. And I knew it was wrong. But at that age, there's no way that you're going to be like, I don't want to do this no more. As I got older, I was like, we got to stop this, especially since things happen. And here's one of the things that happened. We dropped the mattress on the floor, had some porn playing. They drank a little wine. You know, everybody getting together. It was two women that came over. And it was me and my girlfriend. 
And so it got real sloppy because everybody's sort of doing everybody. I'm trying not to be or make it seem like I'm making this uh, a sensationalism thing. Like I'm going back in glory, but I have to dictate what was happening. So when I give, come with the punchline, you understand. So at, at some point, everybody's doing everybody. Every orifice, every day, they're rolling around and moaning and high. It's a, it's a, I don't want to say it's a demonic high, but basically you're being given this extra rush because you're, 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 you're a meal now for these entities to feast off of this collective energy. Because when you have two people, it's synergistic. It's not just two people. You know, when you're really into each other, you know, attractions, not just any two bodies, but you know, then now you, you group it up and you're hot wiring this thing in a way that technically should not be done. So it's illegal in a way, in, in, in the spiritual world, like when you use a nitrous oxide in a car and you hit that button and it goes so fast, but you keep doing that, you burn the engine out. So here we are doing all this stuff now. I happen to be um, <laughs> orally servicing someone in front of me. And they were doing all that stuff up there too. So there were the two girls and my girlfriend, there's three people in the room. I'm closing my eyes. I'm, I don't have to have my eyes wide open. I'm zoned out doing what I'm doing. But the mattress was on the floor, so I, I wasn't laying down flat because everybody couldn't fit in the mattress. So I'm on all fours and my head's down lower. So in a way, my butt was cocked up, not with my back arched like I'm some homo, but I was just like bent over. I was relaxed. And so I had my eyes closed, but there wasn't that much space behind me. There was a little bit of space behind me. There was a the wall right there. So all of a sudden, I felt somebody sucking on me. And it was sucking it, and they was sucking it good. But for me, I never liked it like that. I can't even stand up and take that. I gotta sit down. That thing is too powerful to me. I don't know. I got friends that say, man, I don't know you. You zone out when you get there. I said, man, I don't know. There's something about that thing. I had to sit. So I'm, I'm sitting there in that position that's uncomfortable to receive that. And they were doing it. And to the point where I said, I got to see who's doing this. I turned around. There was nothing there. I looked in front of me. And the three girls were still doing their thing. What in the hell was that sucking on me? I have to say, I'm going to say it raw. That was one of the best blowjobs I had. From the spirit world, from a demon, I don't know. A succubus, damn right. And that let me know there's more to this thing than anything else. I stayed there like a gentleman and whoever it was, I finished, let them finish. And I just said, listen, yo, I'm going to the restroom. I just <laughs> I got up. I went to the bathroom, I looked at my stuff, I'm like, there's little weird marks on it, like some Martian crop circles on my dick, you know what I mean? Oh, and I put my clothes on, and I walked out the side door and just took a walk. <laughs> you know what I mean? How many men would do that? Like, man, I got three chicks naked, you know, I'm, no, it messed me up. And I went back and did more stuff half-heartedly, because in my mind, what the hell just happened. See? There's another time when um 
Oh, man, why I got to see a typo? I hate typos when I'm on a website. Okay, 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 good, good, good. Okay, there wasn't a typo. If y'all ever go to my website and see a typo, please tell me where it is and email like, yo, you, you messed up. I'm like that dude in Malcolm X that was doing the numbers and Malcolm X said, oh, you missed the number and it messed him up when he was old after the stroke. Please, Malcolm, did I still, did I miss that number? <laughs> 10 years from now, I'll be like, yo, why didn't you tell me? But I remember in one of those actual parties, there were two or three shadowy figures that walked from the front of the premises didn't step over anybody. They walked through them and walked through the wall in the back. I saw this. There's another dude, and I've spoken on this before. The parties I had were couples and single women. Because if you were a man, you couldn't come in as a single dude. It wasn't that kind of show. If you were bad enough to have a woman who was down for that, then you can come in. But you had to be respectful. The women can come by themselves. That kept, because most of the women that were into that, they were into couples or a lot of bisexual on certain levels. You know, you know, you have a sliding scale here. You have a straight, you have a lesbian, on the other end you have bi straight, and you could be 95% straight and 5% dipping and dabbing on the other side. That's what I've seen and observed, and that slider in the middle can move according to the, the time of your life that you're in. You know, so there are a lot of women out there who, to put a number on it, could be 92% pretty much straight, but they got that 8% that in the right situation. Come here, girl. You know you want to. Ain't nobody looking. You know what I mean? I've observed that, you know, but this dude that was there, his face sort of shape-shifting right in front of me. This dude was standing like three feet in front of me. We were talking. The festivities were going on. I had the colored lights and the siren-looking lights and the music playing and whatever. And I remember... I froze, but I didn't want to react. I knew there was something happening in that. It was like to strike fear in me. But when I see things like this, it's confirmation that there's other things going on. And in them kind of situations, like when these witches have their orgies, it's not because they want to just have sex. Because I know a dude who, who ran across a situation like this, and he was down, he was getting it. Man, these white ladies, man, one was blowing me, one was licking on my nipple, man, one was sitting on my face. Man, I had a good time. But what did it get out of you? Your life was strange after that. You gave up some of that precious melanin life force that they want. That's why they always want to deal with the African and their rituals. A lot of times when these white folks want you to come lay with the, the white woman, is they, kind of want, they want to get your sperm and they want to do rituals with it. And a lot of them white men after you go, and they let you too. They'd be like, yo, you know, you want to let off up in there, let it go ahead. And these dudes, man, and the white lady, man, right in front of her husband, man, I just bust off up inside of her. But they don't have you hang around too long. They want to get you out of there now. They got what they want. And usually that white man, he will go down on his wife and suck the sperm out. I'm, I'm sorry to be so lewd, but things are told to me, things I've seen, and I've actually seen that. I've actually seen that with my own eyes. So these dudes think because, and this is the thing, as much as they don't like us and from slavery and doing things to us, why are black men so proud to say in these ads, I'm a tall, well-hung black man. Well-hung? We were well-hung for hundreds of years in, 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 in America, spelled with three Ks, and you, you gonna brag about it? You well-hung? 
and they hated you because of the length of your penis. All black men don't handle big penis, but I'm just saying, symbolically, that's intimidating. But on the witchery level, it, it's, it's very enticing. So it makes me wonder when you see these celebrities who all of a sudden want to adopt African kids. And there are a lot of African children out here that are not registered with any, like we take it as gospel. Well, you have a birth certificate, a social security number. I've been through places out here that I'm sure that a lot of these little black babies around here are not registered or even known to exist. And you mean to tell me these white people go way out and they adopt? Did they go through some so-called legal means of, 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 of uh, tracking these kids? No. And they get these kids that I could imagine, not only just sex, but all type of rituals, you know, uh, 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 organ harvesting, like spare parts for a car, feed a little kid, you know? So let me hear from you. I'm just running all over the place. No, you good. I was going to touch on one of the um, things when you were talking about with that, um, how that spirit that came up in there and did that. Um, that happened to me, not that part, but um, when I used to drive trucks. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I'm different broad. So I was sitting there in my little bunk. Mm-hmm. And I seen the little black shadow, and I was just, you gotta be like going about your business. And they go. So I was like halfway going to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see nothing this time, but all of a sudden I felt somebody, you know how somebody, if you're in the bed, you can feel somebody getting in the bed with you? Yes, I know about that too. So, yeah. So that would happen. I was, but I literally see the indention of somebody like crawling on their knees to get on the side of me. Also, they're looking mm. like, this shit don't happen in movies. I'm like, is this really happening? <laughs> crawling up, crawl. I'm like, what? And it just stopped, like at my foot, and just stopped, like sat there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's not a mess with that? All of a sudden, I fell asleep. Like, you know, I literally fell asleep. Boom. Well, you good? Because I wasn't. I no, I'm butt like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like somebody had put a trance on you. Like, I boom, I was going to sleep. Yeah, I yeah. Sleep. I like, I uh, woke up, but it was in my spirit. In, you know, in the spiritual AK world, and I was like fighting it right. off me, you know, then I seen it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and in the spirit realm, like my body in the natural realm was on the bed, but in the spiritual realm, my body was, my spirit was like halfway on the bed and halfway off, and I was pushing this thing off me. I was like, what in the world is really going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really going on. Um, I know this poor connection that came back up, you know, okay. Clubhouse, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was just like, "What's really going on?" That was crazy. I've seen, you know, a lot of like you said, the black shadows, a lot of stuff like that. But yeah. that to have it crawling in the bed, that was a first for me. Wow! I never and brazen, was, brazen like that, crawling like a cat. You know when a cat jump in the bed with yeah. you and take his time because the mattress is sinking in, or you feel yeah. the edge slowly sinking and going up and down. I've had that. Um, I mean, up until a couple days ago, I noticed some shadows here and there, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you can feel when certain things are around you. Yeah. I was on the phone with Ella G one night, not too long ago, and there's one that kind of got up through my peripheral vision. Now, I don't have 20-20 vision, but I see well close up, nearsighted, and this thing was close to me. Now, I can see far, but it's a little blurry. But near, like with the detail of the drawing and stuff, I'm good. Anything close, I'm good. But this was an overall thing. And right where my work desk is here, in this um, temporary apartment, you know, things as they are, I saw this thing like lean over. 
And I didn't jump to go and turn my head because I wouldn't see anything. I just kept on looking at the computer, but I was straight up doing the side eye with this damn demon. And it, just, it was there and it just backed off. And there was one time I just told it to get out of there. Just like, I just got mad. Because okay. see me, I get mad sometime and I'm like, like, yo, this, you, you can't even come up in here. Okay. You know, flash, flashback to a story. This was August of 1980 when I was 17 years old. And I had, my room was actually in the front of the house because the doors to the side, we had a hallway to the side. So it was real cool because friends can come over late, not wake nobody up. And back in those days, you just, summertime, you just have your screens pulled down. And I had windows all around. And somebody had walked up to the front steps, pulled the screen up. I'm in the bed all curled up. And they came in the room and I woke up. I think this was like August 17th, 19th. I'll never forget it. And um, that was on a Sunday night. And I jumped up. I mean, I was doing bodybuilding. And I was, I was strong. What? I was strong. I grabbed him around his waist. And... and I fell on this big ass speaker that I had in the room and all I was screaming. I was I, I knew what was going on, but I was still just coming out of my sleep. But I was choked. I was pulling his gut and pulling, pulling, pulling. Every time he's trying to get away and breathe, when he would inhale, I pull it out of him. He trying to, you know, inhale again. I wouldn't let him. So I was pulling the air out of him. I know I popped one of his ribs. I just pulled for dear life. I almost passed out. My mother came in the room. Oh, she started crying. You're going to kill him. She wasn't even worried about him. It's just, you're going to kill him. You let him go. You're going to kill him. You're going to get arrested. I let him go and he ran out the door and, you know, he was walking, sort of crawling up the block, holding his side. And the neighborhood woke up. You know, he was gone by then. But what I'm saying is that I'm messed up in the head at nighttime and I'm very territorial. Now, the very next night, I was chased by this car that had two guys in it and a girl in the middle and a gun in the guy's lap. And it's like, is that him? Is that him? Mistaken identity. I got out of there, but it was, it was squashed. They realized I wasn't the guy. It was a retarded girl, slightly retarded. It was well-built in the neighborhood. And I, the block party that was that Saturday, I danced with her a little bit. And nobody knew she was like that, but she was well-built and everything. So that's because I had all my trophies in the front room and the lights on. That dude saw that behind the hedges and thought he can come in the room. So the next night, I couldn't sleep. So I was riding a bike with a friend of mine, and that's when that car pulled up on me. I jumped down in the subway and across the tracks, the third rail, everything to get out of there. I was scared. So those two, two nights with something so traumatic, in 1980, when Queens and New York City was a lot different in the residential neighborhoods, that messed up my head. So now I'm always not really paranoid, but I'm always aware of certain things. And on a spiritual level, to be aware of certain things, it's a super combination where I'm like, I'm like always in position. A friend of mine told me years ago, it's like, Lance, man, you, you, you're mad chilling and everything, but you look like you're always ready to fight. I said, like, I, I, look, I, look mean, I look mean a lot in deep thought, but they know like, it's like you're always in a position. <laughs> I said, that's the way I am because of things that happen to me. That's, that's a form of not rape on a sexual level, but you're violated in your house. For somebody to do that, to pop in, it's, it's very scary. Because all I, I saw him as was a shadow. And for when I was trying to pop his rib, his hair was all in my face, sweat. He was definitely on drugs because the smell that was on him was toxins coming out. I hurt that guy and I probably would have killed him. Not to talk tough, but I, 
I mean, in your own house, out your sleep. Because see, there was a street light that shined out of my face. And as I was sleeping, something was getting in the way of that. Now, my eyes, this dude standing over me. He didn't realize because I was sleeping in the fetal position. See, earlier that night, somebody came and gave me a visit. So <laughs> I was sleeping in the fetal position. And so, you know, even now, I got to make sure every door is locked. And then I got to think about locking my bedroom door. I put up as many barriers. And then I'm relaxing before I sleep. I'm looking around to see, okay, anything else in here that's not of this plane. Because you don't know who's walking past you in the street. You could be in a crowd in the daytime. You don't know what that you can see and can't see is there. Sister Audrey, I'm going to talk about her. There's a church my mother used to attend every now and then, a little small storefront church. But the one who was the pastor over that church was this lady called Sister Foster. And I spoke about Sister Foster in other shows in different ways. <clears throat> Sister Foster was that lady in the neighborhood that wore all white. She was from the South. She wasn't completely educated, probably just out of elementary school or maybe third or fourth grade. She was the sweetest woman. She was the sweetest woman that you want to meet. Always decent, always showed people love, but she didn't have one drop of fear in her body. If she had to find herself out to the store late at night to get medicine for her husband, she'd get up. She had a Bible in her hand and she walking and she was nice to everybody. But even the dudes on the corner knew like they protected her. Like she knew what they were doing, but everybody looked out for her. She knew not because they were looking out. She totally was immersed in knowing that she was protected and she was a real thing. So with Sister Foster, there was another girl well, not a girl. I'm a little kid. It's a grown woman named Sister Audrey. And Sister Audrey was always a bit strange to me, even with my young eyes. Sometimes I used to love to go and listen to Sister Force. I wasn't always going, young man, you know you need to be here to listen to the Lord's word. You know, okay, I'll come inside. You know, I'm sitting there. But Sister Audrey, who was uh, probably, probably in her mid-30s, because you know I'm about 10 years old, so... Everybody's adult to me. Sister Forster had to be like 60, 60 something years old, um, very petite. But you knew, you felt something from Sister Forster. You felt some real power. I can't front. I can't lie. That lady, something was something was up with her on that level because she would see things and she would tell you things. Not like somebody who wanted to be heard. My mother went there one day sitting down and Sister Forster came next to her and she said sister scurvy because it's scurvin right the government name i say scurve but some people you know the southern folks sometimes they're old they jack it up especially when they didn't get out of school sister scurvy you're gonna have a problem on this side now i want you to go to the doctor and check it out the lord told me you're gonna have a you have a problem there when my mother went for the checkup she realized she had a malignant tumor this is something i know so I'm not going to S-H-I-T. A lot of these people are frauds. Whatever. Look, if there's a judgment day, there's an express lane for Sister Foster to go on in. <laughs> I'm serious. She was a real deal. But um, and she told me things to avoid, too, when she see me. But she wasn't always, you were always looking for it. But 
it wasn't always coming at you. But every now and then, when Sister Foster spoke, you better listen or something bad was going to happen. So Sister Audrey, who was in her 30s now, she's there, nice lady, had a couple of kids. Um, sometimes you'd see her moving about in the street, just normal, coming from the supermarket. She didn't live right where I live, but close enough that you'd see her every now and then, right? So I used to see her walking in the street. And she looking up, looking down, looking to the side, looking behind her, like, what the heck wrong with her? And then she might abruptly turn around and run up against the wall and put it back to the wall, and she's looking at something go by. Not to the point where it was so aggressive that people were like, that made it look like she acting crazy over there. But it was subtle, because I would always keep my eye on her. I, I, always, I was a very observant young man. So I knew. So I said um, to my mother when I went home, I said, Sister Orgy's, every time I see her, she's always moving funny. So she, she said, well, you know, they say she has a gift of, of seeing on different levels of things we can't see. See, I understood all these things from young. My mother may have gone to a church here and there because she sung, she'd sing at different churches. She's professionally trained, but she taught me about the spiritual realm. And it wasn't, it wasn't about the Bible, just about, she taught me about everything. So I had an open view and learned so much from young that I was a little bit more advanced than those who are my age, you know. You know, and she always told me you have the gift of discernment, but you know, you also have a weakness for the women, which will kind of reduce that. I'm like, I'm 13 years old, what is she talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Although I was dipping and dabbing and I was already addicted. So I remember sitting up at the McDonald's, and here comes Sister Audrey. She didn't have her kids, but I sat in the cut. I was a little older now, and she was there ordering stuff, and she brought a lot of stuff, so I said, okay, she's bringing back stuff for her kids. So she's standing in line, and she starts looking around, and she said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my, not too loud now, but the people close looked at her like, what the hell going on? You having a heart attack or something? She said, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. I have to go. I have to go. She just got her order. I think she was waiting for some fries. Like, we're going to make some fresh fries. Ma'am, no, no, it's okay. I'll I, I leave them. Give them to somebody. And she got out of there quick. Well, guess what? I was halfway done with my meal. I got up out of there quick because I knew something was up with Sister Audrey. All of a sudden, there was a big fight in there. I kept going. I heard there was a shootout. Right there on Parsons Boulevard, just south of Hillside Avenue, back in the late 70s. I was like, yo, whenever I see this lady, if she's running, I'm running in the same direction she's going in. She had a gift, but she really couldn't handle it. She wasn't mature enough to handle the things she saw. And I would love, she can possibly still be with us, pop, or maybe not. You know, you know, I mean, I was about 10 and she, she's about 25 years older than me. But when I saw that thing happen, it was a few years after when I was a little older. I'm 60 next year. She'd have to be 84, approximately. Maybe she's still with us. You know what I mean? So I would love to talk to her. And there are people like that that we've known more or less that had that thing. So I was always aware of things that, that you can feel and see. I'm one who feels a lot when I choose to open up that portal in a sense. Like, okay, I'm somewhere in public and it's like, okay, let this thing flow. Sometimes I'm preoccupied with other things and I'm not noticing things that way. But when I want to open that thing up and relax a little more, I can feel people. I know what they're coming at me with. I'm not a guru, but it's like, 
a person who's a good amateur. I'm not a professional, but I'm a good amateur sometimes. You know what I mean? And that's what was kept me because it's kept me from a lot of bad situations in life. I know when to not go down a certain street. Not because I know, but I listen to that voice inside of me. Just like I listened to that voice last week that kept me inside this apartment for six days. Because of not just the sexual world, but all through that I see that. I remember when I was driving the bus in Orlando and I took a break and talked to a few fellows. It wasn't time for me to leave. But I walked going back to my bus. So I had to pass other buses who were parked out because we all leave at the exact same time. And that particular supervisor, he wanted to see all the buses pull out, no matter who was banging or doing nothing like that. So I would always get in position early. And I saw these two young ladies. They had on some tight spandex. I mean, I see a lot. It's not like I'm looking at things. I'm like, okay, I see what's going on. But they were extreme. But then one was facing me and tapped the shoulder of the girl whose back was turned. This is two bus links up. And turned around and pointed at me. Now, these, 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 these young ladies were in their early 20s, mid-20s. I'm nowhere near them in age. But they turned around. It wasn't because they thought I was fine. I mean, I'm a middle-aged, getting older guy. So I'm walking up. And I said, you know what? I felt something from them. I was like, uh-uh. These girls are out here to trap somebody. Not just sexually. There's something spiritual going on. It hit me hard. You know when you're at the beach and you have your back turned to the waves, you turn around a wave coming, pow, it hit you. It hit me. Um, I said, well, let me walk past these girls. I'm not looking at them with no eye contact. I wasn't scared to look at what they had. I saw what they had. They had some very devastating bodies that would that would cause accidents and raise insurance rates wherever it was. That didn't get me, but it's what I felt. And so as I was walking by and I walked, they both were laughing under their breath, but one was laughing a little deeper. And it was like this. <laughs> but they didn't come, she didn't come up for air to keep laughing. It was just, and then they said, and it's like the voice was in my ear, I'm walking away. The noise of being downtown at the bus depot, buses coming in, people walking up, and I heard this in my ear. <laughs> you know you want us. They couldn't have produced that voice. That was something demonic. And you know what? I'll say it this way, excuse me for being lewd, but I had a saying nice to tell these guys before. I said, demonic pussy is some of the best pussy you'll ever have. I hate to use that word. I had to say it like that for effect. These demonic, and I'm not saying women are demonic because men are demonic too. I'll say it for the women. Demonic dick is the best dick that you could ever have. You get a guy, you, you know he's no good for you and he's drilling you and it's good and you're addicted. You know this guy's no good and you're tolerating things that you never talk. Yeah, I know I found out he got another woman, but damn, I got to get more of that. You're crazed with it. And most women ain't going to admit that. Maybe he eats your pussy real good and you're crazed with it. Men, the same thing. They get a woman who, you know she no good. Now, people weren't born to not be any good. I'm not saying women are no good. I'm saying that one. But he can't leave it alone. This guy got his education, got his money flowing right. Just the same way you have a woman who got her stuff together. And there's that dude who ain't got nothing going on in his mind. No progressive anything. But all he got is either dicking you down or licking you down. And, and, and even when the family and friends say, you need to leave this guy alone. You done moved away. Why are you 
have them come into your apartment. How is it that I saw him push a key in the door and you weren't home? You gave that nigga a key? You see what I mean? You can't shake it. Though that's demonic dick, and on the other hand, it's demonic, and it's good. It feels damn good. That's to hook you to bring you down later on down the road. Talk to me, somebody. Y'all were laughing, but yeah, that is true. I know you were. I was <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we, we, we got out here demonic dick, but we have some penises that want to pee. I'll be right back. <laughs> Keep talking, y'all. I'll be back. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I hope y'all enjoying the show. Thank y'all so much for coming. I had um did want to say, like I said, when I was in the room for we start, so all this te- technical issues started. I had, I was given a, a incident that happened in my life. I was, I would say, probably like 13 years old. Anyways, I was living in these AKA projects, as you want to call them. But I knew it was um, a gentleman. I knew that their father, for my knowledge, was a single father, but he always went to work. I remember his white truck that used to, um, you know, when he left and came. But he had, I want to say like three sons. And I know he had an older one and a younger one, and I think one was in the middle. But the oldest son, I want to say he was probably like, maybe let's just say six foot. He was just tall and um, built. And he used to, every time I ride my bike or be outside, he used to always come out the door and just stand there and just look. And I'd be like, okay, I'm the only guy. You know, they knew my name. Hey, Tamla, Dota, hey. And I'd just go on about my business. But he would always, always, I don't care, like he had a radar. When I would come outside, I don't, I ain't understand that. Cause I was a little girl with friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, a couple of times he'll be in the woods and I'll be riding my bike and he just pop out out the woods and be like, you know, I'm gonna snatch you off that bike. You better be. I'm just like, but I wasn't wearing nothing provocative. I ain't doing nothing but laughing and playing. Like, right. What, what he got going on? <laughs> and later on, I was going with his, um, cousin that was 16, you know, we, I'm just child play. So. Right. And his cousin was like, hey, you, you know, he said, you won't have sex with me because you think you're going to get pregnant. You know, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I ain't even thinking about that. But I'm right. like, yeah. And uh, he was like, well, you won't get pregnant. Da, da, da. And I was like, you, I don't know. You know, I was scared. My mom was very, very strict. So right. I ended up going into this abandoned um, apartment with him at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It was pitch black. And I went in there and I was like, I put him in, you know, at the house with my sister then. But anywho. I was mm-hmm. down there. I said, okay, it's going to be quick. I'm going to hit over there. So we went down there, and um, so I know it. It's like a bunch of other boys down there. And I'm like, well, what is going on? No, we had started doing whatever, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do it anyway, but I was just like, whatever, you know. Let's right. get this over with. Right. And and um, I was like, um, hold on. And um, I was like, well, let's hope we get this over with. So by the time he was doing whatever, all of a sudden, you know, other dudes start coming. And then, like I told you about the, other, the older cousin, he came out the shadows. He was like, I told you one day I was going to get you. And I was just like, what is like really going on? Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, boy, I knew it. I got one guy holding my, this left, right hand, another one holding the left hand, one holding the right leg, another one holding the left leg. And I was just like, what is really going on? And so when that was going on and I thought I probably passed out probably like after the fourth per- person I passed out and I woke up you no know, everybody was gone but before that happened I remember seeing goggles 
all the way around the room. Like the room had lit up. And only mm-hmm. thing, every way around the whole perimeter, it was gargoyle. All the way around. I'm like, what is like, you know, I'm lit. I don't know. Until I did research later on to find out what gargoyles was. They claim it was supposed to be some kind of protection. But yeah, I don't know the what buildings, they were doing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was gargoyles all like at the bottom, like underneath, you know, where the window is. But it was all the way around the entire room. Just gargoyles all the way around. And I was just Damn. like, okay. Like, in my mind, you know, when I was looking back a little bit older, I was like, that like almost like it was a ritual. Some kind of stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I did not know at that time. But it was, it was not, like, it was not a good thing. It was just, and I barely, like, you know, with Lance somewhat know my history with me being molested and all that. I, mm-hmm. Sex was not a big thing. It, I did nothing that I just wanted to do. So that right. even threw me back even more. But, yeah, I just wanted to bring up, about them gargoyles that was all the way around and just get your you and Miss um is it Bernadette um view of mm-hmm. what you know about that. Wow. Now I mean I somewhat know but yeah that was crazy. Wow. And you can catch glimpses of things. See that kind of spirit and that kind of energy that was around you to violate that wasn't a hedonistic thing even for the guys involved. You know what I mean? It wasn't like because uh, a real man who is attracted to a woman, even if he had advanced things that he wanted to do to her in his mind, they wouldn't do something like that. And um, co- collectively, that, that's, that's even on a, on a sicker level because I'm not trying to do that around no man. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that around no man. You know what I mean? I've had situations where, you know, there was a woman and some husband watching me or something like that back in them crazy days. But I'm not trying to get on something, this dude leg rubbing them on me. No, I don't even want to see that energy around me. And then collectively like that. And then like, I say there are a lot of men who resent women. They might like women and like what they see, but deep down, that can be exploited in the spiritual sense where they will get aggressive. See, some men get turned on and it's no fault of your own because you were young and you weren't trying to entice nobody. And sometimes these men will see the innocence in you and hate you for that. But like you for how you're developing, even when you're a bit too young. There's some men that don't have that filter. And some men, I've witnessed this, like, they see somebody they like, and they might be a little drunk, and I might be around them, and they start calling them, you know, look at that bitch. Look at that ass. That fucking bitch. Like, excuse me for cursing. I had to say it. Like, dude, like, why are you saying, like, you mad at her? Because there's some guys that it's a power thing, and you have some controlling men who are power-hungry, and you're not with them, but they see your sexual energy that you don't happen to have to be putting it out there. You can wear a potato sack and there's some man talking about you up under your clothes because what he's imagining. But some men get triggered off when they get turned on and they feel like you have something over them and you don't even know who they are. You're not even looking at them that way. And this is where there were a lot of people I talked to that were locked up. Remember, I worked in jails and prisons 
and I'm, I, the whole shoot, the whole the whole shift for me was like a talk show, because I wasn't sitting outside behind the glass, the fiberglass, saying, "Okay, here it's time to eat." Oh, the nurse is here. Oh, okay, your lawyer's here. Whatever. From when the shift started, I do my checks. I check the computer about what happened to the shift before, and I get up in there with all of them when they were all in the day. There might be damn eighty so-called murderers around me talking. And we talking like this. I never had a problem because. I was a source of entertainment for these guys and a distraction. So I would talk with a lot of these guys and they wouldn't tell me, well, I have a problem when I get turned on and I feel less of a man and they have power over me and so I get angry and want to rape them. They didn't know, but collectively as I talk with different ones, I noticed that common kind of thing that even when they spoke on a gorgeous woman or they might see a CO, a corrections officer that they like and them, them uniforms are made to make you look not sexy. But black women got such shapes, you know, even that uniform, you can still see, but that wasn't the point. It's like, it would trigger them off. And you have some men that get triggered off, but they would never rape, they would never, but you get with them, and now they're trying to tear you down. You say, well, who is that sweet man that I met? Where is he now? And it might be milder, but it can be abusive, and it's that thing. So... Some men are hung up on power, and in a twisted way, you being attractive at whatever age you were, innocently, and grown women are innocently attractive. A lot of women are not out here pushing their bodies to get the attention, and you gotta, I gotta take my hat off to those ladies. Because every lady ain't trying to be an Instagram model to crack her behind, spread open for the world to see. It's a beautiful thing when you're with somebody, and it's spread for you. But that's a whole different vibe when you love them or you're into them, you're attracted to them or whatever. Then you can take it there. Then the women don't mind that. But men will study and follow and stalk, not because they like them. This is why you see a lot of rapists in topless bars watching the women, picking up prostitutes and beating them up, having sex with them and, and, and I mean, beating their head. And I've spoken to prostitutes. There's one that had got busted up in the head with a hammer. Imagine that. You down between this funky man's legs and balls and ass is stinking and you doing this trying to tune it out to get some money and he finishes now. He comes and he bashes you in the head or he makes you do it with no condom. And do I've talked with a lot of prostitutes. We've done shows speaking about, about you know two prostitutes and there have been other ones who were like former prostitutes and they text me or email or even call you have a little chit chat they say man it's so real but I, I can't come on and talk about it I said, no, no problem that's what doing this platform affords me you know what I mean so it gives me even more knowledge because they get a chance to ask questions and you know maintain people with their anonymity but yeah men have triggers that are not balanced and they can try to get next to you and they, they know how to act so civil they know how to act in a way to attract you. They morph it, and that's a spiritual thing too, because they can get next to you, and when you see what monster they really are, you realize that that was a front to get next to you because they want to destroy you. I'm not saying all men want to destroy you, but a lot of them want to violate you. Even you can see some of the young guys who begin to have that. You might be on public transportation. You might be in a supermarket checkout line. There's two or three dudes talking. Yeah, man, you know, man, shit, man. I put that dick on her, man. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, yo, she gave me the key. 
I'd be all up in that place, man. You know, she'd be at work, right? I'm eating food, kick back. That's a violator. And then, yeah, man. <laughs> now, I know they like to put that imagery of us out there. Not all black men are like that. But there are some who are like that. Go ahead. I see somebody opening up. Go ahead, universe. Oh, yeah, that was me. I was clashing for you as well, what you were saying. Oh, <laughs> but I'm going to come at you. You're doing what? I was clapping. Oh. <laughs> That's how you clap. But I was, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you want to add on? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, if you Go done, ahead. Yeah. I was going to do something. No, no, no. I'm, I'm flowing. I'm, I'm just, oh, okay. you know, throwing out stuff, kicking stuff. We're we kicking it tonight. You know what I mean? Okay. So they're probably coming on here to talk about, you know, Freaky Fridays. Well, you know, they're talking a little freaky, but they, spiritual yeah. stuff. But it's, it's, yeah. it's necessary. You know, but go ahead. Hold on. This, I trying to say I got full connection. Okay, there it is. I was going to add on, you know, even when I was growing up, Teenager-wise, which I didn't too much do nothing, but I stayed at the clinic, you know, always at the clinic. One doing having sex, and, one, and the people knew me very well. They was like, okay, Tamara Bennett. I, hold on. Pearl connection. But um, they was like, okay, mm-hmm. Tamara Bennett. So I come up, and then the ladies always say, um, you got to have sex to have a disease. You're not having sex. And so, you know, because they knew me so well, because I'm just terrible. <laughs> you know who you were like? You know who you were like? You, 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 ever see, you ever sit down in a McDonald's and they got a drill sergeant, a manager, and ain't nobody ate at the table but the dude that came by at the next table and wiped it three times. Like, why you keep doing that? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, that lady, I remember this one lady. She was, a, you know, melanated sister, and um, I knew she had to be a mama, but. I was just like, oh, she knew me by heart. She's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, I can't, yeah, I'm not, are you having sex? No, you don't have the disease if you're not having sex. You gotta have, so it was just so funny because the way she used to talk to me, <laughs> it just, it was like, you need to calm down. Just go on about your life. And, but remember I said, I think Miss Ella was there and I don't know who else was there. I mean, I was telling about, remember that dude I was telling you about um, that tried to kill me, you know, having mm-hmm. sex, and, yeah, mm-hmm. that one. But, um, he ended up giving me a disease, so yeah, he gave me a couple of disease. But mm-hmm. I went to the uh, when I went um, to the uh, clinic, there was you know first of all they were shocked, and I knew when they went to naming off all these crazy stuff, I was just like, well, looking crazy. And then when the tests came back, a couple of them they came back negative, and the lady, when I say these folks were looking crazy, because they don't see these diseases, I don't know how many times they can look at it and tell you what it is. Right. And um, the lady, she was like. And she looked at the other man. She was like, you saw the same thing I saw, right? And he was like, yeah. Well, it ain't there no more. Like, they were just, you know, it was just a lot of stuff. Oh, wow. Going on. Yeah, it was just like, and I, because I went to praying and stuff. I ain't even, you know, I was little. I was like, oh, no, I barely even had sex with people. So mm-hmm. when um, when that had happened, I know before I even met him, I had, um, a.k.a., yeah, I think it was him. I had um, had, um, you know, had sex with them. It had been like, like I said, almost a year. And when mm-hmm. I went in, they had a dude, and that's in every county, in every state, one particular man that's over the disease, I call him controlling. And mm-hmm. if you are a teenager, whoever in school, and you have the disease, he's the only person besides your parents and legally check you out. I did oh, not know none of okay. until oh. then. And um, he said, oh, I'll check you out. I'm like, yeah, my parents, you can't check me out. He said, oh, I can check you out. I thought he was lying. He looked like wow. he had to be foreign, but he showed up there, showed up there, come check out, da da da. And I was just looking at him like, how in the world he able to check people out of school? And so when he went there, 
And they can stop and frisk in the streets yeah, from a cop. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> this is scary. Park them lips. I never knew that. And so when oh, he went damn. and checked me out, and we, you know, he was like, "So when the last time you know who, who last time you had sex?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, it was da da da." He said, "No, I ain't talking about relationships you had." I said, "It was, you know, six months to a year ago." He was just like, um. He looked at me, put his pencil down. He was like, what you doing? I said, what you mean, what are you doing? He said, you don't even fit the profile for this disease. I said, it's a profile? He was like, yes, it's a profile. Normally, people that have these type of diseases, they, you know. Then I asked him who they had sex with. It's like an hour or two days ago or a day ago. Not six months to a year. I was like, well, that's just nasty. You know, I'm just, you know, that's just me being me. But he was like, yeah, he just looked at me. He's like, if you don't go to school to do your work, and I mean do your work and go about your life. I was just like, okay, yes, sir. But it just, you know, he was other words when I was any going to get married, he was like, he would be the person like to come and check. And like every so often they had to check to make sure it didn't come back. Because I didn't even know that certain things can come back. And um, he was like, yeah, it can come back. Even though we give you the shot, da, 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 it can come back. And, um, um, it could come back and and um, show back up. So five years later, I think I was getting ready to, you know, get married. And he was like, he had got upset. He was like, um, the nurses never checked on you? I was like, no. He And he went to laugh. And he said, oh, I remember you. I said, yeah, no one never checked on me and checked to see. He said, yeah, they're supposed to check periodically to make sure it doesn't come back. I'm like, okay. He said, well, um, when the last time you had sex? I'm like, oh, that was about five years ago. He just bust out laughing because he knew that he re- I, he remembered me so well. I'm like, oh, it's been about five years. He was just busting out laughing. He was like, yeah, that's my girl. He said, okay. Yeah, but everything was good and fine. But just, uh, you know, even when that happened, and it already gave me a bad taste, so I was just really walking around like, child, I ain't got time for it. If it ain't this, is that, and the other, it just never was a good taste in my mouth. So, you know, when we talked about with the other dude with, the, you know, how he came in and kind of like an older dude and smoothed that over, I'm, I'm just like, I'm not well, laughing at you, but I'm not laughing at you. You're talking about the, it wasn't a good taste. I'm like, <laughs> you're joking yourself right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. That's how I think. I'm like, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm not making fun. It's just, you know. <laughs> mm. uh, I'm trying to see some people here. Where's, um. Okay, but yeah, um, it was yeah, it was it was not good. Like, but like I said, growing, getting over it, and just it is what it is. It, it is a beautiful thing. It is a thing that um, energy that can shift and control a lot. But it was like, like I said, for many years, even if I did have sex, which you already know, a couple of folks, it was like yes. I think I was in my forties. So I had a, like a good orgasm, if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it was never something, it was never something I just wanted to do. I just did it because, and a lot of my friends right. like, well, you had children. Well, anybody can lay there and have sex. Like, exactly. Anybody can lay there and do that. Don't mean that I enjoyed it. Right. But now, I you feel know. connected. That's right. Mm-hmm. So now it's like totally different with it. So. That's amazing. But, um. It is what it is, and, and there's so much that we don't know um, about this powerful thing called sex, you know? And when you think back on your life, you know, it, it's the analogy I always use where your nose is touching a beautiful b- picture on the wall. 
you can't see it, but you're very close to it. But only when you pull yourself away and take a few steps back do you see the full picture. And so you can look back on your life. I'm saying this in general, you know, the times you made bad decisions to get in bad relationships or, you know, you think back and say, man, this didn't happen. This could have happened, you know, but you can't blame yourself because you didn't know. And then, you know, things happen to us a little bit beyond our level of awareness and level of maturity. And like with men, most of the time, you know, they do stupid things, not being mature enough. And some never get to that point. So, you know, but we I use those things. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said, but I did add on this to, you know, me being me, I called the dude was like, hey, you might want to go and get checked. You gave me that other stuff. That's just me being me, you know. Yeah. But he found out he had sex with some other girl and she gave him. I was just like, so we just passing community date all around. You just passing stuff. So right. it was, it was weird. It was very weird. It was, but he did go and do whatever he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. He wanted to marry me later on, but I was just like, that was the same one. No, no. Anybody got, it just, yeah, yeah. It was just way too much. <laughs> just way too much. Right, right. Yeah, you can carry on, carry on. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it, it makes you, when you see how powerful it is and how it's so powerful in the beginning of certain relationships and how cert- certain relationships, not all, you know, that become disasters, because one, they weren't ready for that. Even you have folks who are, are grown and the energy can be so powerful, it's nothing like you experienced before and you're not ready for that. It's not just a sex thing, but it could be also be the person's life force. Because see, sometimes yeah. you have men that see a woman because they don't understand the foundation of sexual energy is life force. If your life force is low, your sexual energy is automatically going to be low. So lots of times with these older guys who see younger ladies with, you know, this life force and this hope and this enthusiasm, and they mistaken this for just straight up sex because they look at their bodies, they see how the young girl smiles and her innocence and stuff. Even if she's already had sex, it's just that she has more gas in her tank. And these men become like leeches and want to get that, you know? That's why they take this pride and, yeah, I'm the one who busted her chair. Yeah, I was the one who, who had sex, you know, with a first. So what? What do you mean to her? You might have manipulated her into that position and she might hate you later on. She might not think of you as some great man. This is like you messing with cattle or animals or whatever. It's just something I just don't understand. So we can all learn by reflecting and I'm not saying in your case because things have happened to you, but us men can look back sometimes at the toes that we stepped on or the lives that we damaged, but many don't want to, want to take responsibility for that. Like even my older brother, he's done things aside from his dealings in the world of using drugs that I've reflected on and realized that he's destroyed, you know, some women that were on their way to destroying themselves, but he didn't help. You know, I've heard him say some things sometime that really baffled my mind, you know, in, in his dealings and the times he was almost away from the drugs. You know, so that mentality, because he had a completely different mentality toward women than I did. He had the, as intelligent as he was, he had the bitches and hoes mentality toward women. That's what they were, no matter how elevated they were, no matter. And I'm like, how could you do that 
when mommy was not like that at all? Where did this come from? We've had discussions when he wasn't all the way gone with drugs. And he had a sick philosophy that way. And on other sides, he had things that he could teach me that he taught me through talking I learned from. So, you know, it depends where you, when you meet this person. You can meet them when they're in that great state of mind or faking it. And or, you know, after a time, another side comes out. So this is why when you connect with somebody like that, man, you, 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 oh man, a lot of healing has to go on in this world. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of healing. Because we can get messed up carrying somebody else's luggage, not yep. knowing we're doing so, having guilt for something that somebody else did. You had nothing to do with it, but they poured it into you. And I say it that way. Because you're bonding with this man, tissue to tissue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, condoms don't, don't 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 start don't stop. You know, spirit, spiritually transmitted demons. Mm-mm. You know, Mm-mm. it just covers and makes a barrier so sperm don't hit egg. But you best believe that energy is there. So this is why I always say, you know, people will say put on the whole armor. I say. Put on the whole spiritual condom. <laughs> it's a little bit. And like you said, it is. Wh- mm-hmm. it's, like a whole, it's like a whole ritual. I told somebody about that. I said, anytime you have sex with anyone, it's a, you got the water, right. you got the dirt, because you the earth, and you got the heat, the fire, you got all the air, you got all these elements, and you right. think something ain't going to happen? You think it's just catching a nut? Oh, no. That ain't just catching right. a nut. You done did a whole lot of shit mm-hmm, in the moving baby. Mm-hmm. That you don't even See the know. Way? You don't even know opening up portals and doors. Yes. And you don't even know yes. what you're doing. I, I, but you thinking in your mind, oh, oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. I look at it like, just imagine it like everybody that you ever had sex with. It was said, some of us can't even remember all of them because there were so many of them. But imagine it like a rope, an invisible rope. It could be a thread, tiny little thread powerful it doesn't break no matter where you move it because it's a spiritual thing so physical objects not gonna pop it but you're connected to that person right and so you're not with them anymore but they get extremely angry they have an anger problem they got anger management issues then the other person you had sex with don't matter if it was 10 years ago or last night there's another thread connected to them it might be a little thicker might be a little more power and energy come through. And they got a problem with being good with money, budgeting their money. It doesn't always have to be just like, they're going to get you to turn into a sex fiend. Little things. So now if you got 13, 20, 100,000, 2,000 threads connected to you, you don't have to know what their problem was or their issues were or what garbage they didn't take out. I'm not saying everybody is poison, poison, poison. But some of us are not even aware that we need healing. Some of us are not aware that we need cleansing. So just like when you walk around with an impacted gut with food inside of you from thanks three years ago on Thanksgiving, on a spiritual level, a lot of us are all tied up from within and our upbringing that pointed us in a certain direction. And then we have these soul ties with all of these different people. So now I feel maybe I'm wrong. When they say somebody is bipolar, could it be that they have multiple soul ties that you're still feeling some of the anger from that person that you don't even know anymore? You, you had sex with them once or twice, but you connected. And then you have people who make a strong physical connection. 
And there's a lot to sex. And on a joking level, I said, when you have a strong personality and a strong id, you must have been a hell of an orgasm for your parents, or one of them at least. You know what I mean? So there's something to it. And I know I wasn't no dribbled out, watered out thing. I know I, 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 my parents were calling out the Lord's name when I came in that bad boy. <laughs> so we, we don't know. Bipolar, it could be. See, we don't have enough people who tie in a diagnosis on certain conditions. Because in the Western world, you know that if there's a problem with the big toe, they're going to check out the big toe. Maybe the problem you have with the big toe is something emotional or emotional and mental that manifested itself on a physical level. But no, Western medicine, I'll give you some medicine to take away the pain in that toe. It didn't take away the problem that caused the pain in the toe because it could be something going on in your life, something you realize that came to you that happened from years ago or somebody now who their energy is bad and you're feeling it. And it depends on the kind of personality you have. You can have a strong personality and ward off a lot of things. And a lot of things ain't going to happen to you. You can have a slightly submissive personality where you're like, okay, let it go. Okay, I know he said that to me, but you know, it's all right. It'll pass. It never passes. It doesn't mean you're going to clobber the guy right in the face if he said something to you. But I feel we let too much go and it accumulates in our heart. Even when we're nice people talk about let it go. It doesn't go. If somebody else doesn't defend you, you have to defend yourself. And you don't always have to be combative, but you might say something back slick out the mouth that lets them know I'm right on it like this. If somebody walked up to me, me, Lance Gerv, and punched me in the face, don't wait two seconds because you got a punch coming back. I could be at the nicest <laughs> lunch, sitting back, relaxed. I could be post-orgasmic, enjoying the sunlight in my face, and now we rolling around in the dirt and I'm getting the best of you from zero to 60. That's me. And them entities out there that specialize in, in taking advantage of people and walking all over people, they already know. And it's evident in the animal kingdom. Lion could be sitting over there, eyes half closed, damn near asleep. And the other animals out there in the animal kingdom like, no, no, we saw what he did to that other one. We're not messing with him. Something might try him, but it's not going to be good results. We can read each other. Like I said, I'll say demons for just effect, meaning the negative energy. Demons operate on the spiritual plane also. They operate on the spiritual frequency also. So when you have the goodness in you and you're trying to work on yourself and heal yourself up, they already know. I've locked eyes with dudes in the street, not no homo business, but just in passing. And I already knew this guy's a prick. This guy's not going to like me. And I know that. You can tell just from one, you walk into a room on a new job and, and they got the training thing going on for the job. And you look and you see all these fresh new faces that you never saw before. And some of them are no better than nasty, dirty garbage cans. Garbage cans so dirty, never cleaned out that the garbage not in there. And it still stinks. And that's how some of these people are. And you can't, you can't just like overlook that and bring that in your life. You don't want their cooties. Because like I always say, and I'll shut up, I know a lot of folks want to speak. But if you're a man, and just like if you're a woman, and you're 100% and you're on, and of course nobody's 100% all the time. But if you go to bed with the number 50, you're going to wake up the number 75 because you averaged out with their energy. So be careful who not only you lay down with, because I do feel that you can get soul ties from other types of close proximity. Not just physically close, but intimate 
friendships and opening up and mm-hmm. them getting in you in a certain way. So it doesn't have to be penis and vagina or you sucking up their crotch sauce. It could be just intimacy. You see what I mean? So friends that you know for a long time and you realize they weren't really your friends. They were just gathered up data on you because they didn't like you the whole while and they couldn't wait to destroy you. I've had friends like that. They around you and they're good to you through the worst of times that you're going through. You're going through things that are so terrible and they call you, they're there for you, they're giving you stuff. Come on over, spend the night, get away from there. Let me take you out. Here's some money here, whatever. And they're gathering on you. You see what I mean? Like, like, like the police detectives looking at the drug spot. They're not going to bust it when the first crackhead comes out. They ain't going to get nobody. They, they want to see who's supplying. They want to get electronic data and, and surveillance on them and get everybody. So when they come at you, they want to destroy you. I've had that happen to me. You know, I could tell lots of stories on that one. You know, so you just, and, and I'm not saying all this stuff to be paranoid. But take your time with whatever's around you. Take your time. And when it comes at you in a, a place in your life that may be a weak point for you, you really have to be careful on that point. You know? It was never cocaine for me. It was never weed. It was never crime. I didn't do that. I'll be the perfect person you'd want to live next door to. But if you were that type of woman who, and I was never a predator, I might look and keep looking and keep looking, but I was never, hey, let me go over there and try to get her. But I was so slick, I'd be passive and make her think that, you know, it was her idea. That was the worst I was. You see what I mean? But, uh-huh. She, for the first time I saw you, I wanted you. I did that. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting yeah. there acting like a yeah. victim. You know what I mean? You know? I'm like, damn, I can't believe she's sitting on my face and she thinks it's oh her my idea. Oh, God. my God. This is why I raised my hand. <laughs> to slap me, right? Because <laughs> you, can't, you can't laugh in silence. There's just no fun. <laughs> what did that say that made you laugh? Oh, God, please. What? I was over, here, know we gotta cracking, keep it I was over here cracking up, but I'm like, you know, we gotta keep it you know what? It ain't nobody else laughing. I'm coming on because I'm laughing. <laughs> this is supposed oh, to be, oh, oh. this is Freaky Friday. We're supposed to be laughing and having a good time. I'm sorry. <laughs> y'all need, the rest of y'all need to wave your hand and open <laughs> I'm up. I'm serious. Whoever, whoever can, can come in and speak, wave your hand and come in and chime in, you know, and, and let's and, just have some fun. Yeah, you know, know, I wanted to say, I wanted to say, you know, on a serious tip as far as energy. um, Yeah, we can get um, we can get with someone (laughs) and uh, (laughs) we can get with people and exchange energies and so on. But we have to know how to clear those energies. You know, Um, we can't go around year after year after year after year saying that, oh, we have different entities attached to us because trust me, if you don't clean it off, it's going to bog you down. It's going to wear you down. It's going to have you feeling like you have the you have the world and the solar system on your shoulder. You know, so that's something that we have to um, either learn, find out about. And I'm not talking about necessarily going to anyone to do anything because those, those same people, they had to do research. 
So, you know, we have to do research. We have to know how it is to clear our energy field, um, do the things that are necessary to banish certain things away from you, off of you, and, you know, cleanse yourself. Do the work to cleanse ourselves. And um, when it comes to mistakes that we've made, even if we can't go back and correct, what we do is we make sure that we enlighten our children. And if we didn't enlighten our children and they made mistakes, enlighten your grandchildren. You know, make sure that we're showing them or telling them what the pitfalls are and what to watch out for. That's what I have to say. You. There you go. When you, when you said, when you said cleanse yourself, I don't know, I'm nostalgic and you know I love music or whatever. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, in my head, it popped up. Cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself. I know. Respect yourself. Oh, my God. Your brain is messed up. Oh, gosh. I remember one time I was laughing when you were talking about some of that um, stuff. I know when I was just even as a teenager, and like you're saying, when that stuff was going on, it did make me sit back and think. Like you were saying, the different energies, and because I was, Mm -hmm. you know, a person that know how to shift and use that to my advantage. I did a couple times, and like you say, you have people you're not the palm of your hand, and they trying to figure out what's going on. You controlling the cards, and um, yeah. And it's not a predatory way, but it's just like something like, I can do this. Let me just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was just like, when I found that, I was just like, mm, yeah, we better leave that alone. That seemed like it might get you in trouble after a while. But it, it's, um, it is like, and we talked about that before, like people have different energy levels. Some people have a sexual, that's their energy level. And some people may have, I call them like the gift of gab. You know, they walk in money, just appear. That's their energy level, you know. And yeah, just, but you have yeah. to learn how to manipulate it and work with it. You can be stingy yeah. and be like, I don't want to. I want to keep all this money to myself and don't help out nobody. Or you can invest it and do what you need to do to build up help up other folks and kids. So it's all about that, you know, just that control issue. With me, it was more with you know control issue. Like even if you did have sex with me, it was like don't touch this, don't do this, don't. Like I had specific rules. You get mm-hmm. outside the rules, it was like you got. To go because I barely want to have sex with you anyway, and ain't doing nothing for me. You're just the only one that's getting the pleasure out of this. But oh, wow. I just that was my mindset. It was like, no, you're gonna do exactly what I told you. Uh, you can get up and go, it would not phase me one bit because I'm not even gonna have an orgasm anyway. So that was like my mindset with sex. And so, was nothing mm-hmm. is that a boundary issue? Yeah, it it, it is a boundary issue. That's what I was, uh, you know, I was going to say also is that a lot of us not your situation was just absolutely appalling. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I I just take my hat off to you that you can actually be here talking about it, you know, because that was crazy. You know, um, I think I think that it's a lucky woman that can come through from you know young adult from a child to adulthood and not be touched you know in some way shape or form you know you're you know it's it's the rare that's a rarity and especially Mm -hmm. when you're at a certain age you know you're from a certain age group um nine times out of ten somewhere along the way something happened it may not Mm -hmm. necessarily be very extreme it could be very mild but something happened nonetheless 
And a lot mm-hmm. of times what that does for us is it takes away your boundaries. It takes away your ability to set boundaries for yourself. And so you might find yourself, you know, in situations where ordinarily it wouldn't even happen, you know. Um, and, and so um, even if you even if you don't take it all the way to, you know, the ultimate level, you find yourself in situations where people can possibly, you know, manipulate you or think that they can approach you a certain way. And so those are some of the things that we have to recognize, you know, in ourselves and, you know, in situations is that we need to develop stronger boundaries we need to know Mm -hmm. that you know and and a lot of times i don't even think that we realize what the boundaries are or what because you might think that you have it all together you know like nobody's gonna step to me this that whatever 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 but Mm -hmm. it, it could be it could be the most innocent thing but it's something that shouldn't happen you know, and so it's like my guard is down or, you know, th- the individual didn't have their guard up or whatever. And I just say my because it's easier, you know, mm-hmm. but your your guard is down and you let something happen or you let someone in that you shouldn't have. And so we have to recognize that even the most innocent um, things that happen to us can strip us of our ability to create healthy boundaries for ourselves. That is true because it was, like I said, it took, and it still is taking, that's like an ongoing process. Like, I came, like, almost an advocate for, you know, uh, I melanated men. Like, I don't, you know, hate men or nothing like that. A vast of stuff went through. And I was like, I always have much love. But like you're saying, if I'm stuck in a room with you, I would not never be, that just, I just never did that. And I don't want to catch myself in a room with you out there before I'm vulnerable. Like, I had, like you said, I had, like, really structured, <laughs> try to set up some boundaries. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you and I can boost you up, but don't ever think that we just going to be cool like that in that area that you can just come, let's just hang together. Because in my mind, that is always like, now what if you try something? Because my first good, my first thing is good. I'm going to gut you. <laughs> you know, yeah, gut yeah, you. So, yeah. You yeah. know, my mind, so I know right now what my mindset is, so what we're going to do, let's go to this mall, let's be around some people, because we're not going to be in a place, in the space that we all to ourselves. Uh, you might have to that, kill somebody. Or, <laughs> or I just wanted to, you know, hey, you know, trying to see, just work in that energy and just have you climbing the walls just to have fun and see what's going on. But right. it was, uh, it was like you saying, healthy boundaries was something yeah, I really had to work on because I had like a control issue. It really was. I was like, I am controlling every relationship. You ain't mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like I. That's how. I, what that was my safety zone. That was my safety zone. Yeah, it was like no, that's my safety zone. You don't like it, deuces. Because it's, it's yeah. another one about four or five ten right around that corner. Come right here. I wasn't worried about dudes. I never was. They always came. They always coming. It it always was. And it's right. just like that's right. my world. And not didn't dress provocative. I didn't dress. I was just, I was just me. But that mm-hmm. energy, no, it does. It does, knows. And like you, like Lance, it does. It does. Yeah. They will. Mm-hmm. They will pick up. Those entities. They will pick up. They will pick up on that stuff, and they will mm-hmm. home in and target you. The target you. It is bullseye every single time, and you don't even know what's going on, thinking that you're controlling something. Not understanding, you the one that's being controlled. 
That's true. Very true. But I can tell you I'm this. I'm saying Quasio can talk. You're like, um, where Lance go? Oh, yeah. I can't <laughs> no, that's this, her. This one of the dudes, I told Lance that, like, from that rape drama, um, well, the first, the one that put me in my boyfriend, we talked. I think he would end up, he went to the military. But I seen him at a Wendy's when I was eating meat then. It was like years, years ago. But he, um, I said, oh, yeah, I want to talk to you. He said, can I talk to you? So he pulled up to the side. And like I said, me being me, I'm going to just confront you. I've always been like that. I'm like, you know that was jacked up what you did. <laughs> you know? And he was like, I am so sorry. Like, you could tell that it's been eating at him. I am so sorry. I don't know what came over me. Like, I don't even know why I did that. Da, da, da. And like I tell Lance, even to this day, if he see me, he, you can just see he just stops in his track and it just you can see this look on his face like, what the hell was I thinking? And I'll be like, he'll say, he, and I'll see him with that same look on his face and I'll say, hey, so-and-so. And he'll be like, hey, Cameron. He, his whole world is just like, he like stops dead in his track every time he see me. And I, I'm going to say it the street way. I'm going to say it the street way. That mm-hmm. nigga's gonna be sorry for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can walk up to him and punch him in the face, and he'll tell you, "I'm sorry." <laughs> it was That's weird. Yeah, and the and the other dude that was his cousin, he we was on Facebook, and he found me, and I was like, "You're just thinking, just you know, gotta be careful what you be thinking." University, like, here you go. So oh I was my thinking, god. Oh, hey. So and so, and he popped up on the radar. He, I think he wanted to be my friend. I'm like, sure, because I already know in the back of my mind since you want to be my friend, so let's talk, friend. And uh, why did you do that? <laughs> and so, um, he 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 was like, well, how you doing? And it was a brief silence, but like Lance and you, a lot of people up here know you ain't got to say nothing for folks to know what you're feeling. He, he knew exactly what I was feeling when he comes on. How you doing, nigga? How you think I'm doing? But these people have these people have nerve and gall. They have they have a world of nerve and a whole lot of gall because they should see you and and turn the other way. They should see you and turn the other way. Don't come and talk to you. You're a good person. You're a good person. He was just like it was just shocking Mm -hmm. that he was. he, He said it as though you could tell that he wanted to talk about something, but he said it was just like you know. Like, it was like a fly-by-night conversation. What you mean? Mm-hmm. Let me see. <laughs> how you think? <laughs> how you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how many but, of them yeah. How many of them were there? I want to say probably like about 10. I blanked out probably like on the fourth one. It was a bunch of them. And you, and you actually talked to them? I no, would st- uh-uh. I would still be walking with a gun. <laughs> I'd be walking with a gun. Cause it's like <laughs> I'd have a bounty on everybody's head. <laughs> Boy, for the longest, I was like, oh, 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 oh. So, people don't understand this, Ella. Even with the drama, with the after, even with that happened, but to go through the whole rape kit drama, that was oh god, I can't crazy. even imagine that. that. Pubic hairs from your root of your pubic hairs. Oh my that. god! No, but so, not only that. <clears throat> no, but th- you had to deal, deal with the police also, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, well, see, listen. Most people that haven't gone through that do not understand how inhumane that is. Now, mm-hmm. I worked with. I'm gonna just say this for your show, but let you keep going. I, I work with men most of the time. I didn't want to work with women because they would lie on you and say things. But there were guys in there who were gay who would oftentimes get raped. But it wasn't like 
guys are giving it up in there. They always make it sound, oh, these guys gang raped you. But there's certain situations when it's like that. This guy had got a favor, gay guy got a favor from this other guy who acted straight, where he was giving him food. Not the food the jail gave you, but the commissary that you'll buy <clears throat> if you had an account when your family put money in there. Some guys don't have it. So this gay, gay guy was like, listen, you know, I'll um, just give me some food and everything like that. And the deal was like, he was gonna give him some head. So we didn't know the dude was, the straight dude was, straight looking dude was giving the food was like that. So it didn't happen, right? Fast enough for this other dude, there was no opportunity the way they were saying it. So the dude went in there, when the old, everybody's cell was open, went in there and raped the guy. And see what he didn't realize is that that guy was HIV positive, right? He raped him. So I was the one who was with him when he went in for um, the question and answering. And what they do, it's like, okay, this guy, I don't think he was really raped. And I have my reasons for that. So I would never say, oh, this one was a race. She wanted it. No, I would never say that. I'm not saying it that way. But later on, I found out some things because they was both down for something. See, so with a woman now, it's the same procedure where they're not only just, oh, what did he do? They're asking you every detail of your sexual past, your sexual life, what yep, you like, yep. what you lick, what you swallow, what you fan Did oh, you use God. drugs? Did you did this and what you did this to 10 years ago? Did you and they got to go down the list of everything? Yep. It's not like yep. you just tell me what they and then you got to you're like, I'm in pain here. I've been violated. And I got to answer. Have you ever been in threesomes? Have you ever had hard things shoved up in your ass? Did you ever, you know, what? suck a dog's dick? I mean, no, they ain't going to ask that. But they may ask you if you've been in the bestiality because that may present oh something where you, you have a germ in you or something that they have to, they, they, I mean, you don't want nobody hearing this stuff. And, and they had the door closed, but I could hear everything. And after a while, I was like, let me move away from this door. Because I was starting to learn things in the gay community, which I didn't even want to know. I didn't know horse tranquilizers were a thing in the gay community, right? Because when you take the horse tranquilizer, it makes you makes your anus relax. <laughs> so, let me shut up. Let me shut up. Yo, go ahead, Universal. I don't want they might not ask you them questions, but they know in that community there's all kind of things. So you oh, had God. horse tranquilizer pushers out there. Some sold cocaine, some sort of mixed methamphetamine. I'm looking for the tranquilizer. I'm looking for the horse pills, y'all. And dudes would pop these pills, and their ass can have a, can have a, a, a Mack truck drive to the bad boy and won't even feel it. Oh, my God. <laughs> they walk in the fart and shit. Yeah, that <laughs> was crazy. Ass, they to, was. Huh? <laughs> mm. That ass was like, oh, well, you're a virgin. You, I'm just like, I'm kidding. And my mom, I'm what you got to do with What you got to do with what, what? I just went to. I don't understand the question. That's how I was looking like, what? Did they call your parent in when I said, no, I'm not a virgin? Call my mom in. Well, you know she's not a virgin. So we're, we're in a product of humiliating people now? What, what's going on? Why did you have to tell her that? Now, it was, it was just like a show. I don't know what they were doing, but it wasn't protecting me. Mm-hmm. It was like a show. It was a show. It really was. It was a show. It wasn't about protecting nobody. It was just I'm like, getting up in your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just for what? What was the reason? It was crazy. That was. That they was crazy. tagging you with something, inputting information mm-hmm. to some mm-hmm. database. 
You know, it's just yeah. crazy. Let me tell you something. If for some reason some woman raped me or something like that, they got they gonna be in there for three days because I'm gonna answer everything wrong. Yeah, I did that too. Uh huh. I did that. Too. Yes, I did. <laughs> I'm gonna mess them up. They gonna be like, yo, you gotta pay me overtime to sit there with this dude. Because <laughs> it's really humiliating. I feel sorry for the guy though. It wasn't oh he's just a gay guy. So it was like really getting bad because see when he answered the investigator or doctor or whatever you want to say who it is, you know when you're filling out these little applications online, you know the questions that, well, if I answer one, they're going to come with 10 more, so let me answer it this way. No, I never did that. This guy answered it correctly because he, he, he's a veteran out there in the street and out in the gay world. He was a prostitute out there. And um, he answered it where, I was like, damn, I'm not going to get out of here. Because he keeps answering it wrong. Just lie on some of them. Because other questions pop. Well, since you said this, I have to ask you this. I'm like, oh, man. Get smart on this, man. They're learning all this stuff about you, but it doesn't matter. You know? And when I was doing that, Lance, that was, um, mm-hmm. I kept, when the, I remember the doctor was in there. The police, cause, you know, they had a little evidence bag, so they got to do that. I'm just thinking, but my booty is wide open. Why is the police here? Like, why are they looking? Oh my God! I, I'm like, why oh, would you? I'm looking like, oh, do you need to be here to collect evidence? I can't put evidence in a bag. Oh my God! Like, I never understood that part. They collecting evidence with the eye. They looking at you. They shouldn't be doing exactly. that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So why were y'all here? So y'all need to be in here for that? Like what? And you were 13. But my, but my mother couldn't be in there. But you called her there afterwards. Child. Okay. Okay. I was 13. I was like, but okay. I was a shit and threw it all. Oh, my God. I got a question to ask. I'm being listening. Uh-huh. Poetic here. I got a question to ask. Poetic? How are you? Go ahead, man. How are you, folks? I've been listening for a while. But I'm just sometimes better to be quiet and listen, you know, so you can learn. Because I heard something that I never heard before. But the sister, I'm trying to ask you this question. Do you think being at that age, that young age at 13 and went through that, it made a difference in your life or did it shape your, your, your balance of your adult life, do you think? Oh, yeah. It shaped uh, um, a lot of my adult life. The way, as me being like me, cheerful, happy, laughing, yeah, that, I'm always down. But if, when you come to an intimate part, you want to have sex with me, when, oh, now we... That's a whole nother level. You, oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at you crazy. Like what? What's that, child? You do not. Go, my whole thing. You were not going with me because of sex. Like that. If you went with me because of sex, you'd be sadly hurt. Sadly hurt. So that probably would never happen if rare. Okay. Like so. Mm-hmm. You know what I've noticed? Um, I'm a I'm Caribbean descent. Like I think I told you guys that. You know, yeah. I'm, 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 but I found that even being here in North America, a lot of the women that I've um, encountered, they've been through something sexual in their early life a lot. It's like at least 85% of them, you know, adult, I'm talking about 50, 55 born in the Caribbean. I don't think it's so much different over here, but I think they'll end up talking about it more easier than the um, the American or the 
North American born um, individuals. So I, you know, that's why I asked that question because I find that a lot of them that got hurt that way or disadvantaged, whichever you want to, you want to take it, because sometimes not really hurt. They knew they were going into something and they still succumb to it, even though it wasn't what they were thinking of. Like, I know of a situation right now, or oh, it's all over the, it was very hot on the internet the other day. There was this singer in Jamaica, a very good singer. She's a very good writer, very good artist. And she got raped when she was, um, when she was just getting into the business. And she never told anybody who it was. She talked about it before that she got raped by an entertainer. Everybody's thinking of who it is. And, Sometimes she seems to lapse in and out because she, she writes good, but then sometimes she doesn't even want to deal with the business because there's more male in the business than female, and she has to go around those males. So I guess, you know, she's not really that comfortable, but she still had not said exactly who it is. And everybody's saying, say it. Say who it is. You give up so much information. Some people figured who it was already. They figured it out because he had the same last name as her, and, and she says it's somebody who consider her a little sister, and uh, so they, they figured it out. But I said all that to say that what I realized is that so many got hurt, and what has happened is it has caused them to have bad relationship. You, when you like, by the time I get to them and start talking to them, and they say, "Well, I've been in and out of this relationship," or being, and they they have kids and kids with more than one man and all of that other kind of stuff. So sometimes when we're there, saying some of these sisters are single mothers, and why do they have so many kids with so many different men? We don't even know if that's the cause of it because I realize that that is always a factor. They always have kids with more than one man after. When you get to them and start really digging down, you find out that, oh, so this happened and that happened. Oh, this during this time, you know. And it's always, like they said, it's always somebody they trust. It's sad, though, but, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of energy is not a good energy to be walking around with. And that's what we, if you're a good man and you're looking for a good woman, then, you know, some women don't even tell you it happened, but... You know, you see all of these things coming out of relationships and you wonder, there's, there's so much to it. There's just too much, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is. Um, and I, like I say, I'm, I'm different, so I'm going to tell it. So you come up to me, I'm like, listen, I got that, 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 that. So you'll know. And the majority of people, even when I say, hey, I had this, that, it did not turn them away. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, okay. But it is, it is true. You, um, I have, all my children is about, you know, one man, but even being married to him, I think it was like 15 years. I never told him no, <clears throat> anything like that. You can never say I was talking crazy to him, beating him, nothing. I was doing his feet. I was very crock up in that bitch. I was massaging, doing feet, cooking, clear. I was doing all that. <laughs> yeah, that's just me. But, um, I had pretty feet, and he was there. I was like, oh, just massage my feet. He was like, like he didn't want to massage my feet, even though his feet were jacked up. We're going to tell the truth. But I always did. <laughs> you know, that was just me. And, but I never, to, I never told him no, never told him no. And um, when he, he kept saying, oh, you can leave, da, da, da. And I guess I was like, he really don't know me. This is why I was a Christian. I was like, he really don't know who I am. Because all my ex-boyfriend knew. First of all, I'm, the, the fact that you just saying that more than one time, you done got comfortable. 
And so after a while, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give you what you think you want. So I gave him a divorce. And he found that thing what he wanted. And before all that happened, I was like, well, we might well not have sex no more. I cut that off because I never, after 10, 10 years, 15 years, I never said no, whether I wanted to or not. And half the time I didn't. But it wasn't that. I was just like, okay, whatever. And he, he found out that he messed up. Now, it took him a while after the divorce for him to catch a clue and start treating me right a whole lot better because he was talking crazy. Talk to my people, to my children, my kids would come home crying. Dad, dad, dad. I'm just like, what is wrong? Like, I never painted him in a bad light before my children. I'm like, you don't do that. Like, you don't do that. They innocent. Why would you, why would you do that? But he was, he just went crazy. So now he's kind of like sitting back and kind of quiet now. And later, I think it was a couple of months ago, he was like, I think, you know, forgive me children. And, you know, and, you know, it was, you know, they, they're good. And you was a good, you was a good person. I'm like, yeah, I, this I know. I would brag on myself because I know what I do and I know what I bring. Even though the stuff I went through, I'm not going to treat you as though such. But, yeah, that was, it was, you do. You're right, poet, and um, you, you do. It, it does carry over, and it can um, mess with your creativity and a lot of other stuff. Probably the reason why I ain't wrote that book yet, because it, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. But, yeah, thank you. Amazing. But the fact that you're upfront with your experiences, it, it, it gives a man no excuse where he didn't know. And it's like you know of somebody, just theoretically for women out there who can follow in your footsteps, that he knows what the deal is with me. And if you had more people like yourself, it's like selling a used car. And I'm not calling you no used car now. <laughs> I'm just yeah, using the analogy. <laughs> yeah. You know, a person selling says, hey, I'm charging this amount for it. Reduce because it does have this problem with the transmission. It has this, it has that. And all those things add up. And I was asking 10000 for this car, but the problems in it is $3,000. I'll give you a break and send it, sell it to you for 6500 because I want you to know that there may be something else that I don't know. And you get it checked up. So many of us, like they say, they send their representative and everything you know, you're gawking over the wrapping, but don't know what's inside the box that you think is a gift. And like a Trojan horse, they can enter your life in this nice package and you get it home and they open mm -hmm. up and all of a sudden, you know, you got all hell breaking loose. And then like they always say, it's easy to get in and it's hard to get out. The people would just be honest and stop right. trying to put up such a perfect exterior, you know, then we'd have less divorces, less suicides and killings and or, you know, look, there's, and there's a lot of people who are offbeat in a way as far as I'm concerned. I and mean, who am I to speak? Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when they open up and find out, oh, man, I, I, I was kind of into this. I'm glad, you know, that we opened up and you have a better union and you'll know where to work. The areas of your life to, to work on. Right. And, and, and what, what the frailties are. You, go ahead. You, you can talk. I don't want to dominate. Go ahead. No, I was agreeing with you, you know. Uh it took me a lot of it took me a lot of years to you know talk about whatever happened to me and like i said it wasn't it wasn't anything devastating but something happened nonetheless and i blamed myself for a whole lot of years a lot of years and i was i was very young i wasn't even a teenager when when you know whatever happened to me but I absorbed that and I thought it was all my fault. 
And I didn't realize that it wasn't my fault and that <clears throat> I can't take responsibility for that. Uh, you know, when I heard Oprah talking about her situations, you know, and everybody was now, you know, coming forward and discussing their lives and what happened to them and, you know, so on and so forth. And that's when I realized, oh, I don't have to carry that burden, you know, and you know, I opened up and I talked about it and I was telling you that <laughs> it's a good thing that maybe I didn't tell, you know, my, my mother when I was younger, because when I did tell her, it's, you know, sometimes people, they want to keep the peace, you know, they don't want yeah. to, mm -hmm. they don't want to rock any boats and they don't want to confront anyone. And so it's like, well, it happened already, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a good thing for me is that I was already coming to terms with what had happened and, you know, what my responsibility in it was, which I really had no responsibility at all in there, you know. And, um, and so when she said what she said, it wasn't as devastating to hear it. And uh, listen, it, it's, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to deal with. And like I said, when I heard your story, you know, my story, you know, I can say it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak less of anybody else's situation because trauma is trauma, you know, and mm -hmm. we all deal with things differently. So I wouldn't make light of anybody else's story, you know, but your story just puts mine to shame, you know. I wouldn't say that, but yeah, tag you it. <laughs> why did you take, my question is, why did you take blame? When you were, me? Why did you take blame when you were not the person? Because I was a child. I was a child. And I didn't understand what was happening. And I didn't understand that. I mean, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go all the way into what happened to me. But, you know, you just because of this, this, the circumstances surrounding the situation, you just automatically think that you are partially responsible for, you know, whatever happened but then you realize that this is a grown-ass man right. and but, you know he had no business coming at me in any way shape or form you know so I, I also look at it like if you were left if whatever your situation um you were in to encounter that uh it wasn't your fault because you're a child but when you you know you said you you kept it to yourself from your mom and all of that for so long and you told him when you were like you know i guess older and more mature mm -hmm. explain the situation mm -hmm. but all through that leading up to that point i'm believing uh, it was just embarrassed embarrassment you know well yeah i guess everybody's not the same to, to say what i think about that that's me who's saying that I, I don't think as long as i didn't do it i wouldn't think of i wouldn't feel embarrassed because see I these were this, i hear you but this was family mm -hmm. and you know you, you're from the you're from the listen you're from the caribbean right yeah. i mean uh, and um where you guyana trinidad or? me yeah oh i'm from jamaica yeah for, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Stella Dining per minute. Yeah, okay. Uh, I have a I have a multitude of accents. <laughs> um, no, see, this was this was very very close family, mm-hmm. you know, and um, talking about it, I know that they wouldn't, you know, it would have been that didn't happen then it would have been, I don't believe you, because ultimately it happened to my niece. Wow. And so you think it, I'm going to just interject right there. You think it happened to your niece because you didn't brought, bring awareness? It, it's possible. Yes, it is. that is possible. I, I think it, it happened to her because I didn't bring awareness to it and because um, I do believe that something similar happened to my sister. Mm. and she well. didn't bring awareness to it at the time either and she's older than me right. you know so th- this person really and truly got away with things but here's the difference um my niece spoke about it mm-hmm. you know because it's different different generation, generation. different times yeah. Yeah, yeah. um and when she did speak about it she got the wrath of God and the devil in hell and everything thrown at her. You know, she was called a liar. She was called everything oh, that you could possibly. Um, I, I don't really remember because I wasn't, I wasn't living around yeah. them. Uh-huh. They're, you know, they're living somewhere else. But um, yeah, th- that same individual, you know, he denied it, denied it, denied it. You know, his wife, you know, cursed her out. Curse her own her own grandniece out, mm-hmm. you know, and said that she's a liar and this and that and and so um I heard about it afterwards. I didn't hear about it when it happened. I heard about it long after it happened. And as a matter of fact, I think that was one of the reasons why I then went to my mother and I said, you know, this this is not a lie because this is what happened, so and so and so and so, whatever. And basically, she, <laughs> it was almost like um, she short-circuited, you know, because she, once again, she just didn't know how to go and confront this, this particular family member who they held in such high regard. Mm-hmm. And then she didn't want to rock any boats and cause any, any rift in situation. So she just... Did, didn't confront anyone, didn't say anything. Well, you know, that's, that's usually the case that somebody who the family trusts, mm-hmm. who they believe in, and sometimes yeah. it's a family, part of the family that had some money, that had a little bit of, um, I wouldn't even say so much money, no, but they, right. they have a, they have a um, uh, you look up to them. You, people look up to them and think that they're, you know, they're good because of the face they put out there. But behind that face, it's like, you know, when an open door, you're going behind the door and when you see what's behind the door, you know. Um, so it, it's, and like I said before, I'm like you, I'm from Jamaica. And a lot of, I've spoken to some Jamaican women and almost every single one of them can tell you of some form of incest or close to it in their family. I, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You know what I thought one time? I thought to myself, "Do I have a, a, a have a a thing of picking these kind of women?" Who I no, 
the the pickings like i said before when i first started talking about it i said nine times out of ten you know and i'm saying nine out of ten uh, mm -hmm. there has been some situation that happened you know right. you know yeah. different levels of extremeness you know um but yeah nine times out of ten something has happened well you know what that is a short sheer truth because when i was a young you know before i went to i i went to canada first and i went to canada i turned 15 in canada mm -hmm. right? and years before maybe i'd say at least four to five years before then that mean i was only probably 11 somewhere around there. there's a bunch of us we were living in a lane you know on a lane um we were in town so we live in and all the boys one time they got together including one i considered my best friend three or four of them got together and said they were gonna hold down the girl in the next lane and i was like oh no i went and squealed they all disliked me or hated me as we call it ever since that they did not like me because i went and told them that they were going to do this to the girl they're going to wait and when she's going for water one night and they were going to you know and so i can you know after all these years you know leaving growing up hearing these women talk that i reflected on that saying that that's how sometimes that's how these things happen because three or four of them were and she knew that everybody was friends in that neighborhood right there. That lane, we were all friends. Everybody played together, do whatever, go over each other's houses. I mean, yeah, we're boys. We like the girls. That's understandable. But for a bunch of us to gang up, and uh, I didn't, I didn't like the idea. I didn't think it was a good idea, and I squealed. So I understand. I don't get involved in those. And I, I think you know, it. it I guess it's because of my grandmother it shaped me in a different way than what some of these people think. And we didn't have, I don't think my family had that kind of structure. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it is a family structure sometimes because they, some of, you know what has happened, you know, and I, uh, I guess we're, we're the ones dominating here now. What has happened in here is what has happened in places like Jamaica or the Caribbean. The, the parents start to see shades of these things or something like that happen to them. Let's say they're in a the country. They turn around and send the girl to the city, to Kingston, and say, well, they're moving them away from something like that happening because a lot of that happened in the country because people go to the field and the girls will pass the field going and the man will hold it down. I hear so many little things in the country. When I used to go to the country for holidays. And you'd hear that all the time, that that is what happened. But nobody ever gets punished for any of those things because they, it's almost like a sense of normalcy to them for that to happen. Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, I didn't, you know, I grew up just not liking those kind of things. And I had sisters and aunts and cousins. You know, my family is full of nothing but females. I have one sister, I have four girls and one boy, you know. So I I have two girls. So I think about the females. I think about what they go through. I think about things that I try to just I don't know. And I talk to them more than I talk to men because <laughs> right. if, 
If you want to understand females, you have to talk to females. You can't talk to a man. He'll tell you about a woman. He can't tell you what a woman is. A woman can tell you what a woman mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to learn that, you know, and that's what I I learned, you know. But Yeah, I think you were one of them men just exactly. able to pick that up, you know. You just able to pick that up, you know, you see them wounds and want to heal, heal them. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You just make sure you're protecting yourself, you know, because some of them, they ain't healing themselves. They'll drain you, as you know. <laughs> exactly. You. Exactly. They don't even want to think about it. You know, that's a, I always say that's a slippery slope because some people, if they don't have the right, um, the right structure or the right people around them to uh-huh. help them unpack that crap, it's, it's, it can be very devastating. Oh yeah, they grow with it, you know, because yeah. you bury it, and you 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 know that there's a problem, but it's so buried deep, so far down in your psyche that to bring it to the forefront, it, it, you could lose your mind, uh, because you that you know you 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 buried it to deal with it, to you know to go on with your life and to live, and yeah. then when you have to turn around and unpack that. Somebody has to be there that's going to be able to hold you when you start to, you know, freak out. When you start to lose it because, you know, things are coming back to the forefront, somebody has to be there that can help you to keep your, your, your sanity. True. Mm-hmm. True. So true. I've seen situations, um, especially in the country, and I'm like, oh, I'm one situation with one girl. I, it, sometimes I remember. I remember about the incident. I think I asked somebody the other day if if they knew what happened to that girl who, you know, was happening. Her father used to take advantage of her every oh, time. God. Mother leaves. Any time her mother steps out the door and goes somewhere, especially if she's going somewhere far, that man would that that girl made so much noise. She'd always complain and nobody would go there and try to rescue her even though she was talking it real loud and be letting everybody know that it was going on no one would go there Mm-mm. nobody nobody would call the cops because it was ha- it was happening in every household probably so yeah. who's gonna who's gonna come and rescue her when it's happening over there yeah yeah uh, but i mean yeah. I, I thought it was devastating Let's get back to some Freaky Friday. Lance, where you at? Come on. (laughs) Oh, Lance is the leader of the Freaky Friday. Lance is the leader of the Freaky Friday. (laughs) Where did he go? Well, I'm trying to understand what it's. I I thought it was just a discussion. What is it? What what is it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's about it's about all different things. It's, um, yeah. It's about, oh, okay. We're talking spirituality, but it is dealing with sexual stuff that you know went on. Sometimes it is trauma. Mm-hmm. But I know with my mom when she found out, like with my brother, or whatever that was going on, she kicked them out. And um, but she was like, you know, she was talking about with my panties. Hi, what did you see your panties? Da da da. I'm like, oh, you know, seeing the child. But yeah, she kicked them out. But I told my dad, yeah, da da da. So it was, she, you know, she, she protected in that way. 
She should have mm-hmm. gotten some counseling, but you know, I don't know what's up with that with some black mothers and right. fathers, and I don't know what's up with that, but it should have had some counseling in there. But um, that didn't happen. When I did go to counseling, and when I was like, I think in my 40s or whatever, I was in the 30s. But the point is, they were, I think the lady she had wanted, she wanted me to write what happened. I'm like, I ain't going to go through it. You want me to write it down? Uh-uh. How is that helping me? Like, I'm, in my mind, because I'm an intellectual person, I don't see how this happens. Oh, you need to write it down. Child, I think I got to the first paragraph. That never happened. I'm like, nope. And I didn't want to do my own research. And a lot of um, trauma people were saying that does not work. The only thing you're doing is making it rehash. And they, that's not yeah. healing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. Right. And so I kind of like found that on my own. I was just like, well, that's not working. And, right. But I did find out this, that um, depends on when you get the writing, they can tell what is more important because of how, indent, how the indention of the words that you're writing. So they can tell like it's something light, oh, because your 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 lettering is like kind of oh, it don't even has no indention in the paper. If I right, it. the pressure. When mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when it's something that's really just you know heavy on you or just really impacted you, you can tell by the indention it goes deeper into that paper. Wow. And I was just like, what? They was like, yeah, that's how we know. So even with the therapy, the lady she I was I was severe in everything. Severe, severe. PTSD, CTED, PTSD, um, suicide. Like, I was severe on all ends. Like, my, the lady that I talked to, my mental health lady, because I didn't go to a psychiatrist, I didn't do mental health. And she was just saying me like that. Oh, she said, the fact that you're not on any medication, I'm just still blown away at that. She was, like, blown away. She said, because you are severe on all scales. Like, I don't even know how. Uh, but like I told Lance, me dealing with my creativity and the things I would experience spiritually, and that's one of the reasons I call myself Universe Coach, because imagine dealing, like, my, the stuff that we're going on spiritually, and I'm seeing from demons to aliens to whatever, spiritual mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. never ceased. Even all the stuff I went through, that never ceased. I was still seeing this, still seeing that, still hearing this, still smell. It never ceased. I'm wow. still, you know, can see and hearing all that even now. So it would just, just imagine something going on you can see the entity coming in getting ready to do it and you can't even do nothing because it's using a person and so it was right. just over the top it was just it was just over the top and it just went on and on and on but i just learned how to literally the um universe as i say trained me how to deal with it and how to maneuver that but my creativity and being sensitive to the spiritual world and know, learning how to maneuver through different realms and dimension and portals and learning how to maneuver mm-hmm. kept me away from a lot of stuff. Like, I was very sensitive in, you know, to what people said or heard or felt. Like, I was very sensitive to that. Like, and people would get scared. I'm like, yeah, I heard you talking about me. Da-da-da-da. They'll say, no, we was And I said, well, well, you said that. They would look at me. How you know? I'm like, yeah. Oh, you ain't even got to say something. I just can pick up what you said and tell you what really? you said. Oh. Really? And they'd be like, how do you know how to do that? Like, I was trained by the... I, I told people, I said, no one trained me this. And like, like Beyonce, I woke up like this. Mm-hmm. Literally. Can smell, can hear. When people get ready to die, my family, I would know because the spirit would literally come. And I'd be like, oh, somebody in. Literally. Like, and I had to learn what it was. I had to learn. 
I had to learn it. No one like even when I was in church, and said, no folks looking at me like I was crazy. I was like, well, you know, it's that's the thing. That's the same thing like people having a musical gift or artistic or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're just a, a different type. And because you know what it is and learn, you know, and accept what it is, people don't think that that's why they say everybody's not the same because that's something that you possess that I don't possess and not any and everybody just like how people are special, like I said, special musical gift. They could just do things and, just you're wondering you know wow you know that good so that that's what it is that's just what it is that's just you thank you <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah. It took, thank you for that so it the it took it took, it took a lot because like i told Lance, you don't you know when people see that you can see and hear like 30 years in the future don't too many people want to be your friend Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you ain't, and I'm the type of person I let you keep thinking that you're getting away with it because I learned how to tune out a lot of stuff Not, it never stopped that I can't hear and see that never stopped, I just know how to tune it out and if I wanted to tune in better I can, I can still hear and see it but I choose to make it, you know, turn that volume down I learned how to do that not that I didn't see what you said heard what you said, I, I just turned it down I still can hear so I'm glad that you said wow that's uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you use it to help others? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let me tell you, my family. Just just what I don't understand. I know that you will probably love this, Mister Coretta. Like my family members. Like I call. I used to call myself like a genie because they'll come ask me something. Hey, you know, so and so did it. This is a form of conversation. But I learned over the years that this actually a request that they want. And mm-hmm. oh, so and so, so and that, and I'd be like, oh. And if I say, oh. Uh, like I had an interest, they can be saying, "Hey, I want to go to Hawaii." I thought mm-hmm. about that, da, 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 and I just be like, "Oh!" And all of a sudden, next week or two days, oh, they got a trip to Hawaii. I had to learn to maneuver and learn how to control that because people manipulate you. Mm-hmm. They would get what they want. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, never, never thought of it like that. And I had they, to really. Yeah learn how to like but you can tell that they knew what they was doing because like Lance was saying you look at people in their eyes the eyes is a window to this so you can know they know exactly what right. they're doing but they ain't gonna tell you they're gonna act like oh God did it or somebody else did it well mighty funny when you came and asked me it happened <laughs> and it just you know blows my mind so I, I did um, a lot of people they did like I said they ain't had too many friends especially when they did Seeing, you know, you can see in here. Now, I don't, a lot of stuff I don't tell people. Right. Like, don't tell me. But a lot of stuff I don't. First of all, if they tell me no, don't tell it. I'm not going to tell it. Second right. Of all, a lot of stuff um, when I hear and see, and I, it's for me to go in and intercede and do what I need to do to make sure your path is clear and do what I need to do. If that's what I need to do. It'd be a right. lot of times they'd be like, hey, so and so about the, um, so and so about that. And I go in there and be like, oh, let me go in there. They'd be like, sometimes they'd be like, no, no, leave that alone. And a majority of the time, they be like, yeah, now go in there and do whatever. And they'll get up and be like, you know, I almost got into a wreck. My, my kids the same way. I had a dream so-and-so. So. Like, it's literally, like, embedded. That's so, the one that I'd like to do. I'd like to interpret the dreams, right? But sometimes you see, <laughs> and they're so vivid, and you're like, okay, so what does that mean? Because, you know, they say your dream part of you it's still part of your waking life you just gotta be able to connect them both together you know i 
that's something that I'd love to learn to do, you know. Yeah, that is true. And I tell people about that dream world. We're going to get back on Freaky Friday because it is Friday. But I tell mm. people about the dream world. And I call it the real world because it's amazing. You know, over here they got all these glitches. But over there, there's no glitches. And when you go over there, it's like people, they're like, you know, it felt like I really, like that really was happening. I'd be like, because it did. Because we know that we are infinite beings. Like, this is just not your only life. This is probably not the only life you live here. And your soul knows. Your soul keeps all that. So, you know, you having a deja vu moment or whatever you want to call it. When you're over there in a dream world, you're feeling like, I done did this before because you have. You probably was in another parallel universe doing whatever. And you just woke up like, yeah, that felt like that happened. I'm giving you a clear a, a, um, um, thing about a dude about a dude that I knew. I used to dream about for over 20 years, dreamed about dreaming. And, and I realized that these were past lives. Like he was the same age when we met. I was the same age when we met every time. Don't you know that dude? Like, boom, right back together again. I'm like, what in the world? And it was past lives. He was in the military. I could tell you everything. It was the same thing, mm-hmm. maybe different forms, but it just tripped me out because no one could never. And this, that, then I knew like something is really else going on that somebody's not telling, or not even want to touch on. Mm-hmm. And this was what was happening to me. And so I could never do the Christianity thing because a lot of stuff that I was experiencing, they that's out of their range. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh at them. Never forget about that. <laughs> that's out of their range. That's that's something else. So yeah, but I could go on and on about that, Lance. No, it's just me in that realm. Is that's my life. Like that's where I always live. Right. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's like that's my life. Like people, yeah, they're dead. I'm saying, and they're not dead. You know, they just transition to somewhere else. They're hey, they they're on the other side trying to help us. Hey, this is what's going on. And I always looked at it like that. Hey, this is what's going on. Don't do this. Don't do that. Or do this. Do that. They just try to help you on the other side. We and just need to tap into them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can look at it as spooky. As, oh, no. He's talking to the dead. Those folks ain't dead. Even if you don't die, they're trying to help you. Mm. I, I, always, I always say nobody knows Nobody knows anything about the dead because nobody's ever come back and tell you anything. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, dying is not like going to the club. Yo, man, that was a good club, man. They had some good food, good drinks. Nah, it's not like that. <laughs> All right, so what's your take on some of these um, people who um, they may have stopped breathing for a period of time and you know, stepped away from this realm, but then they come back and they say how beautiful it was and um, they're no longer afraid of dying because they've seen what it looks like on the other side. What about those people? Have, you know, what is your take on that? It could be one big I know trick. I had that. I know. <laughs> I, did no, that. No, I know I did. I did that before. I mean, it happened to me, so. I know. Like, I know. I literally, I, I literally felt my heart stop beating, like boom, 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 boom. And when I heard the last boom, I called. I, I think it went to whoever I talked to. They was like, no, you didn't die. But I sat up and I looked back and I saw my body laying back. And I was like, well, what is going on? Like I said, a lot of this happened. I was a Christian. Like I said, that's why I never could fit in that world. And I was like, what right. is this? Look back and I was like, 
you know, I was like, what is going on? And by that time, I lay, and I was like, oh, no. And then, so I, I remember laying back and sitting back up. So that's literally like my body went in my spirit, went back in my body, and I sat back up, and I jumped out the bed. Like, what is going on? You know, <laughs> but, yeah, that was an experience. <laughs> I didn't even get up trying to walk around and see what was going on. <laughs> well, be glad that you re-hitched up with your body. You know, you, you, you got back on it again, but you if you jumped up too fast as a spirit, <laughs> I mean, I got back in. Yeah, but the closest thing, I, I had that something similar happened to me when I had a real bad case of the flu. And I know this was when I was 10 years old. Because I remember that song by Shirley and Company, Shame, 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 that was playing next door loudly when I had a party. So I'll never forget that. But I had the flu real bad. I had a really high fever, pushing the limits of what it would do to your brain, messing up your brain. It wasn't quite there. But I remember my mother kind of like getting in a panic where she was going to throw me in a, a bathtub full of ice. You know what I mean? So it was at that point. And... I remember just, and this could have been my imagination, I don't know, because I think about that, not when it happened, but long, like after, right after, the next day, I just mm-hmm. remember seeing the ceiling. I remember just like, my face was up on the ceiling. And then I looked over into the other room, and you know, you have like the part of the ceiling between, between rooms that it comes down, didn't, it mm-hmm. didn't come down too low, but as I kind of like kind of hovered up there, I looked straight through um, a living room, a dining room, whatever, and I saw into the bathroom, which was dark, and I remember seeing all these eyes, these really big eyes in the dark bathroom. Mm. And then I didn't feel anything. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm scared. I'm just looking at these dark eyes. I didn't question myself. It was natural to me, like going thinking back. I wasn't thinking at that point. At that point, as a ten year ten year old, oh, this is natural. And no, I wasn't thinking that. I was just, I'm going back and telling what I experienced. But I saw those eyes, and they were evil, and they were just looking because they were like kind of slanted. They were blinking. You could see them blinking, looking, just staring like they were waiting for me. Two, three rooms over, and I just remember a glance of, like I was on my side. I could see my peripheral vision me on the bed but it was it was me but i couldn't see it clear and then i just remember feeling hot again and looking up from on the bed but there was that feeling of descent like when you when i was sitting as i was going down i was sitting up and that's what reminded me of that and i I laid back down like from my waist down you know connected and then i Mm -hmm. laid back down real slow and i felt myself laying down like a lot of times when i have dreams that i'm falling or actually levitating. I'm thinking it's a dream, but right before like I, I come into consciousness, I feel myself laying down like a smooth landing of a plane. Like when you start waking up, you feel yourself going back into yourself, wow. like your astral body. Don't know how, mm-hmm. to, how to explain it, but mm-hmm. I always have dreams that way. The traveling and always, oh, wow. always going back to my elementary school. There's a recurring dream that doesn't happen frequently, but like every... Five years now, I'll see. I have it at some point, but they can be two years apart. But it's like within a ten-year period, I kind of noticed that where school is over, it's dark. It's probably like one or two o'clock in the morning, late, and this is my elementary school schoolyard, and I'm walking around over there, and I notice dogs from afar, really 
like Dobermans and Pitbulls, just all, but mostly like Dobermans and Rottweilers coming my way. And I just, I squeeze myself, I tense myself up and I begin to levitate and I tense up more and I get up just enough and they're jumping, you know, they might touch my foot or, or the, my pants or something and I start moving back and getting out of there. But it's this tension. Then I wake up in the bed like I'm flexing, like I'm on a bodybuilding stage. I'm flexing a heart to try to, and didn't realize that I got away from all of that. And it's like, wow. that's something that happens to me. One of my other dreams, I think I told you about it, that I'm in this city, like in the, in not really so much the red light district, but in uh, the industrial area where they have, you know, where they sell building materials and car parts mm-hmm. and, 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 and nothing else goes on. So at nighttime, usually in cities like that, you have the red light stuff happening, but in these dreams, it's not that. But I can see like down the block, I can see like far away, like you have an open lot and nothing weird. And then you see, you see cars moving around three blocks away, four blocks away, but nothing's around you. And then you start walking toward where you see the movement going on the main road. But by the time you get there, that's dead. And you look behind you, three blocks behind you where you were, that's what it, it's always elusive to me. Right. So I'm walking and walking and walking and it's always dark. Like when you go down a block that, you know when it's lit, but you notice like, even if you didn't go down that block before, I say, this, this, oh, they okay, there's a street light that's out because it's kind of dark over here. And it's always at a distance that I see all these brake lights. Like the cars are driving, they stop. I say, okay, let me go down there. And when you go down there, it's dead. And you wake up. So hmm. it's like, what is that all about? Abandonment or something? About? Or, hmm. or just, or just hmm. being alone or fear of something? Or what? I don't really feel fear in the dream. It's all about how you feel too. I felt calm. But it was just right. like, and I never felt danger. Like, oh man, it's just some dark streets. Because as a youngster growing up, as you well know, I used to get up and go and explore all over the city take the train, go to different boroughs by myself and walk around and never felt danger and never had really anything bad actually happen to me, you know, other than those guys on the train that time when I had to pull up my money. But mm-hmm. other than that, I, w- I was always a wandering kind of person that way. Like it never, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, never... no, no. <laughs> what came into my head just like you said, you was always a wonder that's going to say you're a wandering Jew. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah I, w- I was always I was always like never scared to go places and I would just right. sometimes impromptu even in, I can't say as a full block like 15, 16 I'm like where does this path train go it goes to New Jersey let me ride it and I'd ride it and time wasn't an issue and I'd come back and then take the other train coming back and even in Manhattan when I would go I would go out there and walk I was a walking fool. And sometimes I'd go out there to walk. I'd end up in Midtown or in a village or something, get something to eat, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd walk all over. And in the times when headphones first came out, once I had my music, I would walk all the zigzags. Oh, didn't know where I was going. I was always like that. And that's one thing that that kind of spirit helped me to get into a lot of the stories I share because I was always out there. Right. You know, I mean, not like every night, like some something strange, like this dude's always walking every night. <laughs> you know, no, no, not like that. But I will tell you, I have a friend of mine who had a little brother. The little brother passed away, and um, he was like, we thought he was a little weird. He was maybe like a year or two younger than me, and um, 
he was always like to himself. He was friendly when you'd see him. He even hung out on me on one of my adventures when that's another story, right? But you would go to different parts of the city and you'd see him walking. Hmm. Like, I mean, like, like you go deep into Brooklyn, you driving, but he's walking real slow. And it's like, hey, man, what are you doing out here? Oh, I'm just walking. I said, how'd you get out there? I just walked. I said, wait a second, you just walked from Queens? Yeah, yeah, I got up about 7 o'clock this morning, just sort of walking, never stopped. What? You'd be surprised how far you can go. But he was never in no rush. And sometimes you'd get back 11, 12, midnight, and he ain't home yet. That joker would take his time and walk back. I mean, you'd think that, okay, let me get, I'm tired, let me get back, let me hop on the train or the bus. And sometimes, you know, I was out there a lot. You know, I would ride my bike when I was doing bodybuilding. I would be way out somewhere in, in, in a dangerous neighborhood, turn the corner. And this happened to me maybe with him at least 10 times throughout my life. I turned the corner like, yo, I want to say his name, but yo, what are you doing out here? And he shrugged his shoulders like, ah, just walking. He had issues, but... It's funny because he was like always like he wasn't retarded, but it was like detached and not socially developed. And, you know, he, if you if you called to him, he'd come to you and hang out with you. And he wasn't dumb. He was smart, but he was quiet. He, he was quick to laugh. Everything was funny to him. <laughs> but, he, but it was like he was not interested in women. He wasn't interested in nothing else. And he'd come home, eat. And just, you know, hang around. And he did nothing. He wasn't working. You know, 17, 18, 19. But one point, it got where, as much as he was like, he was a skinny little guy. He's a guy you can push around and just, you know. And he would offer you no resistance. He was just like that. So one day, well, for a time, I didn't see him. And then one day, I was coming down Liberty Avenue and saw him going toward the train. He had a kangle on. He had, a, he had a nice shirt, nice pants, not the little, he wasn't bummy, but he was just like a little ragamuffin, just loose pants, just, you know, coat in the wintertime, just a little too big. He was dressed to a T. He had glasses on. He had nice what? shoes on. He had a, a, a bag, a, um, a man's bag, a, a, a briefcase, and he what? was walking with purpose. And I looked, I said, is that? And he walked past me. We were always friendly, but he was serious. He was like, good morning, Lance, with authority. I said, good morning. I said, where are you going, man? I'm going to work. And I'm like, wait a second. What the hell? So he was going, and then he'd come home. He'd come home and nod in a very mature way. You'd see he'd go inside, change his clothes. He wouldn't bought all these clothes. I don't know how he got the money. He didn't have no job. But he was like completely serious. And I asked his brother, I said, what happened to him? He said, I don't know. I don't know where he got the clothes from. I don't know what, because they, they accepted like, okay, he's going to be around with us for a long time. He's not working. He has no dream of doing that. We, we, we accept this, you know? And they can't tell. They just woke up and, and it wasn't expensive clothes, but they, they, they did cost money. They looked nice. He was a cut above what's average. And he was walking with purpose. And, and the way he held his face was so serious. He would, mm -hmm. You try to make him laugh if you can make him stop walking past you. Before he walked, I mean, he put one foot in front of the other and put another foot in front of the other and end up in Brooklyn from Queens. 
Like, how the hell? So, upon further investigation, because I had to find out, there was a, a, a girl who came over my house and rang the bell. I never knew who it was. And she, she had, um, you know, crutches. So she had some type of thing with her legs where, you know, they were bent up a little bit. I forgot what they call it, but, you know, I'm looking like, a, I said, okay, let me answer this door because, you know, she must need something or something. So she, she, I opened the door and she said, uh, hello, Lance, you know, uh, and I'll tell the story and you all got to read between the lines because telling it in detail would tell on the family who, you know, mm-hmm. but he was like, well, you know, you don't know. I, I, I said, how are you? I said, you know, hello, you know, hey, what's up? You know, well, I'm calling about, I'm coming over here about the same guy and we're having problems reaching his family. They don't want to talk to us. I said, who is us? I'm like, you know, this chick on crutches. And I'm not making fun of the body, but this is weird. Like the Twilight Zone. And so she's like, he's like, she's like, well, you know, last year, you know, he got my, my sister pregnant. And, and he's, he's taking care. Yeah, he's taking care of the responsibilities and everything. But, you know, we want the family to know, you know, the grandchild, the niece, whatever, but they won't talk to us. And he doesn't come around that much, but he comes and brings money. And he was just working, working, working. He wouldn't respond to them about why the family's true because they knew that he had a child. And about six months later, he was dead. Oh. And I don't know how. I don't know. Nobody killed him. He just died. They found him dead in his sleep, dead in his bed. But he lived all his life just like this carefree. And the guy, no homo, but he was the sweetest guy. You know, he he had no aggression. He'd wave at you. He'd talk to you. And he wasn't retarded. But there was something off about him that wasn't off where you're like, something off about him. I got to watch him. If you say, come over here. You know, so-and-so, help me with this. All right, all right. And he's smiling. And he'd make any comedian feel good because any little corny joke you said, he'd crack up. So all if right. you did a stand-up and was scared, you'd bring him and sit in the front row, you know, everything <laughs> would be all right. But that was funny. He was slender, skinny, but not weak skinny. Skinny, but like, not strong like a muscle man, but alive. He was like a, like a panther, like something that was lean, but not imposing. His physique was almost like a little boy, but, you know, he was a pushover kind of guy. You say, man, he's not going to fight. He's the kind of guy that, I hate to say it this way, but you walk into him, punch him in his face, and he walk away holding his jaw, crying, and won't tell nobody. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, so when I saw him, I always felt protective over him because I had muscles. I was, like, jacked. So sometimes when, a couple times too, He's the kind of guy that if you wanted to tag along that you didn't really want to talk, but you want somebody to hang with you, yo, man, come on, let's take a ride. All right. And he ride with you, you feed him. He wasn't no bum, but he just didn't have the normal aggression like, man, I got to keep my stuff straight because, you know, these chicks out here looking good. I'm trying to bag one of them. You know what I mean? So he didn't have any of that aggression. Wow. <laughs> now I remember. Well, nowadays, I guess they would say he was he was on some scale of the spectrum, right? You know. Yeah, but, but, would... but you can you you can tell that 
he was not an LGBTQ guy, but he was an aggression. He wasn't aggressive. I called him a couple times with some girls were walking down the street. I was like by my porch on the front steps. And he did it quick. He turned around real quick and turned around real quick. I was like, yo, I saw that, man. And he cracked up. So he liked women. And so now I, I know he likes women because remember the time when I told you me and my friend Carlos found like 12 to 15 milk crates of porn magazines, hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we went out later on, later that night, and brought them all home. <laughs> we split them up. I, I lifted up my bed, and my bed was like, like so many inches higher than the ground, so I had to pull the sheet over. And I was always keeping my room clean because I didn't want my mother to notice. But anyway, after a while, you know, we started giving them away. We got older, like, man, he, you know, so he got a whole lot of them. And so his older brother found... It was weird because his older brother collected all these albums and stuff, and he never really went in there after a while to play albums all the time, but he kept them there. Homeboy took the, the, the pictures that he thought, thought were the most appealing and stuck them in the album cover between the plastic and on one side and turned it in where you couldn't see it. But he had marked them from one to ten. <laughs> this is the guy I'm telling you about. Like, that's a nine, <laughs> that's a four, that's a one. So the older brother one day, like, it happened like after he died, he went in there and saw all of these, you know, just one album had one picture, but he had a lot of albums. He said he took time and didn't even rip the plastic. He just put it in there. Oh, <laughs> That's my bizarre. God. <laughs> so he definitely, he definitely, um, like women, maybe in his own strange way, but in a non-aggressive way. But he right. didn't, for the longest time, who knows what he was doing? He could have been laying the pipe. Cross town walking on post orgasmic. That's right. That's why you're yeah. walking so slow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was Look. he was in a sweet place. <laughs> Check this out. Check this. See, you're getting me all riled up. We're going back to the freaky stuff, right? No, not really, but there was a dude, same neighborhood, lived right behind me. I'll tell his name because he won't mind because if I can get him on here, he'll, he, he'll be laughing. And he don't care if he was here. I would describe it the same way. This dude, just like Universal just said about the gargoyles, this dude could have jumped up on a building and stayed still. You'd be like, yo, that's a gargoyle. Homeboy. And it's not for me to rape no man because I don't look at men that way, but it was obvious. Homeboy looked like a gargoyle. Little teeny ears. His, his jaw was out so like his lips. Oh, wow. But not like 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 in his his head, the head part, the forehead from the eyebrow to the hairline was like an inch. But the rest of his face was like the Hulk. And he was about five foot two. And by most accounts, they were like, he was ugly. Nice guy though. Quick to smile. But not anything that most people would fantas most women would fantasize about. So he was a nice guy. He drank a little bit. He always had a little work around the neighborhood to do, literally, when we found out. Because we never saw him with a woman. But we, there, were, there were numerous sightings of him coming out of single women's houses in the neighborhood. Four and five in the morning. They didn't want to be seen with him. But one day we were playing softball up by the park and he was watching us for a little while. And he went over to pee. And I'll tell you, I can see why. They were like, yo, yo, like, yo, look at, look at Chuck. And it's like, oh, oh look at that God. man's penis. No, that shit is huge. Yo, 
I don't look at no next man's thing, but they were all, there was no homo, but this dude had to be like about 14 inches with a short little self. Hanging. What? Lip hanging. And so that's where I got the term tripod. I said, man, you can stand in line somewhere for a long time. Just flip your thing out and just lean forward a little bit and, and you're a chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and he would talk like that man you're a sick dude man you're a sick dude <laughs> you're a sick dude so so I remember the times when I was working on the house in Queens and he'd come around cause like other neighborhood guys were helping me so it was a place to be like hey man what's going on man what's going on he'd start laughing I'd tell him nasty jokes and man you're a sick dude and I'd tell jokes about him you know I said yo man I saw you coming out that window no man you lying man <laughs> but it was true and there was a lady across the street that he was over there all the time, nailing it. But mm-hmm. he was cool about it. He wouldn't kiss and tell. He would just laugh. Didn't I see you coming up, hopping over the backyard from that girl? Hey, man, you sick, dude. You sick, dude. Yeah, right. We ain't sick. We knew exactly what we saw. Charlie was the maintenance man for the neighborhood. Yes, he mm-hmm. was. And the word got around and it was like that for a long time. And you see him walking. And one time I was messing with him. I just got out of my car, popped my car. I said, what's up, man? He was about maybe two car lengths ahead of me. I started walking behind him. He said, man, where you going, man? I said, I'm going, where you going? You taking a walk, right? I'm going to walk with you. No, nah, man, go ahead, man. Like, man I got me. Go ahead. I'm like, no, nah, man. I said, where you going? I got pipes to go lay. Exactly. He's laughing. He's like, come on, man, come on. And he stopped. He said, man, I'm going home. So he acted like he's going home. I said, I'll walk you home, man. Come on, man. God damn it. You know what's going on. <laughs> you sick dude, man. You sick dude. I can't make everybody know my business, man. So he was walking. I was by the car. He turned around. He broke out running. He broke uh-uh. out running. Then I hopped in the car. And went, I ain't see him. He was gone. Wow. He's somewhere. But everybody knew him. But yo, I'll tell you, his... I don't knock a next man. I don't. But if you saw his face, you if you, you might be scared. Like, oh damn, he was. Well, you short. had to be blessed with something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, exactly, exactly. Yeah, he got it in the face. He had to have it somewhere else. Something exactly. had to make him attractive. But I heard the lady across the street on the phone. It was a hot summer night, and her window was open, of course, in the screen, and she was talking about him. She was talking about him. Why? Charlie cleaned me out, you know. Oh my God, <laughs> boy, I never feel no way like that. And then she said, when his thing was hard, he would hold her up and lean back and flex his butt cheeks and let his hands go, and she's still right there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> now she was petite now. She was petite. So I don't know how true that was, but that's what she said. I never had a man do it to me like that. He'd hold her up. Like he's inside of her now. He's standing mm-hmm. up and she's facing him. So he leans back a little bit, flexes his butt to push it all out. And, and she, she doesn't hold on around his neck. Just stay right there. And he moves his hands. <laughs> that is crazy. I can't believe I'm saying this on a on a, on a I can't believe show. you're saying this either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. And then, hey man, you're a sick dude. I said, where'd you go last night? Hey man, get out of here. You're a sick dude, man. You're a sick dude. Yo, I'm gonna really try to get him on there because you know he's here and there. And I think his mother died. He was always living with his mother, but mm-hmm. when he was younger, he had jobs and stuff. 
But it's like he got to a certain point, and um, that was the guy who, this is an offshoot. Remember the time I told you I saw the thing, me and, me and my friend Carlos, saw the, that mm-hmm. big tall orange thing walking across the mm-hmm. street? It was flaming. Mm-hmm. There was some, some old, you know, surreal stuff. We were shook. So even he didn't want to go home to his apartment because his wife was out of town. He's like, yo, man, they got me shook. And Carlos, dude, he ain't scared of nothing. He's scared of little dogs. He'll run from them, but he's been in shootouts, beating down people. And so he's in prison for 10 years. But a little chihuahua run after him. Yo, get that dog away from me. And he'll run. One day, this is a, we saw him by the park down by Lincoln Park, by Linden Boulevard, 134th Street. He was mm-hmm. up on the tall fence holding on. I can't come down to that dog goes. <laughs> but, but we were shook. And so we went on back to my house. And we were sitting, like, okay, I used to park the van close to the house. And so we were sitting behind the van just talking about it. The sun was already up bright. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie came riding around on a bike. And we just didn't want to be bothered because we were shook. So we ducked. And, and he knew something. It was quiet in the morning. And Charlie, he was kind of scoping out because I know the two houses in the block he was. But he was riding that little squeaky bike around. <laughs> And we were like, yo, be quiet, don't cry. And he looked over by the house like, I heard somebody talking. It was spooky. We were just spooked out. But um, yeah, Charlie. But he, Charlie had a brother that was gay. And this dude had a, both their faces. Like, Charlie looked like a gargoyle, but this guy looked like a demon in his oh, face. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over his wow. eyes were like, 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 like when a boxer gets his eyes bulged out. You know, mm-hmm. and his face was bare. You could tell he plucked his eyebrows, and the eyebrows looked like a hawk. I could never forget this man's face. And to me, I'm not going to say it because he was gay. The dude had straight up demons in him. Because mm-hmm. he, was, he was flaming from back in the day. He was the front of the line type homo. He, he, was, a, he was a trailblazer with it. Right. So he didn't bother about anybody really, but he was shooting heroin, and he was doing other kind of drugs. So a couple of friends of mine, what was it? I forgot his name, but that was a dude that lived behind me in 92, 93, 91. I used to play around with that radio scanner mm-hmm. and the scanner that I told you the scanner I had was mm-hmm. from out of the country and it had no cutouts. So in the frequencies to make a quick explanation, say you have 1000 to 1400 or 1600 megahertz or whatever most scanners that are sold in america make and this is not the real numbers i'm just making this up from 1 to 100 you can hear from 200 to 300 you couldn't hear from 300 to 400 you could hear from 400 to 5 cutouts so wow. those frequencies mm-hmm. you can never get but when you got some of the japanese scanners see i was always in the gadgetry and crazy stuff from way back it didn't have no cutouts so the cell phone frequencies 800 something megahertz, you can hear. But you were hearing the tower, the cell tower. So if somebody mm-hmm. was driving through, because you had a tower here, a tower there, a couple miles down, a mile or two down, different cell phone towers. So we were actually listening to the tower. So if you have somebody who's driving, they would come in the area and their signal would go to the tower until they reached the next one and the next one picked it up. Then you right. hear, eh, eh, eh. But with cell phones being first out around those years, I mean, it came out like in early 80s, but still in the 90s, people had old cell uh, 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 cordless phones. 
and some were still being made a certain way where, and this is true now, 46 megahertz, 46, uh, exactly, it was almost like two or three within, but I know 40, 46, 430, 46, 470, 46, 530, going up, everything, but it was like 10 of them in the 46 megahertz frequency. That was the handset. And 49 megahertz um, was the bass. Mm-hmm. So if you had a scanner who you program it to latch on to these frequencies, anybody around you, closer to you, you'd hear them on their cell, on their cordless phone. And the further away they were, the weaker the signal, then it was weaker. So if I had this program to, to cycle from 46, uh, uh, whatever, those 10 frequencies only, mm-hmm. anybody who picked up their phone, bam, 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 middle of the night, daytime, the closer, you'd hear it. Yo, yeah, my husband just left. I'm going to make sure he gets to work when he calls me. I'm going to call him and making sure he gets there safe. And I'm going to let you know. All right? I'm going to call you some chick. You know, I'm using a man's voice. A lady who's respectable, a church lady the block across the street. I won't say no names. So no, you have some dude or maybe a Charlie type come over and roll up and nail this wife, right? Or you may hear the lesbians down the block or the other lady who's smoking crack, but she's like another housewife or whatever. You just hear kind of crazy stuff. Well, this joker lived behind me, Charlie's brother. And everybody had their nickname for him. But um, one of my, I had multiple crews of people that, they all knew each other, but they hung out with, they all went to the high school together, this one and that one. And they all knew each other, but I'd hang with this one and that one. So one crew was like, yeah, Mr. Goodbody. One of them called him Mr. Goodbody for some reason. I don't know. But we used to, that's how we referred to him. Yo, I saw a Goodbody up there bugging. He was high on drugs. So he was tall and he had this hawk-like feature, like he was turning into some kind of hawk-like demonic face. And plus, you know, he messed with himself, you know, silicone and eyebrows mm-hmm. messing up and over his eyes were bulging out. This is Charlie's brother. So this dude's an extreme fag and Charlie is looking like a gargoyle, you know, shish kebab and all these chicks walking around, you know, <laughs> holding, wow. holding them up with no hands. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so we see good body up by the whole stroll, up, up by Waltham, which is a block away from Suffolk Boulevard and Liberty and going out by South Road. And he had always went on a rainy night and had an umbrella. Like tilted down so you can't see his face. But then you see him not really in a dress, but he always had these boots on. He was trying to sell himself, but he was trying to get some. It wasn't so much the money, but it was, okay, drugs, whatever. And I don't know what happened. He'd get beat up all the time, but you never knew how. So anyway, I'm sitting up in the bed, chilling. And this is around the time that I was with my old girlfriend, Donna, when I was still living that crazy life. And I had to scan. Sometimes the scanner was scanning quiet. And it would catch a signal far away, but you can reduce the sensitivity to keep it where it's only strong signals. So all of a sudden I hear, somebody dialing. I said, damn, that's a strong signal. That's got to be somebody close. And all of a sudden I hear, hello, Brandon. I said, who is this? Hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I, I, I'm just all fucked up right now. I just want to talk to somebody, you know. This guy beat me up because I told him he was killed. I said, that's good, buddy. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so he's like, man, I told you about that. Man, you, you got to go. You got to chill out, man. You can't. Everybody ain't going to go for that shit, man. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I'm a little lonely right now and I'm depressed. And 
I'm, I'm trying to kick the drug habit, but it's, it just keeps calling me. So I'm like hearing it, and I'm like, eh, this is a boring conversation. I already know what he's all about. But before I hung up, he said, well, let me tell you what brightened up my day. I was like, okay, let me see what, what brightens up a day what or something like that. Did he, day? Mm-hmm. did he get like gangbanged by 10 dudes or something? Is this making him happy? So he said, oh, you know that, that, that one that I deal with, he comes over, he, he's very paranoid about being seen with me. I'm like, uh-oh, he talking about the neighborhood now. I've been in this neighborhood too long. He about to, you know, we're going to do some, he, he's going to spill the tea. So he's like, yeah, yeah. He didn't say the name, but I knew who it was because he described them. There was a guy that sold drugs that had hazel eyes in the neighborhood, and there was only one dude like that. And he was a, he was a, uh, a womanizer, well, not a womanizer, but he was always around gorgeous chicks. That was his front. And you could hear both sides of the conversation, but good body was saying, yeah, you know, he ain't really paying them bitches no mind, you know. He, he, he's hooked on my head. And I was uh-huh. feeling so down. And he came over, and I, I know what he want, you know. I mean, it's always, he tried to make small talk like his own nice thing. He come over here, just lay down, let me do my thing. And he just gets paralyzed, and he loves it, and his toes be spreading. Yeah, I think I got some serious dick control, because I be looking at his toes, I say, little toe move, and suck it a certain way, that little, little toe move. I'm like, damn. <laughs> like, he got strings inside oh, of his God. foot, and I can suck it a certain way. I make the toe go, look like he got cerebral palsy. I'm like, I was cracking up. Oh, <laughs> my God. I called Donna. I was like, yo, come over here. You didn't hear this. She said, that's that funny looking guy. You know? So he was talking about him, some other dudes that sold drugs, and how they had their time. They, you know, call them, and they come through, you know. And, and um, there was a house next door to me that was rented out to a lot of people. And at nighttime, I'm always noticing people hopping that fence a lot. Not every night. But that's where the dudes were going to. They, they, they came down my block and hopped through and went to, from his backyard in through his back door. Now, he lived with his mother also. So he didn't have to worry about his brother seeing who it was because his brother was out slinging dick somewhere else. Man, you sick dude, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sick dude. <laughs> so, like, all of this colorful neighborhood, this crazy stuff going on. So my you'd see God. him. Yeah, you, you, you'd see him. Walking up down the street, sometimes you see him all busted up. It's like, man, this guy's just steady getting beat up. So, well, what was he doing? He was trying straight men, and they were kicking his behind. Yeah, but he wouldn't put his hand on nobody. He was just—he was annoying. Now, with me being a bodybuilder, not at that time, but years before, you know, he would gawk at me, and see, a lot of times he would be high, and that was not heroin. That he was taking those times, he would take heroin and nod out. You see him nodding out, but then he'd come out of it and start saying, "Damn, here I got." Was he drinking, using <laughs> heroin, and something that kept him up? It was like a com- a-, a combo. Like you go to a fast food. Let me get the burger, cheese deluxe with the French fry, the large coke, the combo, the deluxe. He had some. He stacked his drugs because he he was bipolar with drugs. Oh it was weird. God. So, so there's a song that James Brown made. It was uh, either late 70s, or 81, 80, 79. Too funky in here. It's too funky, funky in here. Give me some air. You know, funked up mm-hmm. the air. 
But the beginning of it was it sounded just like good body when he was high. Because he'd be nodding around, just like just moaning, just not all the time, but you see that he's oh on that shit God. again. Oh and so, God. <laughs> so I heard it, oh and I'm always God. associating things and twisting up words. I was like, yeah, that sounded like good body. So every time it caught on, <laughs> people driving by the car, driving in the street, they caught it. Leave me alone, motherfucker. And the funny thing, too, you know, when you have a person who had their bow legged, right? See, he was bow-legged real bad, and he was kind of tall. But what happened is, I heard they beat him up and threw him down by the train tracks up on the A train, left his boulevard stop, and his leg was broken so bad, and he never got it uh, dealt with. So it's like, yeah, see, you okay, imagine bow legs, they go out and come in. Yeah. Well, both of his legs, one was bow-legged naturally, and the other was bow-legged naturally, but it cracked in, so both his legs were like a letter C. They were oh both bold. Oh, God. So it made him walk in a funny way. It was a broker's leg the other way. So it wasn't like, oh like, like two, two C's turned on each other. It was like two C's it, facing two C's the same back way. To, they, he, they were spooning. <laughs> oh, my yes, God. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. That's not funny. <laughs> God, that's not funny. That is not funny. Oh, God. <laughs> so nobody he, fixed it. He never fixed the leg. Never did. I don't know what happened with him. Oh, never my did. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Charlie, two different ends of the spectrum. But Charlie yeah, looked like a, for real. He looked like a little gargoyle hobbit. But, but oh, James was his name. James, good body. You know, James. And if you, like, we'd mess with him. Like, we'd drive him by and say, James! Hall's calling me, you know. He was always high. And when you see his face, like even if you didn't, if he, stared, if he sat down somewhere and didn't act up funny, you'd be like, yo, what's up with this guy? His face in the nighttime? Oh, oh God, no, 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 no. Okay, no. okay, I can't say this mm-hmm. here, but I'm going to say it in a way where you'll know. Remember, there's somebody we know that was in question and they sent you a photo. Just like that. <laughs> Just like that. But worse. More exaggerated. Almost the same way of talking, too. I'll hit y'all off with that information off the air. For real. But it was more morphed. It was scary. Oh, my God. You know, I, no, tried, you, to for, I, I tried to forget that. Don't you know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, no for I real. try to forget that. Me as a big, strong-ass man, if I see that person, mm-hmm. if they're alive, I don't know. I doubt it because many years have gone by and they abuse themselves. Who knows, you know? You he never know. Christ- he might be a Christian pastor with a wife and three kids right now. <laughs> for you real. How are you, Lance? I remember the time that you made fun of me, but... The Lord can change anyone around. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd scream and run off. I said, listen, where's your brother? Oh, there he is. He's a deacon. Man, you're a sick dude. You need to come to the Lord. Like, get out of here. <laughs> what was his last name again? Oh, oh, him. Oh, no, the good body. We call him good body. body. Yeah. Church of the good body. Right. <laughs> you over there laughing? Church of the good body. Church of the good body. Church he tried of the good to go to- body. He tried to go to college too, good body, while he was all messed up. 
He got, oh, I think he God. got the student loan just to get the money to get, get get a car, and he smashed it up. Mm-hmm. But he went to he went there for like two weeks, and I heard when he went into the bathroom to use the bathroom, the no. bathroom stalls, there were three of them all messed up. He turned around in the urinal and took a dump. No. <laughs> oh God. People coming in there and saying, "I had no choice." I'm like. Pants all around his knees, you know, the little thing where you stand up in front of as a man and urinate. Right, he right, put, right. He, he put his butt in that thing. You know, man. It's true. It's the neighborhood stuff. There's other people that's going to come on and they know him. I don't know if Joe Nakebone knows him because Joe Nakebone I really, I really look forward to that day. I look forward to that day, honestly. <laughs> I do. I, I told you, to I have the richest childhood growing up in a loving home and had lots of characters in the neighborhood that's why i gotta get carlos on big ty whoever else they can get on we look look hurry I, up <laughs> yeah 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 I, I can i don't even have to be i can just be there just quiet like okay and you're going to hear them tell stories from their end of things i already told you like oh shoot and you'll be like yo that really was true okay the lady that one of the ladies that i knew that was getting shish kebab by, by charlie the gargoyle, right? Mm-hmm. It ended up where she started, we realized she started smoking crack. She was Jamaican. She's real pretty from when, when she was young. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a little boy and I used to be in that window clocking her hard. She was real pretty, nice, not heavily built, but just fine. And as she got older, you know, she maintained a certain type of look, but she was hitting that crack. But she maintained. Oh. Yeah, but... She maintained, when you look close, if you remember what she looked like when she first came from Jamaica, and and remember, this is one who, her father, went to school in Jamaica with my father. I told you about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, my father was born in 1916, right? So when he was going through, like, what the equivalent of elementary school, God, what year was that? So my father used to do homework for him. Oh, no, no, he used to do homework for my father, even up to until the equivalent of high school, because my father had the muscles, he was strong, and had all the women. And this guy was like a little, you know, a wimp. So nobody would bother him, because my father was like his little, he protected him. Like, you do my homework, and you ain't got to worry about nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so anyway, his daughter. And so it's funny how, my father looked at him, he looked at him. I was like, wait a second. Because they aged a lot. They're looking like mm-hmm. And they realized they would be talking. But her father was a bad alcoholic. Bad. He was the quietest guy in the world sitting on them steps. And anytime he got a drink in him, this is what you heard. Who the Ross Clark? Who the Ross Clark? And he would be sitting out there when he get drunk. It, don't let him get drunk in the daytime because his mind worked backwards. All of a sudden, the rain would start coming down and he, and he sound, he's a little guy, but his bark was bigger than his bite. I don't know what the other words were before he, but I knew it. Ross, Ross, for hours. And he did this with a straight face. He sounded angry. If you were walking down the street and you saw him on the steps, Ross, He's not looking mad. He, he, while he's doing, he wave at you. And wave oh at you. Oh, my God. And he, his mind would work backwards. 
So it'd be oh pouring down raining and he was drunk. Why is it that he decided to go out there and water the plants? Rain pouring down. Even Ross is pouring his water the plants. I'm like, this guy lost his mind. So, oh, God. So anyway, homegirl was still fine. You can tell. And she didn't look old. She just looked a little ragged. A little couple wrinkles coming in. But she still had a nice shape. Her lower belly was pushing out. Well, she was slim, but, you know, like a right. person who may have fibroids or something. And so she drank a little bit, but she started hitting that crack. So she never, like, she messed around with guys in the neighborhood, but it was almost like she was trying to pass it off like a relationship. But if nobody was around, she kind of let you know we can hang out. But she, everybody knew her and her family. Like, they didn't grow up in the house. They came from Jamaica. And, like, they, they, they grew up, they, they went on their own ways. Even the younger, like, her children, they, they went on their own ways, but they come around every now and then. And she mm-hmm. was the one left with the house. So when everybody was gone, it was like fair play. So I remember one day I was over there, you know, because we still knew each other respectfully, you know. Right, and right. I used to park my car over there. That, that, that older Benz that my father gave me, mm-hmm. it was over by there. And then it was, ended up over by the other lady, Emma Bell, who I made that view about. Mm-hmm. Like, my neighborhood was too daggone colorful, man. I could just talk about the neighborhood, different years, and tell you, there's stories I haven't told you that you'd be like, listen, Lance, you've got to be lying. That I'd have to, I, I'd call up somebody else and say, tell that story, and I'd shut up. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So, or I have them tell stories, probably I didn't tell, I didn't know, because they didn't uh-uh. have experiences, other friends of mine too. So, we were over there one night, I was sitting on the steps with her, I know she was smoking a little bit, but she was still the person in the neighborhood, close to my family, close you know, I pulled up one night. So she, Lassie, Lassie, what's going on with you? I haven't come talk with me. Now, she wasn't trying to hit on me. I was sitting there, you know, and, and I know she wanted to take it there because she wanted money for crack. But it wasn't really like, I just want to, because she had other people she could do that with. But it was like, in her mind, it was like, if I kind of open that door with him, I'd really be in the mix because I was making money at that time. Good amount of money. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, but she couldn't push it past that. So we're sitting there and it was coming up soon because it was cool. It was coming up on Thanksgiving. And so me and my old girlfriend, we decided we went to, um, we went to Pathmark and we, would, we, would, we, had, we had a lot of food. We always kept a lot of food. So it was, that was nothing for us. So when we went to Pathmark, I said, you know what? I'm going to say the name too, right? I said, she's over there. I know she's doing her thing and whatnot, but let's spend a couple hundred dollars and, and just, just bless her. So, mm-hmm. I mean, her house was still clean and it didn't look like a crack house. So she, it was just her that was doing that because she still had family members come around and help with things. But the people that would come around her because she was n- never walking the streets, like they wouldn't stay away. Like they'd see him say, hey, how you doing? And just keep walking. And a homeboy was one of them. Hey, you sick dude, man. Hey, hey, man, <laughs> you sick dude. So everybody knew he knew her. So it wasn't funny to be seen with him. Right. So. I drove up and she was so grateful. Lancey, Lancey. You know, people in the neighborhood used to call me Lancey because my father right. was Lance and I'm Lance. If my mother called us, if he was working on the truck outside, we'd both come in. So it's like, we got to figure out a way. So I'm going to call you Lancey. And that was, so anybody from back in the day that said, Lancey, what's up? It turns my head. So right. um, anyway, you know, she's like, Lancey, Lancey, you're such a nice, you know, I got to really say that, I watch you grow up and you're such a nice whatever, whatever. 
And then here I come with all of this stuff. She screamed. She told all her family. I mean, for years, Aww. she just gave me props for that. And oh, it was that a gesture. Was sweet. But I did, I spent about, I said about, I said, let's spend a couple hundred. I just wanted to do, I must have spent like seven, and that was back then. That was, a, I mean, it was me and Donna and food in the backseat up to the ceiling and in the trunk. What? Was, yeah, yeah, like that. It's, I mean, and we just grabbed stuff off the show. It's like, it was like, she might need ketchup. She might need, yeah, three turkeys, put them in, oh, get a fourth one. What the hell? Uh, get, throw some chicken. Where, where, where yeah. was she going to put all of that, Lance? <laughs> you, y'all didn't think about that, right? Didn't I didn't think, think that about far that. ahead. I, I didn't think about God. that. But I think I think her son brought a, an extra fridge that he had in his basement hmm. and gave it to her. But it still wasn't enough room, so she ended up giving some of the giving stuff away. Giving a lot away. Yeah. yeah. She said, oh, "You mad?" I said, "No. If you do it, you know." She said, "I gave a little bit of it away. <laughs> <laughs> stuff to drink, like the common stuff that people run out with. Like, okay, I mean." We know sugar's bad for you, but, you know, people use sugar. You still need it, right. I, we, we, we brought so much sugar and big thing of flour, the staples, man. So even if she ran out of that food and she got broke, she can still whip something up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so right. she was like, she was like, we, we did She it. was set for a couple of months, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there were some people still like, one of the cashiers like, because it was Thanksgiving, so it was a common thing for people to buy a lot of food. But they were like, yo, the kind of shopping we did was like, she didn't have nothing. So we got the staples and all that stuff, plus more, and a big variety. Like, it was non-directional. Like, we went down every aisle and pulled stuff off, and it wasn't just one cart. <laughs> you know what I mean? We right. pushed stuff to the side, like, don't touch this, because we're going to get another cart. And put. And I feel good about that. I That's mean, beautiful. all the next day, she was telling the neighbors, she was telling everybody, and I'm saying like this for a reason, right? I'm, I'm setting up the punchlines and stuff, right? So about maybe a year and a half goes by. She's still talking about it. So the thing that she was on, whatever, I mean, it's crack, but she put, put it in weed and smoke it. There's a word for that. I don't remember what it was. It's almost like, you know, I'm a crackhead, but I'm in denial. <laughs> this is a joint I'm smoking, but really, it's something else in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. It, it was a joint and drag. <laughs> it was crack, but acting like a dag on, you know, a joint. So, um, no, it was crack and drag, acting like a, like a joint. So, uh-huh, anyway, uh-huh. she was hitting the crack hard. And I gave her money every month to park the car right there. It was just, you know, the houses are close to get a little narrow way right in the front. So I had given her money for two months. Forgot what it was. It wasn't much. So she came to me the next day. She was upset. She got this boyfriend now. Walking around like a Catholic. He had the collar, you know, little white collar, always wore black. This dude is always, nobody knew his name, but everybody called him preacher. And he was a crackhead. He's, de- he's dead now, right? Preacher! Preacher! So he must have gotten her ear because he was territorial. He was trying to flex like a man. He was an older dude. He looked like an ugly version of uh, Nick Ashford. He, he, had the, you know, he dyed his hair black, but his face was like, he just looked musty. But he wore uh-uh. this thing every... He never wore nothing else except that. And I'm going to tell you his hustle. Right? These are stories. So anyway, he put it in her ear to come back and ask me for more money. And then, you know, I would have given it to her, even though I paid her for the, for, the, for the space in her yard. 
But she came at me like I never gave her nothing. And she said, you, you're not giving me nothing, you know. Don't take no, don't, don't, don't take advantage of us. You know, our families go weird back, you know. And you're going to try me like this? I said, hold on a second. Why are you yelling like that? No, nah, because you do me wrong, Lancy. You do me wrong. I'm a grown-ass man. She's, I didn't mind her calling me Lancy because she grandfathered in with that. I said, listen. I said, I gave you money yesterday. You don't remember that? I said, I gave you two months of the money. I said, come on, don't do me like that. If you need money, I'll give it to you. You're like family to me, regardless of what, 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 what you're going through. Wait a minute now. What are you telling me about my going through now? Well, 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 hold on a minute now, man. What are you talking about? I said, listen, come wow. on. You know I don't like this yelling and screaming. It's ignorant. This is where we are. This is where we grew up, and this is where we are. So why you got to yell like that? We always get along. So what are you trying to say? Huh? What are you trying to say? I'm boom clad, Huh? Me know you have them freaky parties. And me, me know your girlfriend lick pussy. What? Yes. You're nasty, man. What? Lick up the woman and bat your old. Me know that, you know. People talk. I said, listen now. You going on. You acting like a crackhead. You call me crackhead? Huh? You call me crackhead? Boom clad. She turned around and dropped her jaws and spread them cheeks. What? I remember, think, I remember thinking to myself, she, she's a crackhead now, she's older, but them things still look good. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> she went on and on and on, went across the street. This was two in the afternoon. Oh my God. She went up on the second floor from the bedroom and then they got that little roof that is over the little porch part. Yeah. She stood out there like it was a stage. And she cussed me out to a little bit after midnight from two o'clock. She cussed me out to a little without stopping. She, her voice was, ah, ah. She, her, she, she was hoarse. She could not talk for the next three oh, weeks. Wow. Cussed me out. Unbelievable. And I didn't mess with her no more. I got that. As a matter of fact, when she started doing that, I drove the car out. And I, you know, the lady down the block, she said, oh, you can put it in my yard. Just pay me this, whatever, whatever. You know, but everybody was outside though. Kind of like not super distant, but they were there. Everybody all of a sudden had to sweep in the front. Like, damn. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. And so she went on and on. And she was hurt, but that thing took her over. And then the, 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 the crackhead preacher who lived with her now, I see him in the doorway late at night. Now he was like damn near 60 years old and never treated his body right. You know what I mean? He was a skinny guy, but he was he was frail. Like if I hit him, he'd get knocked out. So he's over there shadow boxing because he he had a thing about me, you know, because I was a little younger. And even before mm -hmm, he came mm -hmm. around, I was the muscle guy in the block. You know what I mean? There's other guys that are in the neighborhood, whatever. But in my block, it was like, yo, that, that Lance, the, the, the dude Lance. And I had knocked out this guy in a fight and a couple of things like that. So I had like a little reputation. So. He didn't like that. Plus, you know, he's aging like me. I'm aging. Uh, you know, it doesn't bother me none. I mean, I wish I could go back to the old days and, you know, run higher and jump faster and whatnot. You know what I mean? You know, have five <laughs> orgasms in a day. I can't do that now. <laughs> These days, it's like, and that's it. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you, ever see, you ever see a drop of water on a leaf <laughs> and it's standing up? <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You know I'm a comedian. Oh, anyway, my God. So, so she's, hmm. you know, he's over there shadow boxing. I'm looking at him like, fool, don't you try it. But here it is. 
We got cool after that. She apologized like a month a month. Lots of me can't believe we both fell down on that level. And you told me I was a crackhead, but you know, I can't believe I said those things to you. She felt religious and spiritual one day. You know what I mean? That happens with people with their substance abuses. Sometimes they just break out crying and, you know, then they'll be back on it the next day. So I said, okay, it's no problem, whatever, whatever, you know. <laughs> I felt like saying, yeah, you still got a nice ass. <laughs> I couldn't say oh that. Oh my I was like, goodness <laughs> gracious. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Dudes on the block like, yo, you should make her cuss you out more often, man. I can get my camera out for that. You know, Mm-mm. big, big ass camcorder back in those days. But he got cool with me. And when I started driving the dollar van, boy, I had a colorful life back up in Queens. When I started Jesus. driving the dollar van... <laughs> You caught a lot when you met me. <laughs> what? 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 Because, see, I was the same way, like, talking with people and instigating, telling jokes. So I was a spoon stirring stuff up. Not evil, but fun times. Because people mm-hmm. were like, if I'm walking down the street and some dudes on the corner that I know that are cool, some might have been hustling, someone just chilling out or in the block. They see me come. Oh, here come Lance. Get ready for the funnies. So I was always like that with people I knew. So I was made for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, it, but anyway, um, the preacher came up with a hustle. So he wasn't no damn preacher. They call him preacher, but he had the Catholic collar on. Always had that on. And he would play the role now with families that didn't know him in other blocks. If he heard somebody die, he, he's real dark with jerry curls, Right? And they were all standing up, right? And he had the, the dark, I mean, it was sometimes a hot summer. I was like, that nigga got to be sweating. So, <laughs> so he'd come up and ring your bell. You're like, who is this man? Uh, I just found out of the unfortunate passing of your grandmother. And I just wanted to come by. And um, oh, by the way, my name is, uh, whatever his name was. They, they call him preacher, but he would say his name. But we call him a preacher. You know, my name is so-and-so. And just respectfully, I just wanted to, you know, we don't do this anymore in our community. We don't go to the doors and shake hands and wish good wishes. And he, he'd give the talk and he'd always get some money out of the people. He would never ask oh, a preacher or whatever. Or I, I don't, I, right now at this point, you know, I, I left town and was out for a few years. And, you know, unfortunately my, my grandmother passed away. I'm like, listen, he lied. Old as he looked, he talked about his grandmother just passed. It could be possible, but he was always, he was using that for years. So he didn't have a church. And that was his explanation. He doesn't know how long he's going to stay there. He was there for years, and he was using that same old tired story, walking up the block, counting money like, here, honey, look, we, 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 got, we got to make a run, meaning going to get cracked. Mm-hmm. So he had this hustle because I was doing the dollar van. He, was, he came to me one night. He said, Lance, I, I need your help. Um, it's going to be a very lucrative endeavor, and I just need you to help me pick some things up. You know, I said, ho, 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 pick up what? I said, I got legitimate paperwork on my van as a, as a for-hire vehicle. I said, but I'm still not going to put myself in. No, 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 no. I, I wouldn't do that. I respect you too much. Let me explain the hustle. But don't tell anybody. I said, no, no, my lips are sealed. Well, um, we buy cigarettes here. Oh, no, 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 no. We buy cigarettes in Long Island, Nassau County, sometimes Suffolk County. There was a tax that they, that, that they didn't have to pay that they had to pay on the cigarettes in the five boroughs. Right. So he would go out there. He had a hookup with a, a, a little bodega. A little they would order all these cigarettes and they'd have some for themselves. 
But they had, this, they had to get taxed. Don't know, some kind of way they got away from it. And he'd buy all of these at a low price. And he'd bring them out, uh, drive it out there with them. And he'd sell it to the bodegas in the neighborhood, dirt cheap. And they would give him all that money. You know, and they saved because they're going to have to pay the same thing anyway, plus the tax. But with that amount, you know, so it was a hustle. So every right. month or so, or every three weeks, you ready to make that run? I'm like, come on, man, let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I had to take the seats out my van, and I, we, they'd stack the boxes up to the ceiling. It was a Chevy Astro, a seven-passenger other than me. And so we would go out there and, and bring the cigarettes back, whatever. So it was cool. The, the, the bodega owners would see me and say, hey, where's your friend? Tell them, you know, we're ready now. Not two more weeks. I'm like, all right. Hey, man, preacher, you know, call your buddy. So it was like running drugs, but it wasn't drugs. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. So, no, no but, he, no, but here's the most unbelievable story concerning them, or really her. But I, there's, there's no one I wanted to say before that. In that circle, what was it now? Let It'll me, come to where's me. my pen? Where's my pen? <laughs> <laughs> you never heard these before, now, did you? That's why I'm finding my pen. So like, well, <laughs> you don't you don't forget. I'm I'm gonna make sure that you come back to the story. Uh, <laughs> no, Go but ahead. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get within this week. I'm gonna seriously get some other guys, you know, from New York, mm-hmm. growing up. That, that that I'm gonna let them tell it. I'm gonna tell you this All way, right. but. Okay, I was working at Home Depot just for a couple months. This, this was 1994. Mm-hmm. I started working at Home Depot in 1994 in January. And this was July uh, uh, 3rd going into July 4th. And I don't know if I had to work that day or the next day. Because, you know, they, they hate to give you, like, consecutive days off. They want to work you like a slave. So... I'm sitting here, and we're on our front steps. You know, she lived across the street. And all of a sudden, we, uh, okay, how did it work? She was dealing with another guy. She then got rid of the preacher temporarily, right? And um, this big, strong guy, but he was, he was smoking crack too. Anybody she dealt with was smoking crack. But he was also a truck driver that didn't get caught with anything in the system yet. So I think maybe he got fired from one job was about to get another one because there'll be gaps where you see him a lot then you don't see him. I don't know whether he just drove locally or like long distance because he was always around. But that's neither here nor there. I'll probably never know. So all of a sudden I hear her screaming. Yelling out screaming. Pow, pow. See he was beating her. Oh my God. Yeah he was he was he was beating her big time. And we were all sitting on the steps in front of my house. You know, so we had, uh, okay, this was 94. Okay, so the hedges weren't there. But there was a fence between, but you can run from the front of any one of the houses and run down in my backyard because I didn't fence off yet the way I eventually did. Right. So she runs out. Now, at this particular time, I have my backyard filled up. With the laugh board, like, you know how when you dig out the plaster and it's them strips of wood with plaster between it and they Mm -hmm. got nails in there? Well, from Mm -hmm. the attic and the second floor, I threw everything out in the backyard. I said, I'll I'll gather up another time. And it was about maybe between the plaster and everything and just stuff I dumped 
It had to be like about four feet, five feet high, four feet, three feet, four feet, and at the top was like damn near five feet. Well, she ran out of that house barefoot, her little shorts on. She used to love to wear them green shorts. She didn't look good no more after that. <laughs> but anyway, she ran out and screaming, Lotsy, Lotsy, but she didn't stop. So me and a bunch of dudes were there. We knew she was getting beat, but we, we knew she, she also would provoke stuff, which is not, not even a, it, it, it's not right to beat a woman no matter what she do. If you try to stab me or shoot me, I'm knocking you out. But other than that, <laughs> it's like I'll take right. a few blows and get right. out of here. So she runs and shoots down the side of the house and runs up over the laugh board with the plaster with the little nail stuck up. Oh, God. And she was so terrified. Ah, you hear like hurting, but she kept running. And she said, the next day, back there, my foot bloody, you know, my foot bloody. <laughs> it was not <laughs> funny, but anyway, the dude comes out, and he's looking for her. Did y'all beat his ass? See, that's the thing, because she was, do- he, she, he caught her with some next dude we found out, and he was cuckoo. But we didn't want to get involved in that because we were scared, but because she was doing that, I'm like, a man come home and catches women cheating, that's a different flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah. You, you shouldn't do that because you don't know how somebody's going to go off. If they go off, they, it may not be justified because I would walk away. I've been in that situation, I walked away. But different men are different ways, but all that rage, you don't know because he was, used to carry a little piece. So mm. we're like, so he just walked up out of there. He saw us and he walked up out of there. And he was like, oh, I'm sick of this bitch. He walked away. Right? We didn't see him no more. She saw or heard that he walked away. She came back. She called an ambulance and other people called the cops. The cops didn't get there, but the ambulance got there first. The ambulance pulls up right on the sidewalk, right by the little chain link fence, which is like about waist high. You know how they are in Queens. Mm-hmm. And they were there, right? And so nobody was in the ambulance. They were dealing with her feet and maybe she fell and other wounds, something was wrong with her eye and some dirt got in the eye. You know how that is, was swelling up and stuff like that. So we're still out in the front because we see the ambulance and people are waking up. Remember now, he's a truck driver. All of a sudden, we we see this gas truck with the tank and delivers the gas to the gas stations, right? That's what we see coming down the block, and they had the high beams on. And then as, as this gas truck is coming down the block, it starts driving real fast. And the hose for the gas truck that goes in the ground, that was dragging and dripping a little bit of gas. It's like, what Stop the hell it. is this? Stop now, it. what he did that we didn't know, but I'm going to fill in that part of the story, he was pissed that he can drive anything. He saw a little white man at that time of the morning, putting the gas into the thing, he walks up to the white. See, this guy, this guy's not ever getting out. When you re- when I tell you the rest of the story, this is the like one of the most amazing stories. And I will have pe- they're gonna tell it different because they got a different way of telling it. It's the same thing. We found out that this dude, he was mad at he walked away, kicked the white man, bent down, kicked him in his face, kicked him in his gut. He didn't die, but he almost did because he was an older guy. And this dude keys or whatever took what he got into that truck and drove it off and then boom it pulled out from the ground where it was pumping the gas but it was off or some kind of automatic thing or something that stops i don't know but he drives back and i don't know what he was going to do because he didn't know there was an ambulance there but he saw the ambulance in front of the house so we're standing on the steps 
you start speeding up. It's late at night. It's quiet. All of a sudden, we hear, and Fat Ty, we used to call him, right? Yo, man. Yo, look at that truck, man. And they parked cars. He was so mad, he knocked into some of the, uh, uh, the side mirrors of some of the cars. They hanging. And he picked what? up the speed. It looked like 80 miles an hour, but I would say it was a good damn near 70. Down, down, down a residential street. And why was he driving that hard? Well, He's he going to run right into the back of the ambulance. Ran into the ambulance and it jumped up on two a little bit and rocked back and forth. He put it in reverse. He thought he was in a, he was in a stupor. He reversed it and smashed into it again and it moved a little bit like, like it turned left. And he went back and he smashed again. All of a sudden you hear, whoa, 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 whoa. And from both sides of the street, we're like, yo, I can't believe this. So this dude, he don't care. He reverses again and cops, a lot of them coming down the block. Like when cops flash their lights in New York City, you see it. But there's an extra special switch that they, and it's really like bright. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So they were, they were coming down the block and he smashed into the ambulance again. Now here comes the cop car stopping and the, the cop was a fool because he got out and he was going to come toward the truck. Homeboy put it in reverse and smashed the cop car right in front of my house, reversing pow. And then he took it and went around the ambulance that was damning in the street now. And the other cop cars that were coming up, they just moved to the side and he drove off. Now it's a chase that we didn't see. So he got to the other side of the Van Wick Expressway, probably a mile up because anything in his path, he was going to go over. And they knew this. Somehow they put up some kind of barricade where they, he turned into this one street after that same gas station. And it was a bunch of cop cars and they were sitting up there with all kind of I can't I don't know what kind of weapons they had, but, you know, it wasn't no pop gun. And right. the other ones got behind them and they were all on the side. But how did they know he was going to turn down that block? I don't know. So they got him caught up. They had the guns. They didn't have to shoot it. But I think he realized what he did. And he, they yanked him out of that truck. And from what I heard, they say they beat him within an inch of his life. My and God. Now, look at this. Add up the charges. Because each major charge you can think of, some judge is going to tack four or five other ones on that one. Uh -huh. They said that, oh, he's never getting out. He's never getting out. Plus, he had a prior record with a lot of things, a lot of violence and stuff. They said he's never getting out. He beat up the woman, Right. Beat her up. So all the wounds she had is still his fault on how her feet got messed up in my backyard. And when he, the, the price of the ambulance, the ambulance was, was totaled. It still held some kind of shape. But it was no good. But you where know? was she? Because I, I was like, was she? She, yeah. she, was, she was in the house with the EMS workers. They left the ambulance and they were in the house. Oh, okay. And they had okay, the lights okay. on inside and they had a low flash on it. So he's thinking, oh, they're in there. Because they weren't. I mean, God forbid if he knew what he, you know. Yeah, because. He ran up in the house. Oh, yeah. So even doing an EMS job is dangerous because of domestic violence. And you're trying to help yeah. the person. You're trying to beat up and kill. 
So he backed into the cop car. He got all kind of charges for that. The cars that he knocked into, he, he hit somebody driving and kept going. He kicked that man in the face. Injuries mm-hmm. there. He's doing his job. They say he had so many charges that if you drop half of them or two thirds of them, he's still going away for the rest of his life. I mean, he's probably dead now, eh? Well, he was younger than me. Much younger oh, than okay. Me. Oh, oh, okay. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said, no, no. I'm thinking now. Like, he's younger than me now. Yeah, he's much younger than me now. But at that time, he was probably my same age because she was older than him. But he was a big strapping dude, but he, he looked older. Mm-hmm. Even though you can tell he was younger than her. So that thing there was a, up until that point. Uh, any, it, it was a side all things sexual. That was like one of the most spectacular things to be there. I'm not saying spectacular, like it was funny. It was tragic, but just something so, you know, I mean, you look at the world, Tracy, and say, oh my God, and you're looking at it. We know there's so many people died and they're sorry. We're sorry that they did and the pain, but you get <coughs> it in a whole different, this was some whole different level stuff. It wasn't just a fist fight or one little shootout. This was multiple levels of drama. Right, right. Multiple levels of drama. And what he did, he was like the Terminator, you know what I mean? They wouldn't even My know about the part God. with the man up there. And then he took off and, you know, ran lights and hit a car. Well, and she must have been some <clears> kind <throat> of, some kind of experience. She must have, no, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> that's what I heard. Boy. And she liked younger guys. She liked younger guys and she liked Charlie, the guy. Man, you're a sick dude, man. <laughs> you're a sick mm-hmm. dude. She he was, gave he it was to old. him good. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was one who, um, yeah, she threw it up good from what I heard. Mm-hmm. You know, that and, and, and the oral skills and all this stuff. And like I said, she was still a good looking woman, but you can see the difference from when she came right. from Jamaica. And she was young, and I was a young boy, but she glowed. She glowed. You just had to look at her. Not, not even a lustful way either. You just had to look at her. You know, she had these light brown hazel eyes. And I'm not caught up in that. We we're all made the way we are. If she didn't have them, she still would look all right. But she could have been really <clears throat> a model. And we, mm-hmm. and we say this loosely, but I don't say that loosely. She mm-hmm. really could have been, her skin was velvety without any blemish at all. Her teeth, when you look, I mean, I don't look at people like that. But when you see it, when you saw her, you had to look because it's like when you see a brand new car that looks perfect. You know, most black folks, you come around with a new car and it's like, man, it's a new car. Most black folks the first thing they see, but did you see that little scratch there? But see, so you would look for flaws, you couldn't find them. You couldn't find them. You mm-hmm. could not find them. And she was in the, they had a little pool in the backyard, and they said, Oh, come on over, you want to go to the pool? She's gonna be back there, whatever, whatever. She had no problem being like half nude. And I walked through the house when this was when everything was normal. I was like, oh my God, her titties are out. You know what I mean? But I couldn't pull myself away. (laughs) So they were like, Les, we don't see you. You going to the, yeah, I'm going to, because I stayed in the kitchen looking for them. (laughs) You're a mess. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. No, I'm honest. I'm going to tell everything. That's what y'all like. You'll know I'm going to tell everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Bernadette's kind of quiet. She probably fell asleep. I know, right? Maybe, you never know. Clubhouse is easy to fall asleep on. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Universal's over there cracking up. I know. Maybe she, maybe she went to put her children to bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm sitting here with my... I'm nodding in and out. Yeah, I'm not going to be yeah. late. And, and, and for me, I'm not going to stay on so much longer 
because I'm going to yeah. get up a little early tomorrow. I mean, they're, they're all, I mean, we can rock six o'clock in the morning for me anytime. That's three more hours. But this one here, I think we, we did, we, we did some work. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. I'm happy with this one. I got to yeah. dig deep in the archives and come up with some other stories. But I tell you, we'll do this for 10 years and I always have something new because every okay. day it was something. Every day growing up there was for something. Remind me to tell you, and I'll let Empress LG write this down. Yeah, let me write the, it down. <laughs> and this one here knew the lady across the street, <clears throat> and he was a mailman about to retire in two weeks. Hmm. But he, he did some things that got caught up in it because he was smoking crack too. Oh my God. Wow. And he was beating up his woman too, and she ran out the house naked early on a Sunday morning. I couldn't believe it, but I'll tell that story another time. <laughs> oh man! I enjoyed myself. Well, I am about to leave well, you know, that while sure I have you. enjoyed myself. <laughs> Universal so, so tired. Let me tell you, Universal so tired. Her picture, her picture looked more tired than what it was when we started. Even the picture looked tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. I'm just making jokes. <laughs> I thought I saw the picture nodding. Like, oh, okay. oh, so what were you going to talk about with Preacher and the Van? Let's just finish up that story. Oh, Preacher and the Van, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it was nothing tragic or nothing bad. But no. there something, there's something else I wanted to tell in that. Because he, he, he alone has different stories. I'm having brain farts on. But, um, oh, dear. Oh, fake-ass Preacher. All right. <laughs> But yeah, I'm we sure were delivering cigarettes and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I told you, I, this is not him. I'll just give you one more quick. I was driving the van. I had my little cards. I was always ingenious with different things. A, a cut above the rest, neon and the rims and, you know, extra dark windows, which other stories came out of that. But hmm. um, there, were, there were these guys over by the other side of the van. We're going to rock away. Because they used to do the 40 route also, sometimes occasionally. There was nobody up there and everybody else was doing the Q9s or right. the 6s. So, okay, 40, 40, come on, let's go. They all knew me, but that wasn't my regular route. So I got to know this guy named Teeth. He had gold teeth. And he knew me more than I knew him for whatever reason, because I was always known in my neighborhood. So after a while, you know, I knew he was hustling and a couple other guys and whatnot. But I was like a neighborhood staple because the one thing is they don't bring drugs in my vehicle. Yeah. Right. So I thought he knew that, right? So he's like, oh man, I want you to drop me off up in the Bronx. We're going to go to this party. And I was about to wrap it up anyway. <clears throat> and I wanted to come through Manhattan. But he was like, it was him and three other guys. And I don't know the Bronx that good. Even to this day, I'm not the specialist on the Bronx. I know the grid of the major roads, but the little streets, I'm lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you tell me, I'll know where to go. And I'll, I'll know it by sight. But if you tell me what area, I'll know. So we went up there, and it was like a really jacked up area. So he was like, yo, you know what? I'm not going to stay. He tricked me. He said they were drop, getting dropped off and okay, bye. You pay me, and I'm, I'm gone. Right. So he said, he said yo, yo, wait for me, man, because I just want to say something to my, to my boy, you know, wish him a happy birthday. He tricked me. You know, and he, I did little things for him before. So I said, okay, I'll wait here. So he came back, and he was like, I'm ready. Come on, man, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. I said, what's up with you? Come on, man, let's just let's go. So I said, okay, but I'm driving regular. And I see not cops, but detectives pulling up 
from the streets ahead of me, but stopping like, let's see where he goes type thing. Now, I'm legal to drive, right? Mm -hmm. So that protects me. So come to find out, they went up there to get a couple of eight balls, man. And because they came out the spot, the cops knew, and detectives knew, but they probably didn't want to bust us. They were just watching. Like, okay, there's somebody else. Let's get his plates. Let's get... But I'm a cab, so they couldn't hold me to that. Nobody contacted me. So I said, man, what, what was going on with you? I said, oh, man, we had to pick something up. I said, well, wait a second. You told me you wanted me to drop you off. I said, man, you can't do that, man. I said, I know you got a reputation in Queens. I'm not trying to be no bad guy, but I got a family, man. I can't be coming out here doing this. Like, right. You can't ride with me no more, man. All right, all right, all right. I mean, he saw me flare up, and I was always soft-spoken in the street and respected everybody. But I was like, how are you going to do that, man, jeopardize me? Thank God I'm legal, to, but they can push that too. They can say that you paid for me to get this so you can make runs. Exactly. And my, and my van was pimped out on the back, big letters, Sir Lance, big antenna with little... Of all little the streaming. names you could have on the back, Sir Lance. Um, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. there's a dollar van driving Queens in that part of Southside Queens, Sir Lance. You see that van? That was me. There are people I've run into, one person I ran into in the comment section, and they called me like, yo, I used to ride with you. You know, I mean, the rappers, the Lost Boys, they used to ride with me. And I yeah. knew that at the time when they were out there. And I heard from other people like, yo, man, 50 Cent before he was 50 Cent. If you did that he six rolled round. Up, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll go to him and say, yo, you might not know me, but do you remember that the dollar vans used to go? Yeah, man, I remember. Remember Sir Lance? Oh, shit, that's you? Yeah, man, give me a million dollars so I can run a super podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell the Illuminati, right? Oh, God. I'm from around the way, you know? You probably one of the guys I let ride for free when you was broke. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. But up and down for years, up and down for years, I've seen, and let's not even I was talk on the other it. end of Queens. I was down by Parsons. My, my vans mm -hmm. were down by Parsons. The long vans, the 13 seaters mm -hmm, and stuff, 15 mm -hmm. seaters. But guess yeah. what? If we went up there, because we drop off from, some guys would go from Sutphin and just turn back. Me, I was Mr. Nice Guy. I'd drop off at Parsons and drop off at 165th. Mm -hmm. But if you dared to go up on Parsons Boulevard, or if you dared to go, they, you couldn't even do that. They wouldn't beat you down, but they'd box you in and boom, McLeod, they'd try to run you off that way. Yeah, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of guys, when things died down on Sutphin, they'd go on Guy Brewer, and on Merrick, but they'd go in the middle of the route where the other guys didn't see. So they'd go- And then start from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then with the radio, the longer vans, you know, they'd come and they'd, they'd cut you off and run you up on the sidewalk. Now, if they had an issue and the cops had them hemmed up, checking their papers, it could be late, it could be the day, they'd radio down for us to come up. They'd get on our frequency and tell us to come to Parsons. But they did us wrong when they didn't want us there, but we do that to get the extra money anyway. They were cool then, right. unless they gave you permission. You know what I mean? So all of that changed now. Yeah, I heard. I heard. Mm -hmm. it's, everything now is T, T and LC license. You TLC. Know, you can't, yeah. No, but that's what I had. But it was a different level. And um, yeah, it was a different level because now you hardly see the um, you hardly see the quote unquote dollar vans. Everybody has. I don't even know how to describe it's a standard, it. Like, it's box office, like a box little thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I heard, I heard. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, and, and everybody has to have a legal name now. You, you're either oh, part, of a, part of a, um, 
a corporation or I think they know, made a new category with it's basic like okay to you it would be that way but if I looked into it it would probably be a different status that they made you know because mm-hmm. I can tell you all about that from back in the days if you were out there illegal you had the sheriff you had um, the, the police you had the TLC right. Right. you had the DOT yeah had, like, so, sometime they all yeah. were out there you better yeah. have your stuff straight if you didn't you're yeah. going to get t- told and the insurance was getting so high. At one point, I took the insurance off and took, put regular insurance and, and changed the place to regular insurance and tried to hustle that way. They caught me after like two months. And they told my I got to tell you about that story. Oh, man. <laughs> I hurried up and got them placed back on there quick. That's it was right. Good, it, was, it was good money. It was good money. It was money. good money. Yeah. It was good money. And you're like a cowboy out there. You get up early in the morning. You know, you put your stash down, you get up there, you, you go out there a little 50 bucks to 100 bucks for change, different denominations. And by the time lunchtime comes around, you're like, look at this wild I got. And you were free. And you drove as much as you want. Now, you know, I'm a fanatic. I'd get up, I'd be out there from 5 in the morning, I'd drive sometimes till 12, 11 o'clock. Get up, do the same thing. Do yes, cab fares, moving jobs, this and that. I was all, I, I lived in that van. I had hmm, some, mm-hmm. some fun times just. The things we saw, if I could have had a camera mounted and those stories, I never even talk about them stories. Then driving a bus in Orlando, bus stop confessions. And what? Shoot. I lived an amplified life, so just even now it's time to get it all out of me. I don't have to, I don't have to experience nothing no more. I could just talk about what I did for all these years. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what I mean, so, you know, yeah. Where's Miss Sunkiss? She never even came in and said hi. Right, and she just in the cut down there. Yeah. Uh-huh. She never, not even a, just a quick hello. Wow. <laughs> oh, well. And Bernadette, she might really uh, Bernadette, be sleeping Bernadette, too. Bernadette, Bernadette is probably fast asleep. Look yeah. at that. It's 327 for me, and if it's the it East Coast or the next... It's 1127. See, y- y'all can't hang. Y'all can't. It's, it's 327 for me. Look at that, and I'm amped. Yeah, we know you're. We know you're there, sir. I mean, sir, listen to me. She wrote Sir Lancelot, and I'm gonna call her. Sir. <laughs> Alicia, come on. <laughs> oh yeah, right, Sir Lancelot. Sir I dropped Lancelot. A lot. I dropped uh, a lot. I ain't like the lot part. They used to tease me. Yeah, like the lot part. Hmm. Well, you know, Lancelot is my official name. You know. And are you? You're telling me. <laughs> It's the middle name I got a big problem with. Well, hey. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what can I tell you? Uh, okay. You know, it's so funny because I see certain things and they're like uh, middle name and I'm like, oh, okay. He ain't got one. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Not on my license or nothing. I don't even mm-hmm. acknowledge it for real. Mm-hmm. Like, you pull the birth paper then you'll see it. Like, oh, no. Oh God! So ruin my image here. <coughs> but yeah, let me let me get yeah. ready to go. Let's go. Yeah, I want to straighten up in here in this part and get everything on my desk right, and then crash, get up, do some. You other should stuff go here. to oh you. Tomorrow is Saturday, right? Yeah, well, yeah. It's yeah. Saturday for you already. Yeah, I'm already yeah. in Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, so you have all day. Well, I'm free, but I want to make some content. I didn't do anything earlier today. I thought I was, you know, it's okay. Because even so, after that irritated genie show that did so well, it, mm-hmm. it kind of like, 
like after it, you're still in it. Like, man, there was yeah, no power outages, yeah, yeah. everything. So I wasn't tense, but I was like, okay, this has got to be right. I That's a good, it. That was a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted it to be just balanced and just, and it, it was damn near perfect. You know what I mean? Like the way mm-hmm. there was no interruptions, no glitches. And, and the way I set it up, even if I didn't set it up the way I did on the battery, right. it still would have went good. Cause, but when you think, oh, nothing's going to happen, bang, then all of a sudden I'm knocked exactly. out of it. Exactly. So. <clears throat> even my so. friend watched, my friend, I told her, I mm-hmm. told her about it, you know, mm-hmm. so she was able to, um, she was able to get on and watch the whole thing. Yeah, and see, the, the funny part about it is it wasn't on YouTube, but it right. got a lot of exposure because I promoted it just right. Right. I spent a lot of time. I never pr- pushed the show like I did that one. Just different social media platforms, different whatever, email mm-hmm. blast, all this and all that. I was like, my God, I feel like Don King, like a promoter. <laughs> so you were. When we, we start doing stuff on the regular, I'll, um, I'll always promote it that way, and I'll give them a little special part on the site so they can find them easy, like a little widget. Right. So, okay, you can go there right. and put all the work there because uh, I want more activity and comments and stuff on the site. But you know, folks gonna stay stuck on social media. But mm-hmm. you know how it is. But, well, anyway. this was good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm always telling you thank you. Thank you, Universal. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Santis. Thank you, hon. Everybody. I'm saying thank you like it's my show. Listen. <laughs> this is this is Miss Universal, right? Yes, yes. It's a brainchild. I'm, I'm just a guy. Just you know, I'll mop up after you know something spills. I'll clean it up. If you need extra toilet paper, I'm here to support. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Universal. Yeah, she, yeah, she, she about ready she to make tired. a little lake in that pillow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. Golly. All right. All right. She's in her bed. All right. Hold She's on. already dreaming already. <laughs> yeah. Mm. All right. Take care, hun. Take care. Take care, Felicia. See-